Friday, September the 23rd, 2021. Already towards the end of September here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. We have some NFL for you today as we bounce into week three. We'll spend a lot of time with Eric going over every game on the Sunday and Monday slate. We really dive into the week three slate. Then we'll get into the horse racing portion of this episode. For Friday, we've got some Belmont best bets and some Churchill best bets. Then for Saturday, it's a big day at Parks. They have the Pennsylvania Derby. They have the Cotillion. Five graded stakes, two grade ones, eight stakes altogether, 13 races. So we spent a lot of time talking about Parks. We set you all up with track announcer Chris Griffin, our good friend, uh, former track announcer over at Sam Houston. He's over uh, at parks and uh, he's going to be calling the races on their big day so he helps us just sort of set the scene tells us everything that's going to be happening and then john de silva joins us to handicap the races we sink our teeth into races uh, 9 10 11 and 12 for parks saturday i'm going to give you some best bets for belmont look at the uh, stakes races there they're a little chalky at belmont on saturday sunday some thoughts at churchill for uh, best bets and some of their stakes it looks like it's probably going to be the final day of racing at Arlington Park. So just in case, we took a look at the final race on the uh, the card, race number nine. We'll give you a play there, and we'll have to put a few bucks in on that final race at Arlington for Saturday. And then we get into wrestling with Chad Cooper. We hit on SmackDown, Raw, NXT, AEW, Dynamite. Really good uh, match between Daniel Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, but just really good stuff from wrestling all over. Raw was excellent this week, and it hasn't been as good over the last few months, but over the last week or, you know, couple weeks, it actually has really picked up. SmackDown continues to be good, and uh, AEW humming along, new NXT. We talk about everything happening in the world of sports, racing, wrestling. We're going to hit it all in just a minute here on That's What G Said. Presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow on Twitter at BTV Bets. And if you do, you'll notice they have giveaways every day where they're giving away wagers, prop bets, and all you have to do is follow, retweet, and you will get the opportunity to be one of the uh, the lucky recipients at BTV Bets on Twitter. Check out the live stream schedule that we have for you unbelievable amount of content over there totally free all you have to do is follow on twitter if you follow me it's me gino b you'll also be notified anytime those live streams uh, that i'm on go uh, go live uh, mondays leading up to the football games at seven eastern thursdays seven eastern leading up to the football games sundays 11 a.m 11 a.m. early uh, Sunday morning. Get you all set up for the Sunday slate. That's every week at BTV Bets. Better than Dot Vegas. Free content. Check out the website. We're gonna jump right into NFL Week Three. We have we we do spend quite a bit of time on, on the NFL. Uh, with all of the Sunday games, the Monday game, we talk about what's been going on the last few weeks, what the number is, any movement there have been, totals, anything we're looking at, players to maybe target or focus on in fantasy and DFS. Eric joins me again uh, as he has each and every week. Talk a little NFL Week 3. Week 3 of the NFL actually recording this as the second half kicks off of the Thursday night football game. Bad news so far in the uh, first half as 
Christian McCaffrey, one of the uh, the stars of the league, ended up getting hurt. Probably a top pick, a number one overall pick for many people in fantasy football. I have him in a few leagues, and the Panthers started uh, really well so far this season, 2-0. and Well, I'm sure talk about them in some points of uh, of this episode throughout, but monitor this game and uh, see what happens. And Eric joins me to talk about every other game on the NFL slate coming up for week three. And Eric actually saw a tweet a few minutes ago uh, from Ian Rapport that they they showed on the broadcast that said that the uh, because of the additional the you know the extra playoff teams in the games that they they added last year because the season's a little bit longer they're going to do a super wild card weekend where they're going to have a game on Monday night a playoff game which will be a little bit different and and I guess kind of cool. That's a little weird. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of like the three the sun- a day. The, Me too. I kind of like the, the I kinda marathon like, day. I, yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. Like, it's like, And it's weird just from, from, I guess, you know, a scheduling standpoint. Obviously, that team will that to end up having to play on Sunday. And But you just feel like maybe a shorter week for team, especially if somebody plays on Saturday. Because they're going to have two games Saturday, three games Sunday, one Monday. So, you know, the yeah, team. it's kind of funky in my eyes. Yeah. I don't like that. It's it's weird. It's definitely different in in you know you don't see a whole lot of of you know change with the schedule. You do see addition, so something to to keep an eye on as they continue to expand and we get set to dive into the rest of the week three schedule. So uh, to start, Eric, we've got the Raiders, Broncos, Bucks, Panthers, Forty ers Rams, and Cardinals that are two zero. Their first two, seven different teams, but only three different divisions are undefeated. And then on the uh, on the other side, the zero and two teams: Jets, Jags, Colts, Giants, Lions, Vikings, Falcons. Probably not it, anything too surprising with those teams there. Um, we did see that through the first couple weeks, there have been a lot of teams winning on the road. I think last week in gen, um, in particular, we had the Rams, Bills, Panthers, 49ers, Raiders. Broncos, Cowboys, Titans all went on the road. So what are some of the things that, you know, you've noticed and how the first couple of weeks uh, treated you so far? I mean, gambling wise, I can't complain at all. I mean, I'm off to a great start. It's week by week. You can't get cocky. You just got to like keep trusting your mind, trusting your system, trusting what you do. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that have stuck out to me. Some teams I'm not, I'm still like, you know, you play the teams that are in front of you. And I think some 2-0 and teams, I'm still not buying. Some 0-2 teams have showed some glimpses. And it's just a long season. There's injuries like like you and I were talking before. Like this McCaffrey injury, you know, totally makes this Panthers offense kind of bland now. Because you don't have to rely on the oh, play absolutely. action. He, he's everything I mean, for them. He's yeah. what, you know, he's what opens up the passing game. Because you can't stack the box. If you try to stack the box a little bit, then you, we've seen that you know what? Oh, Sam can actually make some decent throws if he has you know man coverage or to deal with or just one on one coverage out there. You know, not you know not a you know you like in, with with the Jets, it was just unbelievable. They have zero weapons, and that's sort of what it was looking like again when McCaffrey went out. So we'll see and how. Yeah, and like you know, like so I don't know. It's just some teams I was wrong on, some teams I was right on, but. For the most of it, I think I everything I did in, in the preseason, I was pretty right on most of the teams I thought. Knock, I wasn't knock on wood, I feel pretty good about most, too. So, you know, like you said, now it becomes a week-to-week as we jump into 
this week. And we will begin with your team right off the bat. We're going to talk about the Ravens against the Lions. Now, I'm going to mention this game from two different perspectives here and say that first, I'm playing the Lions plus the eight in this spot. The Lions were up at halftime. The rain then started. And one thing I know about Jared Goff, he is no bueno when that rain starts, when it's slippery, when it's wet. It doesn't even have to be freezing cold. He just... He, for some reason, he doesn't handle the ball very well. We saw it again. He turned the ball over a couple times there, fumble and interception. And this feels like a bad spot for the Ravens. The Ravens, on opening opening week of the NFL, they had the, the opening Monday night game. They played on the road in an overtime game against the Raiders in a real back and forth, the Crazy game that ended up going long And you end up losing a couple extra players And you know get beat up there Then you come back you play another Really high profile Emotional game On Sunday night So your week's a little bit short You're coming off these back to back big High games and now you got The Lions and you're looking At the Lions going okay You got to travel to the Lions Also you're not you're not at home And you're probably thinking, let's just go through the motions, not get too creative. We don't want to get anyone hurt. I think the Lions cover this game. I'm I'm seeing it around plus eight. Is that what you got too for the line? Yeah. I actually locked it in at plus eight as soon as news broke today that um Lamar actually didn't practice today. Mm-hmm. He banged up his hip. On the flip. When, on the flip. <laughs> um eight, I mean as someone that is high on this Ravens team who was invested in the plus four. That was a great game. I mean, you know, the rate I really, as a coach and everything, I want to see because that was the big knock on Lamar. You can't um, beat the Chiefs. You can't beat Mahomes. What is he going to do now, mentally wise? How is he going to recover now and act now since he's gotten that, like, what monkey off the back or whatever the term is? Like, what is he going to do now? Um, one of my friends made a comment. He's like, dude, Hollywood's open every time. Lamar just doesn't throw it. And Lamar threw it deep to Hollywood Brown. I really liked what I saw from the Ravens against um, the Chiefs. But the NFL is a week-to-week league. And um, as you laid out, just had an emotional game. Beat a team they never beat before. Have to go to lonely Detroit, where it's arguably one of the worst teams in the whole NFL. And they have the Denver Broncos on deck, who are 2-0, looking to be 3-0 and because they play the Jets. So this is a perfect sandwich spot. i totally on the Lions, plus the eight. Um, I did see an interesting ad- against the spread trend where it is teams that are 0-2 playing at home getting seven points or more are 5-0 and against the spread and 3-2 and straight up. I don't have enough cojones to sprinkle on the money line. I definitely locked in the plus eight. Lions defense looked good. I mean, that first half when Aaron Glenn was – changing the coverage and everything instead of just doing like the cover two. I mean, the defense looked great. Offense has looked way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, end of the day, they just don't have talent, but they fight. I think the Ravens win the game, but I think they just kind of, like mm-hmm. you said, try to avoid injury. Totally agree. A lot this of could running be... with Devontae Freeman and Murray in the second half. I mean, like a 17-14, 17-10 type game. This could be a 10 to 15 point game too. And the Lions just get some, get a garbage Score late exactly. you know there are a lot of ways You can cover this it feels like with the Lions side To in a banged up Ravens team it just I, I totally agree that 
So much of what I saw last week I liked from the Ravens that Wink Martindale He made some adjustments which I didn't know if he was going to You know he didn't throw as many blitzes He he played a better defensive Scheme to defend Patrick Mahomes And it sounds silly because they still scored a lot of points But he made He put the defense in position To make enough plays and to make things a little bit Difficult enough on Mahomes to to give them the chance to win. Harbaugh went for it on that fourth and one. Didn't didn't want to give Mahomes the ball back. I love seeing that. You mentioned Brown, six receptions, 113 yards, a touchdown. He four explosive plays. He's someone that's really sneaky to keep an eye on too. You know, in DFS and stuff because he's had six touchdowns. Uh, he had six touchdowns in the final six games of 2020, and he's had two touchdowns so far this year. So the the knock with someone like him had always been, well, you know, he's a big play receiver. But you're not getting enough volume and you're you're probably not getting touchdowns Well now we're talking about an 8 game sample size Which is a good sample size where he scored 8 touchdowns And he's getting more receptions like you said He's open, he's improved in, in how he runs his routes Now can Lamar see him a little bit more and continue to take advantage of that But Everything- I also think that, you know, we talked about the season by season preview Roman is the passing game coordinator now. He has all the faith in Lamar. I definitely mm-hmm. see from what I've seen, Lamar taking more shots and throwing the ball, but it's all about does he have the confidence to do it week after week? Yep. The O-line was a little bit better for the Ravens, but um, the spot for me, the Lions at plus the eight. You already locked that one in. I'm going to lock that one in very soon. Also, we jump to next game. We're going Giants Falcons here. So is this one uh, Giants minus the three against the Falcons? The total is forty-seven and a half to forty-eight, something in that range here. I mean, what do we what do we know about this Falcons team? It's just so difficult to get a to get a feel to get a gauge for them. It, it, all it, what we've seen in their two games, you know, I. They, they haven't looked good offensively. They looked, they, you know, they had, there were moments. There was like the middle part of this game where they had a little bit of a stretch, and they were. It was twenty-eight to twenty-five with thirteen minutes left. They had the ball. They went three and out. Then three plays later, Tampa scores a touchdown. They th- Atlanta gets the ball back. Three plays later, they throw an interception that is then returned for a touchdown. All of a sudden. In just five minutes of game time, they went from being down three to being down 41 to 25. And then they had another interception returned for a touchdown. When you really dig into Tampa stuff, you know, they've, they're not, they haven't been as clean or as smooth this year as just, you know, some of their victories might suggest. Um, This one, when you dug in, the Falcons, they're bad. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're a good team. I don't know, you know, it made, made me look a little bit better than that game may have suggested. Um, I'm kind of going back and forth a little bit Let's talk this game out What do you think Giants Falcons I mean both these fan bases basically think This is a game they're going to win Like when we all do it as fans Like you do as a Mm -hmm. Rams fan I mean I did I really didn't do it this year Because I think they're going to be all lost But but we all do it We all sit down we're like okay okay. But all Giants fans and Falcons fans Circled this game Um, My issue with the Giants Is Joe Judge Uh, Last year it was a game. They're fighting for their playoff life, um, and he decided to go for it instead of taking a points in a situation. I think you should totally shouldn't be chasing points, and I really question that coaching decision. This year, there's a scoring play, and he challenged the effing play. 
Like, how is a coach? What are you doing? What are you so that, doing? I know. I really question it. I'll give him credit. The offensive line is playing better. Um, that Washington game, they totally should have won. They totally should have won that game last week against the football team. In terms of the Falcons, I think they look good against Tampa. Tampa Tampa's the best team in the league, man. And, like, you take the 14 points away, you only lost um, – what was it, like 34 25 that's a, that's nine points at at tampa bay and you have a young team a bad offensive line that's not that bad matt ryan's a professional quarterback i want to take the three but i just can't do it in games like this when you have two teams that let's face it, are kind of bad i kind of lean to take either the team getting the points but i'm not going to take the falcons or the under if i had to take a bet in this game i would take the under but this game's not going to see any money from me the Guy who was getting a little bit of uh, love coming off of last week was Cordell Patterson. But when you dig in, you know, he, he got a, the touchdown and he, he's he's nice, you know, and maybe like a DFS situation here and there because he's he's kind of cheap and he gets a little bit of run at both. But Davis actually ran a little bit better. Cordell just actually got the, the touchdown. He didn't get graded well at all the way he, his runs were. Uh, Matt Ryan had a couple I wanna, passes. I want to talk about Cordell Patterson. Too. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I didn't yeah. to interrupt you. No, no, go ahead, please. A, a how they're using Cordell Patterson is doesn't make any sense to me. He's he not a between the tackles Tim, guy. He's what's what's the guy's name? 88 for the Saints. He used to play the Pat Montgomery. He's like Tim Montgomery. He's a wide receiver. If you want to line him in the back and run and go little swing passes, that's fine. I get it. I understand it. But the end of the the in between the tackle stuff, I just don't understand. And then for, like, the four people that are ragging on me through my DMs about how high I was on Mike Davis. Mike Davis is number 10, 10 right now in touches for running backs. If the season, like, you do the averages, he's going to finish with 300 touches and 80 receptions. If I would have told anyone that at the beginning of the season for Mike Davis, you all would be jumping at him. And it just, he hasn't scored. He hasn't gotten... yeah, you just need to kind of pump the brakes. Mike Davis is doing fine. He's going to be good at the end of the season. And we and we see again the reason why I have him in a lot of leagues too is opportunity. If they're giving Cordell, there's nobody around. They're even looking to a guy like Cordell Patterson to run between the tackles. Davis is going to continue to get his opportunities. Um, don't worry too much about that. We, uh, you know, Gage was a little banged up this week. Keep an eye on him. AJ Terrell did not practice on Wednesday with the concussion. This team, yeah, it's, it's 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 difficult because of that little stretch that happened there. I look at the Giants, and and I, I don't know what to do with them either. I probably prefer the Giants at, at the number three or two and a half. I take the Giants, you know, and at three and a half, I would definitely lean Falcons. Daniel Jones is actually playing pretty well right now. He led all quarterbacks in a week two. In completions on passes 10 plus yards down the field He had 11 of them completed And he had 2 of them dropped He led quarterbacks in positively graded throws By pro football focus He led the quarterbacks in lowest negatively graded throws He had 3 runs of 10 plus yards And he had 95 total yards Which was a career high And he did that all against a Washington team That we think has a really solid defense now that Washington team's defense hasn't played that great so far and coach Ron Rivera actually kind of called them out a little bit I expect them to play a little better but uh, the Giants have played Denver and Washington two of maybe the five best defenses in the league and now they play a Falcons team where I think they'll be able to move the ball a little bit better 
Now, again, I, I don't know how much I trust either one of these teams, but they had 391 total yards, 6.1 yards per play on a, against Washington on a short week with a bad offensive line against a good defensive line. Just from a matchup perspective, the Giants are in a spot to be able to you know, move the ball against the Falcons, but these are two bad teams that could turn the ball over every time it feels like Daniel Jones, you know, has a good week or two. He definitely, you know, fumble interception. He's been, I think, number two in passing grade through uh, a couple weeks. Um, so really, really good stuff from him. And, you know, Giants get a little bit of extra time to prep. They did have 11 penalties for 81 yards last week. It's, you know, it comes down to Barkley with them, too. Is he... Is he getting getting a little bit better? We saw him with a 41 yard run in week two. I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm you know I'm leaning Giants, but I'm kind of curious. Do we? What do you do? You think this number sits sits right around here? And, and I think it's just going to be right up at three. I think as yeah. soon as it hit, I think it's just going to tinker back and forth and just be three. I mean, yeah. I really don't think it moving at all. And because of that, it's just a pass for me. Um, there's too many questions, mm-hmm. and basically, like. If the Giants lose this, the Judge era is over, and Daniel Jones era is over, and everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they're just hitting the reset button yet again. Like, I just can't. There's just too many questions. And like, after you have like a big emotional defeat, like the way the Giants did, you never know how a, a team, a younger team, is going to respond. And I just, I just got to stay away. I like Arthur Smith. I think the game plan, the preparation, looked a lot better. Against the uh, the Buccaneers than in week one against the Eagles But this team lacks a lot of talent, man I mean, they lack a ton of talent in the trenches On both sides of the ball and in the back four Giants have a lot of weapons There's just too many variables, too many questions We move along to Patriots against the Saints Is this one still in the three range? Patriots are, or it's the Saints at the Patriots So Total in this one is three, or the uh, spread in this game is Patriots minus three. Total is 42. I think these are the two longest tenured head coaches in the league, two very good head coaches. But I don't know what the Saints team is. You and I were not high on them coming into the year. So seeing them, you know, lose a game last week doesn't surprise me. Now, they're not as bad as they were last week, and they're not nearly as good as they were week one. They're probably somewhere in the middle, which is kind of where we thought they would be, you know, less the 500-ish sort of team and maybe under that, and I didn't think they were a playoff team. I have no real feel for this one whatsoever because I'm not using, you know, not using last week's game to really take anything away from the Saints. It just felt like a bad spot. This isn't a great spot again either. This is really their third consecutive road game. And they may get some injury, you know, you know, luck back. They may get some of their injured player uh, injured players returning and a lot of their coaches that they were missing last week, 10 of them, I think they were missing because of COVID protocols. They'll be definitely getting some of them back. So they they were in a situation where they were getting beat up. They couldn't make a lot of adjustments. I'm I'm probably staying away from this game. You know, do you uh, you have any strong opinion here? I want to take the Saints, but I need. To I do see too. What I do too. What's going on with the coaches? Like a lot of the like, the, like I'm friends with one guy who's an NFL coach, and I mean, the stuff he tells me, and I'm a coach too about the little preparation, and then you have all these guys that are, you know, blocking assignments, tight end routes, running back, all this stuff. And they're missing set. What are we missing? Eight of them. 
So now, like, you have these guys, and the NFL is so complicated doing multiple coaching stuff on the sidelines. No wonder they got their asses kicked. And that doesn't even factor when they're missing Lattimore and Davenport. So that's one whole thing. Um, this game is kind of interesting because you have Sean Payton, who is the second best coach in the NFL right now against the spread as an underdog. But guess who the best coach is against the spread as a favorite? Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? So, I mean, those two trends kind of cancel themselves out. Um, I do trust Dennis Allen's going to be able to game plan something that's going to make Mark Jones feel uncomfortable and make him turn the ball over. But then on the flip side, I feel that Belichick and his son are be able to do something to take Kamara away and make Winston uncomfortable. I want to take the Saints, but I have a lot of plays this week I like, and because of that, it's a pass. Me too. I'm, if they were, you know, four is I would jump in for sure. I think three and a half. I'm, cl- I mean, I'm thinking about it. Four, I probably would. I would probably jump in, but I just the thing you said. What worries me again is they. I wasn't high on them to begin with, so if they're just not that good and they get beat up again, because this is this is not easy what they're dealing with either. The the hurricane stuff, you know, they haven't been around, they haven't been home. This is another road game for them after having been on the road really to start their season, and then on the road last week getting beat up by a good defense. And in, in, so, yeah, you know, one other thing to mention, I'm not sure how to take it from the Patriots' perspective, but. Next week they play Brady, right? Brady yeah, comes to time. town. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you you know? Do you think they're looking to that game, or is Belichick saying we we definitely need to win this game because you know? They, I mean, they, you they know, I, I don't are. even know. I mean, especially like Brady's trainers coming out saying that Belichick mishandled them. I mean, because it's a perfect situation to play the Saints. I mean, it, it really is. They looked like shit the week before, and. The Patriots have the biggest game of the year circled on deck. Like I yeah. want, I want to take Me it too. so bad. Me too. Like, I if just if it gets up to a three and a half, like I'll be invested. But three is just I wouldn't be surprised if it's 24, 21, 17, 14, a game like that. But I just can't do it. And sometimes the best play is no play. Let's move along to Steelers Bengals. So this one has been teetering. From three and a half to three, I actually was able to lock this thing in at three and a half earlier uh, with the Bengals. And, you know, you and I have just been very anti-Steelers for uh, a lot leading into this year. They got the week one win against the Bills where the Bills just were able to sort of gift them that win. And and that that game last week for the Steelers, that was one of those games where the Raiders were in the worst spot ever. They were coming off a short week, coming off a big win at home. They were playing on the road, going from the West Coast to the East Coast, early time zone. They were having to play without Jacobs. There was a million reasons not to play the Raiders or to think that the Raiders were not going to win or not play very well in that spot. And you know what? They still won that game. They still beat a Steelers team that cannot move the ball. They've got a horrible offensive line. They ran the ball for 38 yards. In their last game, and 36 of those came after contact on 10 carries. Johnson got hurt in the, la- in the last play of a game when they were down by nine. It was meaningless. It wasn't even like they had a chance to tie the game or push the game into overtime or win the game. Who cares if he even scores a touchdown in that spot? It doesn't matter. You have no. There's yeah. no reason to even have 
one of your best weapons on the field there made zero sense. Big Ben ranks 30th of 34 overall quarterbacks in pro football focus grades. He's been miserable. He looks old. He looks slower than ever. And it's not even like I love the Bengals or anything. They just they sort of look like what we kind of expected the Bengals to look like, right? They're they're going to be feisty. They're going to they're going to be in some games. They'll probably win a game or two that you you don't think they would, and they'll probably be inconsistent and and look like they did last week in some spots. I mean, a I'm never a look at me type of guy, but I said from the get go, Steelers offensive line is gonna be awful. Drafting Nigel Harris was a mistake. Big Ben's gonna get hurt. Unfortunately, Big Ben is a pectoral muscle. So I mean, you got the three and a half. That's a good line because if Ben doesn't play, they're going to Mason Rudolph, and this line's just gonna jump off a cliff. So Big Ben's hurt. Um, the obvious big matchup is: Will the Steelers be able? defensive line be able to get to Joe Burrow who's already been sacked nine times and as I said when you and I talked about the NL draft they should have drafted Penny Sewell so you have a guy coming off a major knee injury already sacked nine times in two games and he's looked good Sewell's Uh, looked good yeah he has ever since they moved him back to left tackle um yeah I mean I want to I I want to take the Bengals here I missed the three and a half I missed the four um you know, but this is kind of like that spot where Tomlin gets the boys rallied up. Everyone says we suck, we're down. But at the end of the day, I'm just not high on the Steelers team. Like, like you said, their offensive line sucks. I had them rated 32. I still have them rated 32. Big Ben's looking in mobile. Um, Bengals do have some holes in their and secondary. The, I don't think their secondary is that good. Um, no, it's not. And their defense, their offensive line against the defensive yeah. line for the Steelers, even if yeah. Watt. Is not but there that's banged a, up. Watch you know banged that up. and that now hurts. Ingram is a walking injury. So I mean, like, this is a game to me, like when I just how I cap a game is I just it's gonna sound crazy. I go game by game and I just write down the stuff and then I look I, at the trends. I do the same like, exact things. Yeah. When I, I see like all these like I have Watt versus the um Watt versus Bengals offensive defensive line. Um Steelers injuries, you know, Bengals, DBs versus the wide receivers of the Steelers. There's just so many questions for me in this game. Mm-hmm. This is just another one. Unfortunately for me, it's just a pure stay away. I hope the Bengals win because it would be great for my Steelers under eight total, under eight and a half, excuse me, that I got. Um, but this is just another one where it's pure stay away for me. In terms of Deontay Johnson injury, I have on my fantasy team, I have on a couple. Um this is a guy that's always hurt, dude. Like, I've never seen a guy, like, go down in more games in return. So I really think he's going to play. Um, I do think this game could be a shootout a little bit and be high scoring because both these defenses aren't that good. I think the Steelers' defense gets a lot of rep of last year. But this totally isn't the defense that it was last year. And especially it could balloon over if Watt doesn't play. But for right now, it's a pure stay away for me. Burrow had the uh, three interceptions on three straight plays. And... They were all on targets that were within 10 yards. That's what made him really bad. He got sacked four times there. So, you know, just got to be careful of trying to protect him. The, the, and also we need to remember, Burroughs never won a game on the road. Oh, wow. Never the, in the NFL won a game on the road. The run D for the Bengals has been actually pretty solid. The Like Hubbard and Logan Wilson, the D-line, and some of their linebackers have all graded out pretty well. They were they were good again. They didn't allow a whole lot on the ground, 
And they didn't allow a lot from Dalvin Cook on the ground in week one So a Steelers team that can't run the ball at all They're not going to be able to, I don't think, run the ball very well here So they may be able to, you know I, I can't I can't see the Steelers just succeeding in, in winning this game open openly. That's why I'm I'm, I'm sticking Bengals here, and it's you know th- this is the question can can Burrow handle the pressure? Almost half of his pressure dropbacks have been a sack this year. He's got to improve there. He's got to make better decisions. He's got to throw the ball away, and he's got to get you know get rid of it a little quicker when you can feel it coming, when you can sense it coming, because you, he's gonna get hurt again. It's just inevitable if he keeps taking these sacks like this four and five sack games, it, he's going. He's just going to get banged up. Oh, exactly. You know, and that's why I, if I'm the offensive coordinator and I'm not an offensive coordinator at all, both these teams, I'm going a lot of swing passes, a lot of slants, a lot of wide receiver screens, just to get it out of Ben and Burrow's hands. Just because these guys, you can't lose them, and like Burrow is on the track to being like a. Carson Wentz type guy someone like just got hit too much and then it gets mental for him so I definitely yeah definitely worried about that but for me this is a pure stay away oh that was a great uh that's a great little segue as we head to the Titans versus the Colts speaking of Carson Wentz he sprained both of his ankles your boy the cooler so in the for in the last three months he got hurt coming into the season missed the last few weeks leading up to training camp then right before he was in the COVID protocols, then in week two of the season, he sprains both of his ankles. I mean, like, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Like, the shitty luck this guy has, and yeah. I feel bad for him. You know what I mean? He got ran out of Philadelphia. He was having that MVP-type season, and he got that leg injury, and then Foles leads him to the Super Bowl to the win it. I feel bad for this guy. Um, In terms of this game, like... To pause and take a minute for what Derrick Henry did when he was missing Taylor Lewan and um, Schofield, the two uh, the two uh, offensive linemen on the left side. Lewan got hurt in warmups. He went yeah. out to do extra work in warmups, which is you you kind of feel bad because Lewan was the guy who got absolutely destroyed by Chandler Jones last week. And he came out afterwards and really took the credit and, you know, made fun of himself and said, I got destroyed. I got to be better. So he's out there working before the game, you know, trying to make sure whatever he's loosened up a little more or he's got the schemes down or whatever. And he's doing extra work and he gets hurt. It's like, oh, that's which is awful and non-contact. So it's probably something serious. He's going to be out for a while. I don't know. But I mean, for Henry, that was like a super human effort for Henry. And, like, the way he's built, how big he is, and to move the way he does, and to have that Betty touches and get pounded on every single Sunday and him not get hurt, this guy is more superhuman than I think he is. Like, I mean, it's just insane what this guy is doing, like, constantly. 35 carries, 182 yards, six receptions, 55 yards. That's a career high for him. Six receptions because yeah. he's not really been a receiving back, but they just don't have a whole lot there behind him. So he's on the field. If apparently he's been working on that, if you're able to get three or four more catches from him that you weren't counting on, that really improves his stock. And he had 147 yards after halftime. So in it's the second so half and in overtime. I mean, and 
there was a switch in philosophy. Like I rewatched the game. It's kind of like the new OCM space on his name. Um, he just was kind of like, dude, what I'm trying to install is not working. Let's go back to giving Derrick Henry the ball all the time and just doing play action passing. And that's what they did the second half and they got the win. Um, I am going to take it with a grain of salt though. I don't have Seattle's defense that high. I really don't think Seattle's defense is that good. Um, I don't think it's a big upgrade of the train wreck that they had last year. So you do need to kind of take it with a grain of salt. And that kind of leads me into my segue with the Colts. I think their defense, if you take out the first half against the um, Seahawks, has looked good. They haven't been bad. They have a very high-powered offense. Um, It does kind of upset me because I did have the Colts money line parlayed with the Ravens money line last week. And if the Colts could have scored... One of the two times they got it inside the five. The three. Inside the three. (laughs) And got zero. Two of the first three possessions inside the three. I would have cashed that. And it is a little worrisome how Jonathan Taylor has what it's either six or seven carries inside the five and has yet to score. That does worry me. But to me, I locked in the five and a half. It dropped up to five and a half. I don't think Carson Wentz is worth two and a half, three points. You know what I mean? He he hasn't been great. So how bad could the yeah. drop off be with someone like Eason? I or they're going to go with Huntley. I think it's going to be a run heavy thing, run heavy attack. I don't trust the Titans defense. I think the Titans defense still sucks, and I think they're going to be able to take advantage of it. It's going to be a heavy, heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. The offensive line is going to dominate, and you have the Titans coming off a very emotional effort, and the Titans have O line injuries. So I think the Colts defense is going to be able to get to Tannehill. The yeah, the Colts you, you mentioned they got to run the ball a little bit better too. They only had the three point five yards per rush in week two. They Michael Pittman, someone to keep an eye on. It, although you know it, he got a lot of looks from Wentz, and if he's not back there, you know maybe it's somebody else that whoever's playing quarterback look looks to. But Pittman did get a twenty six percent target share with eight receptions, one hundred twenty three yards, three explosive plays. He got five catches for a first down. Those are always things I like to look at too, because so you know they're big catches and the and there's someone they're looking to at big moments. I definitely can't pl- play the Titans in this spot. I just don't know with the with the uncertainty at quarterback. Because you're right, how many points is Carson Wentz worth? It's not as like as if he's been lighting things up. I just don't know if who is going to be replacing him is even going to be capable at all. To and, and and if they are capable at all, they can move the ball against this Titans D because they're not great. They were down twenty four nine at halftime. They were down thirty to sixteen with thirteen minutes left to go in the game. Henry had a sixty yard run. Then Seattle went three and out. Then the Titans go 50 yards, but they can't get a fourth and two at the Seattle 29. Seattle goes three and out again, and then the Titans are able to score. They, you know, when you really dive into that game, it was weird because Seattle got up big early. So then they didn't really continue to operate their offense at, you know, at full strength. And they weren't moving and and doing, you know, probably doing everything they would have been doing if it was a like a real close game. And they sort of like shut their offense off. And it's, you know, we see it in the NBA, Eric, you know, when, when teams are up by 20, 25 nowadays, and, and that's not that much in the NBA anymore with the three. And sometimes the Lakers are up big and you could tell they start, you know, checking out. They think they've got the game wrapped up and then 
there'll be a few minutes left to go in the fourth quarter and it's a two or three point game and you try to go flip the switch back on and you can't always do that. You know, you gotta um, keep your pedal to the metal. Like I tell the kids I work with, and this is an awful analogy. It you is a chance to step on someone's throat. You step on their throat. You, you do. You don't let off. You don't be nice. You don't win for being nice. You have to finish your opponent. And that's exactly what happened. They got way too complacent in offense, and I think they just expected Tennessee to kind of run over. Mm-hmm. Um, back to the Colts. This is it, dude. This is a team that had uh, playoff aspirations, uh, and they probably viewed themselves as a team that, you know, if their defense played good and they got Taylor going, bring in Wentz, they probably viewed themselves as a team that could make it to the Super Bowl, could compete with the Chiefs, the Colts organization did. And if they go 0-3, this is it. This yeah, is going to be their best effort of the season because they know – Season's done if they don't win this game. So there are two I'm games getting, behind yeah. Tennessee if they go zero and three, and Tennessee's two and one. And I get five and a half on a team that I is going into defense. I don't think that like really good. I still don't trust Ryan Hanahill. I'm definitely going to take that team that's five and a half. And if I could find an over plus two hundred for the money line, I'll sprinkle a little bit on the money line too. I like I like the Colts here a lot. There's a. Uh, a look at uh, AJ Brown for me in DFS spots, just because he's coming off of such a bad week. I always love playing players who come off. He he's coming off a bad week where he had maybe maybe four drops, and he's still getting a ton of targets. He's still got a lot of talent, but he even came afterwards and said that his family told him he wouldn't be able to catch COVID right now. He he said that on Twitter He said his family was ripping on him And so I kind of like that When a player is is So comfortable enough With addressing that they can come out and say Yeah I just dropped the ball I was just bad You know I gotta be better I'm gonna be better I'm lucky that it didn't affect our team We won the game I'm gonna come back now and make it matter I think he has a good week Or I think they try really hard To get You know even if it's a a couple pitches You know like they do with him or some of the A screen pass or two and they they get a You know set up with some nice blocking in front Don't be surprised to see him You know get peppered a little bit You know if it's if they're close in the end zone Maybe get him a touchdown try to get the confidence built up He might be someone I throw into a couple DFS leagues This week because I just the way I Same thing with gambling you know playing Teams off of bad spots You like to play players off of bad weeks too When you can look back and maybe make An excuse for why you can see a reason For them to have a better week and you know That they'll probably be a lot Lower owned percentage wise Because people always play everyone who's Coming off the, their really good games Yep typical buy low sell high We move along To Bills versus The Washington football team so the Bills Are at at home here I actually locked this game in earlier in the week at, at eight and a half uh, Washington I took the plus eight and a half here we well you and I have been pretty high on Washington leading into the uh, the season and this this just felt like way too many points when I saw it I jumped on it right away for a team that their defense is is still good and it's gonna play a little bit better Heineke is fine he he's he's fine and and I think he will continue to improve the more and more time that he gets and they'll have another couple days off now after playing on the Thursday night game they had that it was a very fun game and the they were actually able to win the they had more first downs total plays yards per play and total yards in that game in week 2 uh, they couldn't run the ball all that well though they got to work on that a little bit more but I I do think that's something that they they can establish in this particular spot. 
They and, and and you know the game shape they were they were kind of behind for a lot of that game where you know they were throwing the ball and they were they were succeeding pretty well. McLaren was just someone who you know had an incredible game and and Heineke started to focus on. And he just kept going back to him. The question that we keep asking with Washington is you know where's the defense here? Zero turnovers forced in week two. They gave up six point one yards per play to the Giants. Twenty nine points home at home they allowed to a Giants team. Uh, but they did pressure them on 44% of dropbacks, which is still good. As a, There are a few teams in this league that I just love playing as an underdog, and I don't like playing as much as a favorite. This is one of them, no doubt about it. I don't want to lay a lot of points with Washington, but if they're playing against a good team and they're they're an underdog, I like them because I think their defense is really good and they can get up to the task. Um, 13th in pass rush win rate, 6th in pressure rate, 19th in adjusted sack rate. That's where they're going to improve, and if, and I expect them to do so. The uh, you know, can their secondary stick with the Bills wide receivers? That's my biggest question for playing Washington and wanting to back them here. But um, let's get some of your thoughts on this uh, Bills Washington game. I mean, the blueprint for the Bills is just drop everybody back. You know, make keep everyone in front of you. I make them nickel and dime it down the field. Um, I really think that the game script against Miami for the Dolphins with some of the freakish touchdowns the Bills actually had instead of the Dolphins, that whole game script got off track and with Tua went out, then the wheels just fell off for Miami. So I think that 35-0 to zero score is a little bit deceiving for the, um, for the Bills. So I think the Bills are kind of getting a little overvalued. I actually sent you a message when this game opened up, this opened up at Washington plus 10. I locked it in at Washington plus 10. Yeah, right I didn't get it to plus is, eight and a half. And when I saw that, it still there, I had to jump in. Yeah, that was, that's just way too many points. Way Rivera too many. knows all of McDermott's tendencies. These guys are boys. They coach together forever in, Car- in Carolina. So I'm not really. Rivera knows what McDermott's going to do. McDermott knows what Rivera's going to do. You got two teams that Bill's defense has been playing well. Credit where credit is due. Their defense is playing well. Offense, I feel, is definitely taking a step back. Is it running the ball enough? Is it making enough adjustments? Um, Washington's defense, yeah, hasn't looked good at all. They got called out. Um, so they're going to have to step up, and I really think they will. Um, you have a team with such a good defense, especially the front four. Ten is just way too many points. And, and what anything the between done? seven and a half and ten just feels like Alan, too much to me. Under Alan a has seven. Yet to throw for, or six and a half. Yards. He has yet to throw for over 200 yards. You know what I mean? Let that sit in, dude. He has not thrown over for 200 yards in a game He's yet. 27th in passing grade by Pro Football Focus right now. He has not been good at all. He, they only had, um, he had a 52% completion percentage and he had a 10.8% turnover worthy play percentage, which is just not good at all. They, they ran the ball okay. Singletary had 6.8 yards per carry. Emmanuel Sanders might be someone to take a look at if you want to play some DFS because he actually led the Bills in receiving yards and he was second in targets, but they got up early. They won 35 nothing. They weren't throwing the ball throughout that game. They and and you were kind of hitting it too. I don't know what to take when the Bills play the Dolphins because for some reason, just the schemes and the way they match up, the Bills are 5-0 and against the Dolphins with Flores, and, and they kill them. I think they've won by an average of 20 points in all those games. In the last two, they've beaten them 91-26. to So for some reason, they just match up really well against them, 
And they got like you said overvalued coming out of this If you can get anything in the 7 to Anything north of a touchdown Yep 7 to 10 range I'm fine Taking Washington here About your Manuel Sanders um, Take completely agree The one weakness of the um, Football team's defense Is actually the uh, Slot wide receiver and that's where Sanders plays So I mean you can definitely Attack that so I definitely have that play for Emmanuel For DFS the Bills' offensive line hasn't been very good either. They have the second-to-last uh, pass-blocking grade. So that's some of the reason why Allen hasn't been looking as good either. It didn't matter last week, like you said. Tua got out early. Dolphins just—that's a, a line to a game to just put a line right through for the Dolphins. But uh, maybe a good spot to play against the Bills coming off of that big win. We both like Washington in this spot. And I sprinkle a little money line. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, I agree. Totally I, 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 I sprinkle a little money line, like. Half a unit on a money line to sprinkle it because you have a team where it's been a couple games. We think their defense is better, and we think the Bills' defense isn't as good. Heineke has looked serviceable. I don't really understand this whole thing, like why Antonio Gibson can't be the pass catching back. He played wide receiver in college. I don't I comprehend this love for JD McKesson. And McKissick is a fine flank back like that for a team that doesn't have a back that can catch the ball. You know, yeah. if there's another, but he can. Hopefully, we get a little more workhorse from him. I agree with you. This is this is way. This feels way too much for a, a Washington team that can absolutely win this game straight up. And let's go to Chiefs Chargers as we get a look at the. Is this one still six and a half? Six and a half, six floating six in the area. Six and a half, six uh, range total in this one. That's that's what's crazy uh, about this week too. We've got. Some huge totals on the board We've got a 54 and a half A 55 and a half and a 56 Up on the board In a couple different games this week This one is a 54 and a half total So The Chiefs defense has looked Miserable So bad They've kind of got that Super Bowl hangover thing going That we see with teams that Have either played in the NBA Finals Or the World Series sometimes Or the Super Bowl You know You Especially with a team like the Chiefs Who they've been there now Two years in a row You know you're, you've are you made deep playoff runs now Three years in a row And so you start the year over And it's kind of hard to be up For every one of these games After you were just playing In the most meaningful Highest level, level games you, There's this feeling of, of wanting to just kind of Snap and get back there Like hey let's yeah. just Let's just put this on like on simulator, you know, an autopilot, and let's just go through the motions for the next eight weeks. That's kind of where they are right now. And they again didn't cover. They didn't look. They looked horrible on defense. Their offense still looks looks excellent, but they did make a few mistakes that we don't normally see them make. And that was honestly the difference between winning and losing the game. A game where you lose by one point, and Mahomes throws up. A pick that is very un-Mahomes He was just trying to do a little too much When he didn't have to When they were when they had still had a big lead And then when Mahomes is moving the ball well You you know want to start running the ball It was They, they wanted to start to try to take the All the, the time off of the clock And then just kick the ball And Clyde, Allaire, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire fumbled And he struggled So I, you know I don't You, you were kind of Against the Chiefs early in the year And not that we didn't think they were going to be a playoff team But that we just didn't know if they were going to be dominant All throughout the year too Looking at their schedule Hell, this isn't an easy spot for them 
That's a tough three games to start the season They had to play the Browns who played their Butts off against them for you know Three and a half quarters Of that game they played a Ravens team Who really wanted to beat them And now you got to play a divisional game Against the Chargers team who may have been looking Ahead a little bit last week and kind of Circling this game too I don't I definitely am not Laying the points with the Chiefs here Yeah I mean it's Last 13 games for the Chiefs They're 1-11 And 1 ATS Their last 9 games They're 0-9 against the spread So I mean this team is doing Nothing but not covering Um, Chiefs D-line Is a train wreck I mean an absolute train wreck They got two playmakers on this defense Um, Honey Badger And um, Jones The defensive lineman This defense is awful That's why the offense is as high octane as it is because basically they just have you know outscoring anyone because their defense cannot make any stops whatsoever. Um, it's kind of a their how their defense has been the last few years too. You know, like they've got some playmakers on the defense and their coaching is good, so they usually figure it out and they fit throughout the year and towards the middle part of the second half of the year they they get it decent enough to make plays and to. To be able to just not be like you like you're saying, not be so bad that look the Browns scored touchdowns on their first three drives. Should have should have scored again on the fourth drive of the you know in the first half of their the first game, and then they got lucky that the Browns got a little bit tight in the second half. Here, they weren't stopping Baltimore a whole hell of a lot in this game either. No, I mean it was yeah. I mean their defense is just bad. I mean Baltimore came back not once but twice from eleven points. Can't that like let that sit in? You know what I mean. They came back twice from eleven point deficits to win that game. This defense is an absolute nightmare. Um, but oh, and also my other question is: Can I do a victory lap with my take about Clyde Edwards-Helaire not cutting it in the NFL yet? Please, because, you've been on because that? I when they drafted him, I said it was an awful pick. I got a lot of hate. This kid's just too small. Nothing you against said it, him. And I and let me say with. You've said it from the beginning He can't run between the tackles Everything All that being said I'm throwing him in a couple DFS lineups this week Because who is going to? Yeah, nobody. nobody I mean, like Nobody The person that wins the millionaire maker tonight And the Thursday night showdown Is not going to have McCaffrey in his lineup So crazy stuff can happen If And, and they may Because you, you know, they hear things too And, and they, people have heard the talking point all week He had that big fumble last week and they're saying, what a bad pick, what a wasted pick How could you pick him then? Why, you could have gotten so many other impact players You know, you can get a running back like that That does the same things that he does Literally every, on almost every roster They've got someone like that We were just talking about J.D. McKissick You know, he's almost that right now, honestly And I think they may try to force him the ball a little bit I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up getting a couple If they're close and he gets a, a few touchdowns Or a couple swing passes or something So that's the kind of thing where I don't like him in any season-long format. I don't have him on any team at all. But coming off of the week and the narrative with you know even us talking about how bad he is, I'm definitely going to throw him in one lineup or two because that's yeah. how you have to. You always have to have a lineup that way. But dude, yeah. he's what a bad pick for yeah. a team that didn't need a whole lot of offensive help too. Think about and like all the impact defensive players they could have got in that spot. Pass rusher. A um oh my god who's the guy from the Bills Espinoza or whatever his name is who's been playing great they could have easily got him because he was sitting there I mean it just 
I don't know. It was just a bad pick. And even if he does have a good game, it's still a bad pick just because he doesn't have the build for this. Um, Beautiful. I just got, sorry, a little tangent. I just got my uh, over Brandon Cooks, over five and a half receptions, over Brandon Cooks, 67 and a half receiving yards. He's up at eight receptions, 104 yards. I need to make sure that Sam Darnold doesn't have to do any um, kneel downs at the end of this game because I've got him at a, I had him at over six and a half rushing yards, which was just insanely low. Um, he oh. and he he's at thirteen right now. So oh, I made oh. four four plays, and I've got the three of them in. The only one that I haven't hit was um, I, I locked it this in last night. The Panthers defense anytime touchdown at plus five hundred. Oh, wow. I figured with Mills, their quarterback situation, maybe we could get a pick six or a fumble or something like that. So. That would be a, a fun one to try to lock in, but watching that uh, on the side with the side eye there, I've got a couple of the the prop plays home. So not a, not a terrible night um, so far. As um, yeah, and then we... in terms of the ch- the Chargers, like for this team is so effing frustrating. A, I went. Oh my god, I wa- I rewatched that game against the Cowboys twice, and I think I got even more gray hair than I had before I watched it. How the flying hell do you go one of four? One of four in the red zone against the Dallas Cowboys defense, which is god awful, is just Herbert. amazing to me. We both thought Anthony Lynn was the team was holding this back, and they were make these big steps for as big a step as they made in Week One, because historically that was been a game that they would lose. I think they took a bigger step backwards losing that Cowboys game. And in the way you just kind of to hit what you were talking about because you're talking about the red zone. This stat was the one that really jumped out by by uh, Football Outsiders that does the you know the DVOA rankings and stuff. They they were ranking the quarterbacks based on you know the uh, d defensive yards above replacement and, and things like that. He's been the worst quarterback in the red zone this year. He's three of seven with fourteen yards. Um, he's three last week. He was three of seven with fourteen yards, a touchdown, an interception, and a sack. Overall, he has two touchdowns. Two interceptions, a fumble, and three sacks in the red zone. Now, one of them was absolute BS. He was yeah, not wrapped up. The football team, yeah. That was not his fault. No, the one, the, well, actually, two, I guess. So one, the one last week when they, they said that he was wrapped up and they called, they, they didn't let him, he was about to break out of the, the sack and he was going to run for either you know, some yardage or be able to make a pass. And they blew the whistle dead and they called it a sack. He ended up losing 18 yards on that play, I think. And so I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but he, he's been really good. He's a very good quarterback, but that's no doubt a struggle and something they really have to clean up right away because you can't lose games like this. That's another game that they should have won right there. They, they, they didn't sh- punt at all. They, they had shot. zero punts that game. They only scored 14 points against the Cowboys. Two that touchdowns is- taken away by penalties, an interception in the end zone, an 18-yard sack on second and goal, which was a bad call, and a missed field goal. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. It, it makes me gray just even thinking about it. Um, I did go back because you and I like do like the NFL draft preview and everything, and my top five quarterbacks for that class were Burrow 1, Love 2, and I had Herbert 3. And my note was her, with Herbert needs to learn how to throw people open in order to succeed. He still can't do that for as good as he was last year. Some of those throws last year when he needed to throw last year, excuse me, last week, we needed to throw someone open were just awful. I mean, he had two that were just 
awful. That one in the red zone that went right in the DB's arms was low level college. Like, it was really bad. Really, really bad. They, uh, if you were worried a little bit after week one, Austin Eckler didn't get any targets. He got nine in week two. So don't worry, don't worry there. And he's gotten all the goal line carries so far this year. So he should be in line and, for, for some big games coming up. And if you have Eckler, if you win, make sure you tweet him because every week he's giving away a signed jersey. So oh, I have great. Yeah, he's... league. So if you have a Twitter or an Instagram account, just tag him and you can definitely, um, you know, he'll, he'll hook you up, which is nice. We get to uh, oh, one more. Um, Mike Williams. He led the team in targets in week two. And what's nice about um, what we've seen from him recently is his depth of target is a lot shorter. And normally you think, oh, that that's a bad thing. But Mike Williams' depth of target was so deep that he was never going to be someone who was going to be getting a lot of receptions. He's just they're they're using him in a different way this year. They're getting him involved in a lot shorter routes, which is taking advantage of his size and his athleticism and his skills. So I think, um, you know, he's someone to keep an eye on also. Uh, Mike but Williams. that's why it's important, like, when you guys do this stuff. Like, I post these little fantasy tidbits once a week. You, you need to know the coach's system. My thing was like, hey, Mike Williams is going to have a great year because the X is always the first read in the Saints offense with Lombardi runs, and that's what Mike Williams runs. So, I mean, like, that's why it's important. You guys got to make sure you to do the reach because I have Williams in a couple leagues in fantasy, and I absolutely love it. He's doing well. We get to Arizona at the Jags. Is this one still seven and a half? This one is seven and a half. And, guys, I locked in the seven and a half. It I locked it in at seven and a half also. And I'm going to sprinkle <laughs> on the money line. I do. I am too. I think I locked it in the seven and a half and I might money line also. Go ahead. Here, Here's the thing. I said it earlier when we talked the Lions. Teams at home getting seven or more, five and all oh against the spread. And I love this spot. You have arguably the worst coach of the NFL in Cleef Kingsbury. This team should have lost last week. I mean, I don't know what it is about the Vikings and effing field goal kickers. And them not being able to make a kick. It's just synonymous with that brand of football. When you look back, I mean, hell, it even cost them going to a Super Bowl a couple years ago. Um, not years ago, like 10 years ago. Um, they should have lost that game. I was not impressed at all. D-Hop isn't 100%. D-Hop may not even play this game from everything that I'm hearing. So you're going to lose your best playmaker. Um, again, this is another 0-2 team. You're going to get the best effort. Uh also, for the Cardinals, you have to think, do you really feel comfortable laying seven and a half points with Cliff Kingsbury? Hell no. On the road? No. The Cardinals are the type of team that I was just talking about with Washington. I like playing the Cardinals when they're an underdog. Because with Kyler, he's kind of feisty. He'll keep you competitive in a lot of games. But when they're laying points, that's when you have to worry about your coach doing things that are going to cost you points or cost you field possession. And I, I didn't. They should have lost that game. It was a thirty-seven yard field yeah. that they that they missed that the Vikings missed. I mean, they they basically lost that game. They scored a lot of points. Their offense looked good, but we're not talking about a fifty-five yard field goal. We're talking about a thirty-seven yard field goal for the win that was missed. And. The Cardinals wins speak more to me about the Titans issues and the Vikings issues than they're being good. I think this is a 2-0 team. I'm not buying this 2-0 team at all. I think their defense has 
major holes. I mean, hell, they gave up how many points to the Vikings, whose offensive line is struggling. And let's face it, um, the Jags kicker, Lambeau, could make two goddamn field goals. They would have won that game. You know what I mean? Like, I not would have won, excuse me, would have covered. Um, yeah, I just, I think this is a great spot to buy in the Jags. I did see an, inter, I read an interesting stat. Jags have zero rushing attempts inside the red zone this year, and they are the only team to have that. I mean, that is just mind-boggling to me. Um, yeah, I'm on the Jags here. I'm going to sprinkle on the money line. You know, like I said, 5-0 and against the spread, 3-0 and straight up. This is going to be one of their best efforts of the year, and this is just the ultimate just selling play on the Cardinals because this line was 2.5. Two yeah, week three, you know, week one, they just weren't ready. They were shell-shocked. Week two, they played a good team. They played a good defense. A Denver team that's good. They have a solid defense. That's a tough matchup for any. That's a tough going to be a tough matchup for good offenses this year. That Denver defense. And then week three, you know, now you you're dealing with an Arizona defense that's still still overvalued because they're going to people are still going to think they're sort of good defensively because they're coming off of that week one game where. That was way more about the Titans than it was about Arizona. We saw the Vikings come back and shred them last week. Um, their offensive line allowed 23 total pressures, 12 quarterback hurries, and three sacks. The D-line was was pretty good. They had eight quarterback pressures, uh, Chandler Jones with three and a sack. But they did allow 6.6 yards per rush. And the Jags offensive line was actually pretty good last week. They only had one lineman allow a sack. Nobody allowed more than three pressures. So all of them consistently are, are pretty solid there. The Jags dropped three passes on some of their catchable passes uh, out of 17 of them. So, you know, there could have been a little bit more uh, you know, yardage and just a little more for the Jags there. Now, their secondary isn't the greatest in the world. So I think Arizona will be able to score points in this game. That's why you see that the total is a, is a high total. It's up in the 50s, 52. And Lawrence, you know, their secondary, four different members allowed 30 yards in coverage. They also gave a, a big penalty. And Lawrence will have these flashes, but there was a stretch. You were talking about how they were in the game. It was first down in Denver territory, down 10-7 with like a minute to go in the first half. And the Jags had, and Lawrence had incomplete pass on first down, incomplete pass on second down, incomplete pass on third down. Then he scrambled for the first down. And then they got, so it was first down, incomplete pass on first, incomplete pass on second, incomplete pass on third. He went 0 for 6 on back-to-back drives with a scramble in the middle, and then they missed a field goal. <laughs> it, was, it was just like, oh my gosh, I mean, like a, a microcosm of how bad things are. that insane interception while falling out of bounds. I mean, yeah. it's just one of those things. It was weird. Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, they competed better. They looked Much better. better. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take them here. I'll take I'm the very, seven and a half. Yeah, and I'm very anti-Arizona. You know, even the negative stuff about the Jags, some of those negative stats and stuff. Um, the D-backs allowed over 11 yards per completion. This could be a really good Marvin Jones game. You know, keep an eye on Marvin Jones here, especially with Chenault, who's been a little banged up. Marvin Jones came to life last week. Maybe a good DFS play there for him. And... Kyler Murray's just been incredible. He had 400 yards passing, 10.8 yards per attempt. He was five of six on passes, 20 plus yards. He had three big time throws. He has now th- nine of those on the year, which is tied for the most. But um, 
One guy who I'm not as high on And maybe people will you know, jump on him this week is Max Williams He had a good week last week He had 94 yards receiving and 7 receptions He only ran routes on about half of the pass plays It's just one of those things that's tough to sustain it, it was probably good looks for him He was open, but he may not be out there enough To get these kind of numbers weekly at all Not someone that I'd want to necessarily jump in on Rondell Moore You know, you mentioned the Hopkins injury He led the team in targets, receiving and rece- uh, receptions And receiving yards So Maybe someone to to keep an eye on because uh, it seems like they've been pretty high on him so far this year. And AJ Green is just that AJ Green's there, C- Christian Kurtz there. I mean, they definitely got some weapons. The Jaguars back four isn't that good. They really only have that CJ Henderson kid I like a lot. But with Hopkins isn't there. You're right. I mean, more Kirk or Green could have a game, and this game wouldn't surprise me if it kind of drifts over the total. Um, it's not supposed to be wet there. It's not supposed to be that humid. So, yeah, I expect a lot of points. But, again, I mean, I think this is just a sell-high point on the Cardinals. They're traveling out west. So, yeah, I definitely think uh, there's some value on the Jaguars. We get to Browns versus the Bears. Browns minus 7, uh, over under 46.5. I like the Browns this year. They uh, this uh, I'm, I'm going to stay away from this game just because of the Justin Fields factor. He's going to be starting – he looked horrible when he when he came in last week. He he just did not look good. I'll totally give him a pass for that and think that with a week of preparation, he'll look better. But in a weird way, you know, I I'll give him a pass, Eric. But I'm also a little disappointed because I would have liked to see him look better, and I think that is why Andy Dalton was playing and Fields isn't. This is mu- this is probably what they've been seeing in practice that. He is going to make mistakes and he's not quite polished From a fantasy perspective He's interesting because He had 10 rushing attempts In that game Where he came in He's actually 6th among quarterbacks In rushing attempts already And he's played half of one game And and that's, you know, you don't have to be a good Real quarterback to be successful In fantasy if you can run the ball like that Um, Mooney yeah, Mooney looked good. Go ahead. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm staying away though, because I. I like the Browns. I think they win, but that's that number seems a little much for a Browns team that's banged up. They're gonna maybe run the ball a little bit too. I just. I'm staying away. So we'll touch on the Bears first, and then I, I have some Browns questions for you. So number one, um, the offense will be completely different. There'll be a lot more RPOs. That's what Fields is doing comfortable. The game plan and offense. That was implemented for the Bengals. It was more centered around what Andy Dalton's strengths are and what his strengths are versus what Fields' strength, strengths are, are night and day. So I'm really not putting that much, I'll say, um, value in what I saw from Fields. Also, he, was, he wasn't he was getting any first-team reps. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a completely different offense, mm-hmm. and he's going to get more practice time, which is going to be better. Um as soon as the rushing yards props opens up, I mean, just take the over, you know, whatever it is, as long as it, if it's anything under 40, I would take the over because they are going to run the ball a lot more with them. Um, I think the Bears are actually better if they had a better coaching system. I think Nagy's a joke. I think he's a clown. Um, I think he's an awful at his job. Um, I want to take the Bears here, but because of Nagy, I just can't. I think this team's going to be played fired up and emotional with the young rookie there. The city's pretty lively with him in town and him playing. And he can hide a lot of the deficiencies 
of the Bears' offensive line with his scrambling ability. In terms of the Browns, I don't know what this team is doing, man. Like, I kind of feel with the Browns, they kind of have this aura that, hey, we went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. We're in a good position. You know, we can just kind of cruise to the playoffs. That's kind of the sense I'm getting from them because I feel they're kind of just sitting out players just so that way they're fresh toward the end of the season. And it's like, dude, you're the Cleveland Browns. Like, what have you won? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I just don't know their whole mindset right now. Um, you and I had a little thing back and forth with, um, um, what's his face, Baker. About, <laughs> um, and I started thinking about this. This team of the Browns kind of reminds me of the Cowboys team a couple years ago um, where they had a solid defense. Um, they had some playmakers two pass rushers, solid back four. It wasn't a great defense, but it was a solid defense. Yeah, that's fine. They're, they're better than they look, too, yeah, because they hit, they had to face KC in week one, yeah, so their defensive yeah. metrics are a little bit off. Um, they had a, this Cowboys team. It was, it was Dak's second year, maybe second or third year. Um, good offensive line, good running game with Elliott, playmakers with Gallup, and um, whatchamacallit. But the one hole when you look at the team Oh, maybe if they had a better quarterback. I still don't trust Baker Mayfield, man. I know, like, the stats say he's, like, good and everything. But if you were to look at this Browns team and assume, like, Walker and everyone is healthy right now, because I know they do have some injuries in their defense, what would be the one position you would change? I would say, hey, if we change this position and put someone else there, this team would win it all. Mm. I, maybe something on the defensive side. I think you know if if they had uh, Odell and Landry both there, I think wide receiver wise they'd be fine. And I do think that hurts them a little bit. They're great within the tight end. Their offensive line is very good. And that's the, and that's the thing. You know, I'm actually just like I'm higher on Baker than you in that. I think you know going back to when he was in college and they, and then even when he came out and his rookie year and then when he took over. At the end of his rookie year, he was very, very good. And that's why people were high on him the next year. And he kind of had that, you know, call really good college quarterback. I'm going to slap you on the ass kind of thing, like rah, rah, rally the troops. That's kind of why I, I always sort of liked him. I thought he was a good college quarterback. Size wise, I was never sure if he was going to make it. And what I liked about his first year is that he was very accurate and he was accurate as hell in college. And so I figured, okay, you know what? He's accurate. And then last year at the beginning and two years ago when he really struggled, it was he was not accurate. He was missing throws. I see him just making throws now. I think he just feels a little bit more comfortable the second year in this system with Stefanski. So I and the thing for me is I think you're kind of right in that last week, at least for sure. I felt like that was a bad spot for them. I, I think they'll maybe be a little bit more fired up and maybe a little bit more just. You know, playing with uh with like a higher level than they were not coming off that Chiefs that Chiefs game, but I um I do think he's the type of guy that can can go and win you the game late, and I think the the team likes him. I don't think he's a bad dude or a you know he hasn't done anything that doesn't get the, the team you know he, that doesn't inspire the the team. He just he's just got to prove it now. He's got to prove it in the big games. It doesn't matter what I think he will because you think. The opposite. You think he, you, they can make an upgrade there. I feel like he's he's got the makeup of a guy who he's corny and stuff, but he doesn't. He's not a bad dude. 
You know, or he's not someone who seems like the team doesn't like him. I think he checks all of the boxes. Now, what you've said repeatedly is that he has to do it or get as close to doing it as possible in these next two years while this team is built so well. I mean, like Lamar did on Sunday night. He did like he led him to the win at the Chiefs, got the game winning drive, got that. I guess, like, my point is that I got to see that from Baker. Mm hmm. And we hadn't really seen it from Lamar at all up until yeah. that point either, you know? And and sometimes yeah. it's just one game like that, or you feel it, like, you know, you can kind of just feel. See, like, I thought when I saw Baker, what was it? was the game against the Ravens last year on Monday night where I saw him kind of going back and forth enough to to think that, yeah, you know what, I trust when the ball is in his hands. And I do trust him with the with that offensive line there. But because um, when when you look right now at the league, who is really good? I don't think anybody is. On, yeah, on, I mean, every team, like even the Bucks, the Bucks have some deficiencies in that back four that you really can't they, defend. They the lead the league in turnovers, I think, on offense. Yeah. They have five turnovers through the first couple of weeks. They've been sloppy. They're yeah, their secondary isn't. They're probably the the best, right? But they're not unbeatable. They haven't looked incredible. We haven't seen. And normally, we see a couple teams come out and look awesome on all sides of the ball. But even the teams that got, you know, that one and. Like the Bills look bad week one. They came back and they beat the Dolphins, but they didn't look that great. The Saints look great week one. They come back and look like crap week two. The Panthers are probably going to go to three and oh right now. We don't know how good the Panthers are. The Rams and the the Bucks play each other. We're going to talk about that game coming up in a moment. So we'll get a good idea there, but we don't know how good the Broncos are. They've had a really easy schedule. We don't know how good the 49ers are. I'm I don't, you know, I don't think there's anyone that's that great. And that's kind of what makes me think. Cleveland's still kind of in an okay spot because they got an identity, you know, like they at least run the ball, they run it well, and their offensive line is always going to give them time. And I think with those things, as long as their defense isn't a sieve and as long as Baker just doesn't, if he's not the reason that they lose games, I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But and I mean, said, like, I don't like, I don't like them in this spot. I'm not playing this yeah. game. <laughs> I mean, I, like, that was more of like a season long, you know, Talk like mm-hmm. well, sure exactly. I'm yeah. just they're built to win now. I mean, where we're we're did have an injury that I'm a little Jerry Will. Sorry, had an injury. I mean, if he goes down, that does downgrade the offensive line. I don't like how they treat Nick Chubb. They treat Nick Chubb like um a fine bottle of scotch. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. They only take it when they you know what i mean on a special yes. occasion yes i would love for him bust that thing open and get yeah. drunk you know <laughs> you know what i mean i just yes. i just don't like the way they use them but i mean like yeah i mean this spot i definitely want to take the bears but i have a couple more plays i like and you know it looks like i'm starting off the week poorly with a plus eight loss plus eight <laughs> and a half loss with the texans so i'm gonna save my money and sit out this one the the one guy who i think is actually sort of interesting in this spot is so they're wide receivers with no Landry. Um, he's out. And Odell, you know, he's reportedly, I think, at a play. He's practiced in full, at the, uh, it looks like, the last couple. The wide receivers last week were really bad. They only had um, three receptions for 42 yards combined between Schwartz, Peoples-Jones, and Higgins. And I'm sure they'll have some other stuff dialed up for them this week. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Kareem Hunt line up for a few more passes. He he was he can line up out wide. They did this with him before in Cleveland. They've done this with him before last year when they had some injuries 
And they've done this with him in before with the Chiefs, where they had him line up like a wide receiver if you need to. He can catch the ball really, really well. So he may be someone who's interesting to take a little flyer on in a DFS spot or two because maybe he gets a couple extra touches out of the air this week because Landry was that possession guy. You knew Landry was always going to get you five or six targets in a lot of those five to six yard range. That might be somewhere where they look to hunt now. Yeah. Yep. And like, it's just a weird distribution with them. Like, I just don't get the distribution of touches. And if they do get up big, which is a possibility because you do have a rookie quarterback going in his first game, um, they could just sit Chubb because they use him like a delicacy and just grind out Hunt. And like, so yeah, I totally agree with you. Hunt's definitely got some value value on the uh, millionaire maker slate. We move to Broncos Jets. How about this, man? The 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 it couldn't ask for more. The Panthers are about to go to three and zero. They were the team that I liked. I, I just hope McCaffrey isn't banged up. And another team that I had a, a season long over on. And um, you know, I, I've got some money on them to make the playoffs. Is the Broncos? They're a ten and a half point favorite against the Jets here. You couldn't ask for more coming into this game two and zero. You're playing against the Jets team that has looked so bad. Horrible offensive line. Wilson threw four interceptions. This is, as someone who likes the Broncos, this is this is a lot of points for a team that's a good defensive team that I don't think is an offensive juggernaut. I just can't, it's a stay away from me because I just can't back the Jets at the moment. There's no way I could, I don't think I could lay 10 or 10 and a half or any number that big with the Broncos. Um, couple notes for them though Portland Sutton looked much better and think you know think about how that was just his second game back off of an injury so maybe he needed the first game to kind of get the the feel out process and um nine receptions 159 yards Bradley Chubb unfortunately out they thought they were going to get him back but no go uh Jody uh Jewel out also Teddy Bridgewater zero turnover worthy plays he was nine of ten under pressure for 97 yards and a touchdown so those are under pressure 9 of 10, where he was very good. And Javante Williams broke 6 tackles on 13 attempts. Keep an eye on him. He's going to break one of these games. Von Miller, 6 pressures and a sack. But nothing really for me here, Eric. Uh, I think the total is 41 in this game. Yeah, I just I just can't do anything no. here. You got a rookie quarterback on the road in Mile High, which is always a tough place to play. That's going to be full, capacitated, which is hugely loud. Uh, Jets, no, don't have back then their best offensive lineman going into Vangio defense. I mean, you couldn't ask for a rougher two game stretch for a rookie quarterback going up against Bill Belichick and then Vic Vangio. Vangio's defense is complicated and hard to hard to read and everything. And I really think that Wilson's going to struggle, but laying this many points when the total is so low is just so tough to do. I do it in the do have the Broncos. They'll be my survivor pick. Um, the one kind of worrisome thing for me is the Broncos do have the Ravens on deck. Um, so, you know what I mean? Like focus wise, you have a young team, a team that really hasn't won that much. Are they going to be reading the press clippings about how good they are? That's mm-hmm. kind of the one thing that worries me. Um so this game is just a pure stay away yep. for me. But I did read an interesting thing. Can you guess which quarterback leads the league in passes over 20 yards? That's Teddy, huh? Teddy Bridgewater leads the yeah. league in passes over 20 yards, which is what you think about. It's kind of mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be him because everyone has that perception that he's just a check down Charlie and everything. But, but yeah, like I just, 
yeah, it's rookie quarterback. See the best defense offensive lineman, like I said, but I just pure stay away from me. We move to Seahawks Vikings here as gosh, I, yeah, I don't. This this one's probably a stay away for me here too. The Seahawks come into this game after blowing that big lead. We talked about it earlier when we discussed the Titans game, how they were up and the Titans broke a big run and then three and out, and they sort of just kind of turned themselves off and they couldn't get it going again late. Lockett's been incredible, uh, 178 yards and a touchdown, eight receptions. On the Vikings side, they should have won that game. They missed a 37-yard field goal to win at Arizona, and they played pretty well. Dalvin Cook had 22 carries for 131 yards, seven avoided tackles. He had two receptions for 17 yards. He had 148 total yards and 78 rushing yards after contact. There's a new receiver getting some love in in, uh, Vikings land, K.J. Osborne. He led the team in receiving yards. Their O-line was much better in week two. You referenced how they were going to struggle in week one without the offensive line coach. Seems like they figured things out a little more. Only three quarterback hits allowed, just one sack. And their D-line, Hunter had seven pressures and three sacks. He played pretty well. I just, you could tell me anything here. I, I wasn't that high on the Vikings this year. I did like the spot for them last week. And they looked better. They got some things going. I do expect Seattle to play better in here. I just, I can't really get too strong of a feel, so I'm staying away. Gotten to my head, I would take Minnesota just because, like I said, Mike Zimmerman last week, I mentioned Mike Zimmerman's track record against the spread. I think it's like now 32 and 15 after a loss. So he is insanely great after a spread. I hate laying. Um, points as uh, road favorites with Seattle, so I just can't. But I, I can't take the Vikings, even though this is a make or break yeah. game for their season. If they lose this, they're done. The Zimmer's coaching careers in Minnesota is probably over. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. Like I'm not. I don't like the way Seattle lost that game, and I don't no, like me the either. way Minnesota lost that game. I do. I know we do get this insane against the ATS trend with Zimmer and everything, but like I said before, sometimes the best bet is no bet, and that's what I'm doing right here. This is a pure stay away from me. We move to Raiders Dolphins. Uh, Raiders are a four point favorite at home, playing against the Dolphins here. Total in this game is 45 and a half. So you've got the Raiders who had that awesome win in Week One, big opening game Monday night. You get a huge win against the Ravens. Then you travel across country, short week, tough spot. You beat a Steelers team that you weren't supposed to beat. Now you've got two wins against team that you, nobody thought you were going to beat to start the season. People chalked them up as losses for you. And you start hearing already about how good you are and the Raiders are better than we thought. And Derek Carr is maybe an MVP candidate through two weeks. He's you know got some of the best numbers and he's making some great throws. He had 817 Yards in these two games He does have a little bit of an injured angle Keep uh, ankle. Keep an eye on that I, I love the Dolphins in this spot I think this is a great spot to play against The Raiders and mainly because I'm not that high on Tua I don't know how much of a downgrade From Tua someone like Brissett will be after a week Of practice for Brissett And having the opportunity to You know run first team reps with this offense This is a legitimate NFL backup quarterback who's had fine success in, in a couple different spots. And I don't know if two is even good really at all. So I, I'm, 
against the uh, I'm against the Raiders in this spot. I don't like the Dolphins this year, but I'm not taking anything out of that game last week against the Bills. They got absolutely destroyed. I'm not going to look at like read into a lot of the numbers, total yards, performance yards per play. I'm not looking into some of that stuff from that game. I just think it's one of those where you just throw the film away. You got your doors blown out. They're not that good. They're not that bad. They do have a very good defense, and they're a team that we get frustrated watching because their defense keeps them in a lot of games. I think this is going to be one of them where they just try not to do anything stupid. Brissett, you know, doesn't turn the tries not to turn the ball over. They have a very good secondary, so they're going to make it a lot more difficult on the Raiders trying to throw the ball. They haven't established that they can run the ball at all. They've got to do that a lot better. They could not run the ball against Pittsburgh last week. I'm going Dolphins in here. Um, I locked in the Dolphins at plus four and a half. Couple things. Number one, I try to tell everyone two years ago that Tua is going to suck in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's a great kid, but I, there's just his physical, how he's built, how he throws the ball. I just think he think he was that good because with Percet with Percet playing, I think this is actually better. Dolphins are trying to run the same offense that Alabama ran when Tua was there with the down the field stuff, the quick slants and everything. Tua just doesn't have the arm strength. And when you're at Alabama and you're playing with these athletes, you can get away with it. NFL, you can't. But Brissett does have the arm strength to make these throws, to stretch the field, to exploit the holes in the Raiders' defense. That's number one. Um, This is the ultimate sell point on the Raiders. They won two games. They had basically no business really winning. This is a 2-0 team. There are certain teams that are 2-0 that I think are kind of bluffs. I would put the Ravens and the Raiders, excuse me, in that category. Um, some interesting trends. I saw teams coming off a loss of over of 28 points or more, four touchdowns, which the Dolphins were last week are 62% ATS. I love that stat because it shows, you know, the team comes back locked in like I expect this Dolphins team to be. And Mr. Monday Night Football himself, John Gruden, 41% off of a win. I think this is the ultimate sell point. Gruden has proved he can't cover after getting a win. I definitely like the Dolphins here. I'm doing a sprinkle on the money line. Dolphins plus four and a half. Lock it in. A couple other things to mention for the uh, the Raiders. Rugs. We got a rug sighting. 113 yards. Touchdown. 61 yard touchdown. Um, when Waller is getting... You you know getting a lot of attention It's going to make things easier for someone like Ruggs to, to flash so you'll you'll Probably see games like that from him Carr was 28 For 37 382 yards two touchdowns He was 4 of 4 on 20 plus yards In uh, 20 plus pa- yard passes In the area at one turnover worthy play Again they can't run the ball though uh, Drake and Barber had 41 Yards combined on 20 carries The Raiders offensive line has not been Very good their defensive lines actually played pretty well in the Gawkway, uh, had a couple pressures and a good pass rush win rate. Crosby and Thomas had a couple, uh, like four pressures each in that game against the Steelers. Now, if Brissett, I think Brissett can go farther down the field than Tua, right? They would used to bring Brissett in to throw the Hail Marys for, yeah, uh, he's, for, for luck. He's, he's better off. With the offense they're running, they're trying to run the Alabama offense that stretches the field down the middle. Brissett can make the throws Tua can't make. So I think this is a better fit for them. I'll be honest, if this was a Tua game, even with the spot, I would not be laying the egg. I think I love Brissett. Me too. In this spot for for them. Also, like you mentioned Derek Carr. 
is there a better thrower of the ball than Derek Carr that gets absolutely zero love from the press? He looks great I mean, doing it. I mean, his ball is so pure, and I just like it's just too bad that he had that injury because I really think they would have won that Super Bowl a couple years ago. The Raiders secondary is not very good, but think about who they've played so far. They played the Ravens, who you know that's not Lamar's strength. He's not going to beat you and can go after and pick on your secondary. They're going to he's going to run the ball great, and you know they're they're a tough offense, but not a prolific passing offense. And then they played the Steelers and Big Ben, who haven't been able to pass the ball at all. Ben got a little banged up too. He's not throwing the ball downfield. Any team that can actually exploit that secondary, they can move the ball. And I think with Brissett. They will be able to actually Maybe you get Waddle, right? Maybe you get, you know um, What is Fuller? We don't really know, right? I still, I don't think he's playing He's got a personal issue He's a personal thing, it wasn't an injury Because it was only the one week suspension So the receiving core They actually have some pieces there, though And Devontae Parker I mean, they got some weapons But, like, this is why you have to look at the coaching system Um and the player like Tua needs to be in the West Coast fast hitting system that gets the ball out of his hands. Average depth of target isn't that much, and that's not at all what they're doing in Miami. You hit it on the head that Brissett's a way better fit in this offense than uh, Tua is. We move along to and and, and oh, yeah, you know we mentioned good secondary, so that's gonna that's gonna help. Just Miami, Miami's a spot for me. Anything over you know the field goal, I would take Miami in here. Yeah. So yeah, four. I like to be at four and a half. I I love them. I'm gonna sprinkle on the money line. I'll probably do like I'll probably do a parlay with them and the Colts. That'll be this week's money line parlay. We get to the game of the week, no doubt. And I mean, is this the toughest game on Tampa schedule this year? Right, I think right emotionally now? wise, I think it's next week. I really it, think yeah. next week. So for all the emotion, it's that I mean, this game for me is a popcorn game. I can't wait to watch it, but betting wise, it's a stay away. I, I think I'm gonna get in on the Rams side now, and and I don't think the Rams have looked incredible or anything through the first few weeks. But we look at Tampa, you know, we you know we just talked about in that Falcons game how that game was close late. You know, Brady has been incredible. It's so it's really bizarre. Because if you just look at Brady's numbers, he has five touchdowns. He's eight for ten in the red zone for fifty-five yards, five touchdowns. He's completed he completed passes to ten different receivers last week, eleven point three yards per attempt. They've scored thirty plus points in nine straight games, which is the second longest uh, stretch in NFL history. And, and think about that's including the playoffs when you're not supposed to be able to score as many points. You know, you're, you're not you're supposed to. It's supposed to be more difficult to score during during the playoff time. So. All that being said, Tampa's offense only ranks 19th in expected points added per play EPA, a good analytical stat. Yet Brady's been awesome. It's because they have five turnovers on offense, and they haven't been great on third down. They like 39%, which is 19th. They will likely improve on both of those, and what they say, regress to the mean. I don't know if it's going to be this spot against a pretty good defense that's going to be pumped up. To play them And Antonio Brown's going to be out So just one less weapon uh, Looks like Ramsey will be on Godwin I think it could be a big game for Evans From Tampa, maybe one who ends up getting a, a, You know Easier coverage than uh, than You know, Ramsey on Godwin That's why I sort of lean to the Rams Just thinking that They're going to be a better defense Than what the 
the Tampa Bay Bucks have seen in week one from the Cowboys, week two from the Falcons. Now you have a defensive line that had 26 total pressures last week. You're going to have Donald, uh, Aaron Donald there, obviously. They, their offensive line on the Rams, they only allowed one pressure last week. No offensive lineman was beaten by a rusher more than once. Cup has been incredible. He just looks like the go-to guy for Stafford. Stafford's been all over focusing in on Cup. 16 catches. He had nine uh, so far. He had nine receptions for 163 yards and two touchdowns. And um, you know they only did force three punts, which you know for in, in a couple weeks so far, which could be a problem with you know a Tampa team that can move the ball. But I I think this Rams team and defense is going to be be firing up. They're going to attack the secondary. That's where you get after Tampa. They they have a great defensive front. You can't really run the ball against them that well. But Stafford should be able to hit Cup. Should be able to pick on that Tampa secondary where they're weak, where they're a little banged up. Robert Woods there, Jefferson there, Higby. I think that's where they attack. I think the Rams win this game. Uh, I'm going to leave Rams in here in a total that's 56. Eric, 56 in this total. That's a, that's a lot of points. I mean, that's a lot of points, especially <laughs> when you look like. I read the stat that the under in SoFi has gone under. It's like something like one in nine to the under. So, I mean, it's definitely like I would lean under if I were to bet this game um, in terms of your points about the uh, the defense. I think this is going to be a Higby week just because Stafford has shown to everyone that Cup's the guy that he has leaned on um, and trusts the most. And the area to attack the Bucks defense is in the slot. Um, but with that being said, I think the Bucks will double Cup, look to take him away. That's why Higby will be open in the seam and everything. So I think in terms of fantasy, it would be a Higby week. He'll definitely probably be in a couple of my lineups. Um, in terms of sides, Rams did open up as the favorite. Now they're the underdogs, so you are getting points. So, yeah, I mean, short home dogs, I get it. I love it, but I don't want to have too big of a card and this just missed the cut. If I were to bet it, it would be the under in the Rams. We move along to 49ers Packers here, Sunday night football game. And I like the Packers in this spot. Um, They don't match up very well on the, in the trenches with the, 49ers they have it in the past few years Feels like these teams have played each other over and over And, and most of the time the 49ers have beat up The, the Packers This 49ers team is, isn't is quite The team that we've seen though The last few years when you really dig in They come off of a, a back-to-back Wins on the East Coast This is the third straight year where they've actually done that They stayed on the road over on the East Coast So they've been 6-0 and the last three years When they've had the, the, the trips and they've stayed there They are badly injured at running back Mitchell, Hasty, and Sermon all got banged up within 10 minutes of, of the game From the very start of the, the fourth quarter Like the middle of the fourth quarter They all got hurt And they actually were the beneficiary of a penalty That negated a turnover They were lucky that the Eagles Stepped out of bounds right before It would have been a long Rieger yeah, would have been a long touchdown play um, Jimmy G didn't, you know 3.6 average depth of target Two turnover worthy plays that Philly didn't take advantage of In the first quarter he threw seven passes Not one of them was counted as a successful play by pro football focus They only completed three of those for, for a total of 19 yards And week two of, the, of this past week 
Was the second lowest successful run rate Of any game that Shanahan has been the head coach Their backfield isn't great right now They're banged up And their offensive line hasn't been very good So they're not giving a lot of time They're not that dominant powerhouse running team They've won a couple games You know, you really dig into that game last week I think it may have been a little more Of Philly's issues early on And I this is more of not loving the uh, the Forty Niners and thinking that that's it's a little too much with the hook on there than than being in love with the the Packers, but I'll uh, I'll take the Packers plus three and a half here. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, before we start recording, I drift down to three, so I'm waiting. Hopefully, I can get three and a half. Uh, Shanahan's not that good coming off of a win against the spread. I think LaFleur and Rodgers together have only lost one game as an underdog against the spread. The one thing that worries me, though, is where the matchups are. 49ers have a huge advantage with their offensive line and their run game against the uh, Packers defensive line. But on the flip side of that, the Packers wide receivers have a huge advantage over the DBs. So I think those are going to kind of balance out with the game flow of the game and what everyone's going to look to do. Um, so I definitely would take Aaron Rodgers with the points if I could get to three and a half. Unfortunately, I missed it, but I, def- I have my alert set up though that if it does get back up to three and a half, I'm gonna take it. Close out the week with the uh, Monday night football game, and we go Cowboys minus four against the Eagles. Total fifty one and a half in here. I I don't know what to do with this game, Eric. I think there are probably three or four teams in the league that I just don't feel like I know. And I get that sort of feeling with the Eagles. They uh, that you know we talked about the Rager stepping out of bounds that touchdown. They had a Jake Elliott field goal blocked. Um, they got stopped on the goal line after a 93-yard play. So they really could have won that game. And and maybe getting the 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 additional you know the four here, I, I might take it. I would probably lean to the Eagles side here. I'm not. Dallas has been fine. I just still don't trust them in a spot where they have to lay points like this with a port with a bad coach. I think they're going to be in a lot of close games. Dak was twenty three of twenty seven. They even played for a fifty six yard field goal, which is just stupid. Um, I think they didn't even play for it because they still had a timeout. They didn't call the timeout, and I think the time just totally got away from McCarthy, and he had no idea what he was doing. And Zerline completely bailed him out. Like I really think they got. Insanely lucky with that situation I really think McCarthy had no idea Time and timeout And anything The uh, Cowboys were looking To Lamb quite a bit Cooper was a, a little Banged up so Lamb was someone who had eight targets He had a couple drops in week one not in week two Eight receptions there What's interesting for the Cowboys is They have the highest pro football focus Grade of any player at any position uh, Offensive lineman Zach Martin they have the highest pro football focus grade of any running back, Tony Pollard. He's actually the highest graded for what he's done so far. And it wasn't as if Zeke looked bad in game two. And the reason why why Tony Pollard hasn't just usurped Zeke is when you watch a lot of the game film and the rewatches and stuff, Zeke is an incredible blocker. He is an incredible blocking running back. He picks up a lot of really great blocks. And so that's just something that Tony Pollard can't do yet or nearly as good as Zeke in a lot of spots. That's why Zeke is is in there and that's why Zeke will still get a lot of run because he's a great great blocker. And sometimes someone like Tony Pollard, he's in when you kind of scheme for more pass plays, so there is a little more room for him to run sometimes. But damn, he's been good. 
And the Dallas running backs got a total of eight first downs in week two. He had 13 carries, 109 yards for a touchdown, three receptions for 31 yards. Zeke wasn't bad, 16 carries for 71 yards. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'd lean Eagles. Do you have a strong opinion? I'm here? definitely going to be on the Eagles here. I just can't lay any single points with um, a defense that's this bad. I mean, this defense is awful. And I really think McCarthy got lucky with that win yesterday because I really don't even last week, excuse me, that he knew, like I said, clock time situation. When you have a team that has one of the worst defenses in the league, you just can't trust it to lay points. And with how bad that defense in, there's going to be pressure on Prescott all the time. I think the Eagles defensive front is just a little bit better and it's going to be able to create some pressure. And make um, Prescott a little bit um, uh, uncomfortable. Uh, Devontae Smith, I mean, I, I'll admit it when I'm wrong. Devontae Smith so far looks great. He's getting 50% of the air yards, which I didn't think he'd be able to hold up. In terms of fantasy reasons, this um, defense has given up the six votes points to fantasy wideouts. So someone like a Rieger, I would definitely look in terms of fantasy for the showdown slate because he's always underpriced and he always is constantly getting 40 snaps to 20 routes per game. So I definitely like that. But in terms of the game betting wise, I'm in all, all in on the uh, Eagles over the key number of three interdivision teams that know each other well and know each other, the personnel. And I just, I just not high in this Cowboys team. That's your uh, Monday night football game. And that finishes up our look at the week three NFL slate, but don't forget that, Every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time, you can join us online on Twitter. If you follow me, it's me, Gino B. Or if you follow uh, Better Than Vegas Twitter at BTV Bets. I thought last week actually felt like a second like thing, right? Early in the year, we're finding our groove. We had um, uh, someone else, Leo, was filling in last week, so we're we're still uh, working on on you know different crews here and there. But I think we got a, a good flow going last week, and uh, we went for a little over an hour and. It's going to be very similar to what you just heard from me and Eric here. It'll be just a little shorter. We'll all give a couple thoughts. We'll bounce it around. Some of us, you know, we'll tell you if we don't like a game, we'll just kind of pass it. But at that point, Eric, what's nice is that when we talk on Sunday morning, we'll have basically every bit of information. We won't have to really speculate on a lot of things as far as injuries, what the final numbers and lines look like, how the money's been moving. We'll have a good idea of, you know, some, you know, thoughts for uh, extra fantasy or DFS stuff. So it's always nice to be able to check in once again, um, not too long before the games go off. Yeah. The closer you get to game time, the more information you have. And I mean, in this game, you want to have as much information as you can before laying a number. So, yeah, I mean, that's why it's always good to kind of touch base with us beforehand and, you know, we'll we'll break it down. And then you have like three or four guys giving your opinions and you can listen to what we have to say and make uh, what he feels the best bet based on our intel. And it, and it doesn't for whatever level of a, a handicapper or a better you are, you probably enjoy those live streams, too, because. You know, you'll sometimes the conversations with with me and Eric will get into maybe some weeds with things of you know numbers or maybe we'll say a stat or something. It's an analytical thing that you may not know. Um, on on that particular stream, there are a couple guys like Blackjack and and Beho and Leo and stuff. They are very big sports fans. They're good betters. They know what they're talking about. They know games, but they're going to give you different analysis than you'll get from me and Eric and that's what's nice about getting a combination of uh, of different thoughts from from different people and that and different handicapping and gambling levels and people that use 
different resources for how they make their uh you know their wagers and, and how they get to their certain opinions and we're uh yeah we're gonna do our best for you each and every week give us a follow there at btv bets on twitter and uh, make sure to give eric a follow because he has a lot of great stuff there his uh his uh, other individual podcast a website out there with fantasy football rankings uh tell us about some of the stuff you've got coming up this weekend and uh, where we can find that eric um i've got my podcast because it's gonna come out saturday uh, we'll answer your fantasy football start sit questions that have been sent in to me. Um, have a NASCAR betting preview by boy Brandon, who guy's a professional ice i racer, so he's actually friends with the majority of the NASCAR guys. He um, races against them in i racing. Those who don't know Denny Hamlin, who's like one of the best. The story he told about Denny Hamlin and the sugar daddy account he has was on last week's podcast. Which- <laughs> I mean, was absolutely mind-boggling to me. You guys should definitely check that out. So we do that. Um, every Wednesday, I release my fantasy football rankings. Uh, Thursday, waiver wire. No, excuse me, Tuesday, waiver wire, who I think you should pick up and everything. Um, yeah, Monday, my fantasy football hero and zeros. And then, I mean, if there's a bet, I put it out there. Uh, you know, we were, when our first bet on Monday, we played uh, the Rays. And the uh, under the second half of the Monday night game, unfortunately, we lost the Texans today. But, you know, we'll be back at it for college football and NFL on Sunday. Make sure to give Eric a follow. Uh, thanks so much, buddy. Look forward to uh, chatting with you uh, on Sunday for the stream and talk about, uh, with you again next week on Thursday. We'll do it all over for week number four. Uh, best of luck. Hope you crush this weekend. You too, man. Talk soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, still a lot more on a packed episode of That's What G Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering. 
multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. You head to DRF.com to get those pass performances uh, for all of the big races. And a big thank you to Eric for helping us out talking some NFL. And we're going to keep talking about ways you can make money this week and this weekend. And we're going to talk a little bit about Stable Duel and the schedule over at Stable Duel. When you download that app, you can head to StableDuel.com and check out the weekly schedule, the daily schedule, which contests you want to get involved in. And this weekend with the big money and the big races at Parks, they will have a focus at Parks with three Saturday contests, including one that is a $150 contest sponsored by ChartingHorseValue.com. The Pennsylvania Derby contest, $150 to enter in this thing, $12,500 in prizes. I will be getting into that contest. They also have a $10 game if you want to play in the, the smaller game and a $500 double up. So those are the, the Saturday focus. But on Friday... Charlestown, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Laurel, Monmouth, Penn National, and Woodbine, all with contests. On Saturday, Charlestown, Delaware, Emerald, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Parks, with a couple different options. And then on Sunday, to close out your week, Emerald, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Laurel, Monmouth, and Woodbine, with some new racetracks joining the party in the next couple weeks, right? When well, we have uh, Keeneland and Santa Anita coming up very soon for a lot of stable duel games if you have any questions about stable duel how to build your lineup what it's like specific questions that anything at all shoot me a message let me know would love to help you out StableDuel.com. download the app get those entries in and play race win we are going to head on over to belmont park got a couple plays for you for friday and uh over at belmont Looking at the second race, and uh, we'll talk about you know the stakes is a little chalky, I, I think. But uh, race number two is uh, is where we'll uh, we'll we'll jump in, and it's with the four here. So the second is a maiden special weight, six furlongs the distance. I'm looking at Charlotte sometimes. The dam of this one was 3 for 19. The Lone Sib was a winner. And this barn is 0 for the last 12 uh, in DRF, you know, with the first-time starters as of late. But th- this is a really good spot. And I, I like the the work pattern. Seems to be pretty steady. Maybe get that built into the price a little bit. And this one hopefully doesn't get bet down too much and stays in that 3 to 4 to 1 range. The number four, Charlotte sometimes. We move along to race number number three. Is it it's a look at is a chalky stakes. No real you know, strong opinion for me. I would just like to mention the the stakes races and this one City Man would be the horse that I would lean to, but no real uh, no real wagers in here for me. I do move to the sixth race, and I like the six in this spot. Maiden specials going a mile and a sixteenth. Judge Davis is gonna go. Second time out for a really good barn. 
with uh, with a little bit of racing experience. Going to stretch out from six and a half to a mile in the sixteenth. The horse that he was behind, named Major General, came back to win the Grade Three Iroquois next out. And this guy hopped at the start. Uh, he did move up a bit to third, fourth. He was in the two path. He was a couple lengths off. He went inside, and he was right up on even terms before fading. That was going six and a half in the debut, which is never easy. And we know that race has already come back live. The number six. Judge Davis, he's nine to two on the morning line. If we can get anything around three to one, that feels fair there. As we move to race number seven, New York bred maiden, uh, New York bred first level allowance mile on the turf course. I uh, I thought that the outside had a couple uh, interesting horses to look at. The ten Chulane faced open in the last few, so obviously a really good spot for this one. The nine Mast Marauder, I think, is a little bit better on the turf. Could offer a, some value in here. Put a line through that last start where they bobbled, and you know you can make a legitimate excuse there. Go back to the the last time you see a poor performance. That was you know making the first start of 2021. That was also on a sloppy racetrack. So a couple legitimate excuses for some of the races that don't really seem as good on paper when you go back and dig into why. Ten and nine here uh, as horses to use in the exotics for me. As we move to race number eight, we have another. Uh, Stakes race here, uh, seven furlongs. I thought the five, she's a wild joker. Try to uh, open company after the nice debut win. And if this race shapes up with November rain going to the lead, Velvet Sister trying to press because Velvet Sister sat behind last time out and that didn't work out. Maybe even our tiny dancer with the inside draw. She's a wild joker. From off the pace in here, four to one on the morning line. You wouldn't want to take anything less than like three in this spot. So that's Friday over at Belmont Park. Let's jump over to Friday at Churchill Downs. And we are looking at Churchill for Friday. Races seven, eight, and nine. Get your past performances out there. As uh, the number seven in the seventh. Is the the one that I will uh, I'll talk about first? That's Donald's Creek, who's ten to one on the morning line. I had this one pegged more like you know a five or or six to one shot, and uh, Donald's Creek is coming off of a some some better than looks recent form. The race that that I really liked was the two back race on June the fifth at Churchill against Forty Claimers. What's wrong with that effort? Finishing behind Nifty. You know, you start digging into his form. Wasn't beating a whole lot on the turf last time out. But he doesn't seem, you know, bad on any surface. He's, he's pretty consistent. His poor races on the dirt, or not even really poor races, but his races on the dirt have come from, you know, have come behind sharp horses who have come out of those races to run well. Number seven, Donald's Creek. In race number seven, we move to race number eight. Uh, I thought the six blame the champagne. He's five to one on the morning line, and I do blame the champagne, Andrew. It's all your fault. As uh, this filly's going to be making her third career start. She's a two-year-old filly who's going to go two sprints to a route. Debuted going five furlongs, then uh, then to six furlongs in career start number two. And in that debut, she was behind two next out winners. Both of them came out of that race to win $100,000 plus stakes races in their uh, ne- in their next start. In Blame the Champagne, had an okay start last time out. Showed a little more speed. 
was three deep, four wide in between horses at the top of the lane, was a very solid second, was the best of the rest, just couldn't get to a winner who had slipped away. Blame the champagne. Five to one on the morning line, anything around three to one would make a lot of sense in here. As we move to the ninth, our third and final play of Churchill's Friday card. And it's going to be with the number four, Coltonator, who's just really consistent. And so if he's in the five or six to one range, you know, he's not a win machine or anything. But Sir Alfred James is a much shorter price, and this guy was right there on the wire with him. He's proven it, Churchill. He's proven it this trip. He has a little bit of speed, but he's probably best when he sits off the pace a little bit and he can pass horses, no doubt. Anything in the 5-1 to one range feels fair on Coltonator, who's 8-1 to one on the morning line, the number 4. So those are your three plays for Churchill Downs for Friday. Next week on Friday, we'll be very excited to welcome Santa Anita into the mix. We will be talking about Santa Anita each and every day that they race. And so we will have best bets, Thoughts on pick fives, uh, any you know, major carryovers in any of the pools. We'll share information happening with you. We'll let you know about horses that are pointing to some of the big stakes races at Santa Anita. October the 1st through October the 31st, you can purchase tickets at SantaAnita.com if you want to go watch the races live. And if you can't make it out to the track, don't worry. We're going to do our best to get you uh, all informed and to help make you a ton of money. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the racing schedule, 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, first post. Monday, October the 11th is a holiday racing on a Monday. And we look forward to discussing the Santa Anita Pick'em Contest. I believe every Saturday and Sunday they will have contest giving away $1,000 in prizes that mix racing with other sports props. Stay tuned for more information. Santa Anita, every day they race on That's What G Said Podcast. Let's head over to Parks. Before we start handicapping the Saturday card, let's, let's get set up with track announcer Chris Griffin, who's done such a great job over there at Park so far. He's going to tell us how things have been and uh, give us the uh, all the important details as we head into the big Saturday at Parks. Chris Griffin joins. That's what G said. It's a huge weekend of horse racing, and it's really cool to see how this particular day has grown because uh, we're going to be talking about some big races this weekend on Saturday at a track that, you know, we probably won't normally be talking about having four or five graded stakes races. It is a massive day at parks, 13 races on Saturday, eight stakes, five graded stakes, couple grade ones. And you know, when they're big races anywhere, we're going to be talking about them here on that's what G said. And our guest now has uh, has joined us on That's What G Said many times, but before we'd been talking about maybe uh, Sam Houston or stuff happening in Northern California, and now we get to hear uh, the voice of track announcer out at Parks, Chris Griffin, our good buddy who's made the move out to Parks and has been doing a great job on the East Coast. Chris, big week coming up for you, man. How you doing out there? What's up, Gino? It's good to be with you again. Yeah, how about that? We, we started in Houston, and now here we are. We've made our way to Philly, uh, started on the West Coast at the fairs, like you said. Yeah. I don't know if I can go any further east. I think, I think no. this is as east as I'm going to go. I, yeah. I, think, I, think, I think you hit the ocean on the uh, next stop. So it's uh, it's been quite a wild ride. It's been an honor to be in the booth. I can't believe I've been here almost six months. So it's uh, it's kind of flown by, yeah, that I've, that I've been here. And 
what a card we have. And it's our only Saturday. You know, everybody's been clamoring for the Saturday afternoon racing to come back. And, and we'll probably see it at, at a later time back here at parks uh, during the summer months. But 13 races, eight stakes, uh, <laughs> everybody descending here on Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. It, it's interesting because the one thing I do want to point out. So everybody thinks Philadelphia, obviously. You know, the track is actually located in Ben Salem, which is just northeast of Philadelphia. So we're talking 15, 20 minutes outside of downtown. So everybody that's joining us, we're right by downtown. We aren't exactly in the heart of Philly, but we are just outside of it. It's been a great experience. There's plenty of things to do from a tourist standpoint if you want to do that, too. And uh looks like nice weather on Saturday. So hopefully fast and firm and uh, ready to handicap and make some money. But, yeah, a lot, a lot of exciting wagering opportunities await. And this day, it was Pennsylvania Derby and Cotillion were kind of big races here and there that you'd see some big three-year-olds kind of point to. But it's become sort of a perfect time on the calendar for a nice breeders cup prep for a lot of these horses it's also become kind of one of these final races where these three-year-olds get to face each other before they step up to older it just feels like parks has done such a great job of where they've located this race now and what they've done to draw these fields this cotillion and this uh, pennsylvania derby even with the defections of of some of the baffert horses that are going to be staying in the west coast these Groups are strong as can be we, I've been following you along You've been kind of monitoring over the last Six weeks to two months Everybody who's pointing for these races And all their progress along the way We just have a couple really good fields Signed on for the big ones Yeah, I mean, when you see the three-year-olds Really show up in those two races A million dollars on the line is nothing to kind of no. Take lightly, you know Obviously the first money is there for these connections to come in And uh, you take a look at some of the runners In this field, I think there's some entries that People say, wow, OK, that horse is going to end up going uh, at parks and running some of those big stakes races. Um, the Pennsylvania bred breeding program, it, it, it just goes to show you how they do on the national stage as well as we've got some of those PA bred stakes races coming up. And that last one, the 13th, is a, a brutal race. It's so tough. And uh, it's just a nice day for everybody here in Pennsylvania. I'm the new guy. You know, yeah, it's here forever. But it's nice to showcase a lot of this good talent. Got a lot of top night riders that are going to be coming in. A lot of local connections that you can still root for and some names that you're definitely going to recognize because they do well on a national scale. And this is our time. This is our Saturday to really showcase what we do. And uh, hopefully we get some prices. I, I think that's going to kind of set the tone for the day from a wager yes. standpoint because on big days like this, you know, you you want to see some of that value and some of those prices early on in the card. There's a combination, right? Too. You want yeah. a little combo. You want some of the stars to show up with their big efforts and run big races, but you you don't want it to be all chalk all throughout the card. You know, yeah. but, if if Jackie's Warrior runs off and is a real short price and in, in, in the gallant Bob, then we're going to understand that and you're going to say okay, you know. But if you've got uh, three favorites leading up to that too, then you might be a little frustrated as a yeah, as a sure. better, you know, sure. looking for that value and and trying to find out where you can find some of that value in those races. But we got some nice two year old races early on in the card with a lot of first time starters, so I do think you'll see the value early on. I think it'll set the tone for the day. I think you'll see a favorite or two uh, end up in the winner's circle, and we'll just see how it plays out. But we've got plenty of good handicappers on site. Lots of people are going to be here. There's a hat giveaway. Uh, i got to make sure I send you one of those hats, too, Gino. Yeah, but, I'll, uh, take, well, yeah. I'll rock one. Absolutely. <laughs> a, I'll rock a Parks hat on some of the live streams we're doing. And uh, anytime we do some handicapping videos, you nice. uh, you mentioned some of the crew that you have out there. I believe uh, John De Silva is going to be joining me right after you to handicap the card a little bit and really dive in to nice. some of those stakes races. And I believe uh, a, a friend, too, that's been on this show many times. And, wow, talk about uh, – 
uh, a girl who has been just I, really, really getting her her due for the work that she puts in over the last year is Jessica Paquette because she's just been all over the place. And I think uh, for a long time, many of us in racing have known what a great job that she does. But it's been really fun to see her jumping out and uh, doing some work with you guys at Sam Houston, over at Colonial, and getting some recognition in the uh, New York Times, I believe. Now she's going to be over to Park. So great to see that Jessica's going to be hanging out with you guys, too. Yeah, yeah, the the New York Times is she gonna walk in with the article? I was gonna like, say, hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jessica's been great. She's uh she was a joy to work with in Houston. Uh, she is a tremendous handicapper. She's a great asset to any racetrack, and uh, yeah, I'm just happy that it worked out that we were able to bring her in for this big day. Uh, she's gonna help out a lot from just uh, our added coverage. She's gonna be down there in the paddock and be able to do a lot of previews and uh, talk to some of these connections. There's there's a lot that we can do that I can do on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but this is a, a day, too, that we've had some big field sizes and uh, a lot of runners in some of these races, so I want to make sure that the race calls are, are tight and accurate and uh, people are enjoying the, that racing action, and she can just be only add to what is an already fantastic team. She and I, fun fact, she and I have actually never met in person, so this That's will be great. our first time to meet in person. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, really looking forward to it. She's going to be uh, given selections. She's got strong opinions. A couple turf races she'll take a look at, and happy to to welcome her. John De Silva, the entire uh, team, David Asojnak, and the, the racing office, they put together a tremendous card, and uh, we are ready to, to get it rolling and happy to talk a few minutes with you about some handicap in some of these races. And it's a good time to be here in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, Gino. I just wish you could be out here to join us. Now. I know. Philly's a good city. I know. I'm definitely going to have to get out there and uh, make the East Coast trip. It's been a while for me, uh, and and I have so many racetracks because I haven't. There's a lot of tracks on the East Coast that I haven't had the chance to hit. I hit Presque Isle uh, with uh, for the mile, a uh, few uh, mile in the uh, some of their big stakes races. I covered them a few years back when I was at TVG still. But I'll have to hit Parks, and we're going to hit this pick five because there's a mandatory pick five. On Saturday, tell us a little bit about that. It's the the last last five races on the card. Yeah, so it's always the last five races of the day. It's a jackpot bet. It's a fifty cent minimum, and uh, it's it's going to cover races nine through thirteen. So it isn't all stakes. I think sometimes people were thinking all stakes, and they were thinking that it would have been uh, possibly the eighth race, the Greenwood, the Grade Three, that would be included in that sequence. It's the last five races of the day, mm-hmm. so it's going to close with the um, Alphabet Soup. So yeah, it's the ninth. Through the 13th, it kicks off with the Turf Monster, which is going to be five furlongs on the turf. Turf rail is going to be at zero feet. We'll keep an eye on, and and I'm sure you'll get an update from it if it happens, but uh, there are some clouds in the area. The winds have picked up a little bit. If we see a little bit of moisture, there might be a little bit moisture on the track, but it looks like the weather is going to be pretty nice for Saturday. So we'll just keep an eye on it as we get closer. That's a tough race to kick off the sequence. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the critical way was probably the one that everybody was expecting to see is not going to come back in this race. I mean, we're talking Caravelle, you know, can she bounce back from that Woodbine effort, you know, gets back to a nice five furlong sprint type distance. Jose Ortiz is going to be aboard. Firecrow has interest. Caratori our our a, friend Caratori just broke my heart at Sam Houston earlier this year. Just broke, broke, and and we'll be back again. And, and I sh- and I always end up on him. It's just I always I always get back because he runs he runs a big race every time he shows up. He's got that tactical speed. He was in front of Gear Jockey who came back, and he was behind Just Might who's been sharp. It's a really good sort of pick four, pick five race. 
you know, to get things started in that mandatory pick five sequence. And uh, we're talking about race number nine, which is the turf monster. And that kicks off that mandatory payout in the Philly big five. So uh, that's one wager you want to make sure to get involved in. I know I saw that there are going to be a couple of the stakes races involved in a cross country Wager two, which is always really cool. So yeah, Parks is definitely going to be the focus of uh, of everybody this weekend. We're going to be playing a lot. Uh, we're going to be doing some uh, individual handicapping videos that we will post. Also, mentioned John's going to be jumping on with us in a little bit. And Chris, just from for from you uh, personally, I mean, you, you know, you're a sports guy. You're a just so, someone who, in any field that you're in, you always want to try to get the opportunity. To have a you know have a shot at a day like you're gonna have on Saturday, calling a couple Grade One races. You've called some big races around uh, around the the country, and you know big races at Sam Houston and other places. But this sort of feels like a really really cool opportunity for you too to be on a really big stage, everybody watching with uh, you know horses that are gonna be everyone will be watching these races, prepping these you know watching these replays after as they handicap again for the Breeders' Cup. It's just these are the days someone who is in any industry kind of lives for, and I'm really as someone who's you know become a, a friend of mine now, I'm very happy to see you get the opportunity here because you work so hard and you've done so much. So uh, I know you're going to knock it out of the park this week. This is kind of you know you, if you're a football player, I know you. I think you're a Chiefs fan. You want to be in the Super Bowl, right? If you're a if you're a baseball player, you want to get the chance to play in the playoffs and stuff. And that's you know that's what you're getting the chance to do here. Man, don't say that Chiefs fan thing too loud, you know. Right. I mean, I'm, in, I'm in Eagles country out here, but uh, yeah, man, it's a it's a, it's an incredible opportunity for me. There's been a lot of people that have helped me and given me opportunities to get to this point. Uh, Keith Jones to, to to replace a legend that's been here for for so long and called so many of these great races. Uh, just hopefully, you know, gonna do him justice and call a good race. You know, don't want to go too over the top with it. You know, call the races yeah. I see it and. Uh, get after it. I think that I'll probably, it'll feel like a grade one, obviously, as they are approaching the gate. Once they break from the gate, though, uh, yep. we're, we're going to try and just treat it as another horse race and, and see what happens. Um, I, I can't plan too many scenarios. I think that the, the story was probably already written if Medina Spirit had been in there. I do think the early pace is going to be a bit of a question mark there in the Pennsylvania Derby. I think it'll be interesting to see from a tactical standpoint where some of those horses are placed early on in the race. Uh, I don't think that they're going to crawl up front I, I think that there will be plenty of pace early on and i'll probably acknowledge that and and, and kind of see you know who takes the front and who wants to try and take them all the way around uh you got a local horse in there and i am redeemed with those local connections so there's a story there and and we'll see what you know the smarty jones winner Folsom can do and, and some of those other horses that race is just shaped up really nice even with the scratch um speaker's corner i think is a horse that everybody's kind of mentioning here that that horse they feel like is on the improve uh, just coming out of that one race at Saratoga off that long layoff. The cotillion with the local connections and leader of the band. Uh, I'll, I'll know those silks coming down the lane and, and see if she can run by them all. It, it's just a nice, it's a nice time. It's a nice time yeah. to be a track announcer in this booth. Um, it's a fantastic team. You know, I always give a shout out to the TV crew because they're going to be working their tails off on Saturday and doing a lot of things. And we have a lot of different ideas and they're going to be chasing people around and getting these connections. And it's a, it's a total team effort to put on a big day like this. You know, everybody's going to be running around. I get to kind of just chill in the air conditioned booth and, and, and watch the races and, and make sure that I've got my silks colored and, and be able to get after it. So, yeah, man, it's it's been quite the journey. It started all in, in Houston, Texas. By, by the way, how good is Latruska been? She, I know she's oh my gosh. Here, man, you know? She, and it's like she's scaring everybody away now. We're yeah. seeing Mon and my girl may not be, you know, a, a squid skydiver. She just puts them away. They don't, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, yeah oh, she man. was she was a real fun one to watch there in in, uh, in Houston and uh, to see how far she's come and how far I've come to get to this point. It's humbling. Uh, I'm honored by it, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to to get a chance to do it. I've gotten some text messages from uh, some other track announcers that are, are wishing well, and it's uh, it's humbling, man. It's a, it's a nice time, and and just get in there and call the race and enjoy it and see who the winners are going to be. Okay, before we let you go, um, one of the things that I, that I've, I've loved, and I think you've sort of really embraced over the last couple of years with uh, all of the tracks that you've been at was just how important social media is nowadays and just having a social media presence, uh, especially on Twitter. And you've done a great job at Sam Houston. You really did an incredible job over the last couple of years. And you could tell as soon as you went over to parks, that was a big, big, um, that was important to you. It, it just it's from anything. And I think that's what I, I love just from information. It seems like you will give as much information out there possible. And that's what I want as someone who's playing the races, even if it's something that I particularly don't need, don't use, doesn't matter. You're going to let us know about every change, every scratch. If there's something going on, you're giving us video, sharing us information about uh, the connections and stuff. So give us um, some of the places where we could follow you and some of the, uh, the parks uh, accounts. Cause you've done just, that's something that I think is really important nowadays. We have so many people playing from home that if we can get as much information as possible, it's only going to help us. Yeah, man, it's it's a digital age that we're living in. You know, social media it can be a, a fun place and it can be a absolutely a world yeah. sometimes too. And and it's uh it's just something that we see as a tremendous asset here. Uh, as far as accounts that you can follow, you know, obviously Parks Racing, we're going to have pretty much your general information on what's going on uh, for those races coming up. Uh, the one thing I did want to point out, there was a graphic that we had posted, and I got to go ahead and post an updated one, but I believe we were showing Irad Ortiz is riding Clarier. It's actually going to be Ricardo Santana okay. on Clarier in the Cotillion. So that graphic will change that out. I think we did, but I think I, I might have tweeted that a little bit earlier on when, when some of those entries were drawn. Um, but yeah, Santana's going to ride both Asmus and horses in the big races. Um, you know, you kind of take a look at uh, some of our other accounts. You can follow me at in the grandstand. Um, uh, Jessica Paquette, Jam Paquette, she'll be a good follow on that day. Uh, the PTHA is always on site. That's the um, the Horsemen's Association. Uh, Danny Gibson and her entire team, they'll be trackside. They've got plenty of videos that they'll be posting. Uh, you can always follow the things that are going on with the breeding and the uh, PA underscore PHBA. Uh, Pen Horse Racing is going to be out here. Uh, they're at Pen Horse Racing, and they're going to have a lot of uh, things going on as well. So there's plenty of accounts that you can follow to get some of the coverage. Uh, I know PTHA is putting out a lot of videos of the morning workouts and some of the contenders that are arriving and as they go. And uh, yeah, man, the, the phone is a nice asset, man. It's, it's right it in is. your pocket. Yeah. You're able to do pretty much everything you need to do. And as you said, I'm going to get you as much information as I can. You know, I'm also asking people to be patient with me, too. If I, if I don't respond right away or something like that, it's, just, it's not because I'm ignoring it. It's just, you know, I, I'm trying to make sure that it's cause correct. whatever because whatever <laughs> you post, too, you got to remember, like, you want it to be accurate. I don't want to send something out that is wrong. If I send the wrong information, that looks worse. So um, we will have plenty of updates and things that are going on with the connections on site. Uh, as we get updates, as I get updates, then we can pass those along. And uh, yeah, just follow along and enjoy it. And, you know, don't be too harsh on me on Twitter. You guys can yell at me a little bit. <laughs> never, but, never. But yeah, I know. It's a, it, there's, there's a lot of good people out there, a lot of people that enjoy good racing. And they, they, want, it, they want us to do well on Saturday. And I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and just hope that everybody's watching, tuning in. And we'll have that early first post time at 12.05 Eastern, 13 races, hopefully fast and firm. And 
always a, always a pleasure to be on with you my brother it's uh it's a joy and uh we've taken this journey together yeah so it's it's, yeah, cool. it's been it's been really cool you it, honestly it's been like I, this the show for me just kind of started when you and i the, this this show that i've had for a, a while now pretty crazy and uh you've been on here many many times with me helping me out helping set everybody up getting us uh all informed for some of these big days all around the country we look forward to following along with you this week and uh, continue to just doing a great job like you said that's what i love with your uh with your race calls you you have a good time with it you'll have some fun um but you know it's 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 kind of it's very smooth and i think a lot of the time it's one of those things where you kind of hit it it's it's you know it's a lot about the horses and stuff and when you don't notice a track announcer kind of like a referee you know like that's when you know you're doing your job when you're when you're not it's like oh wow that was pretty smooth that just went fine like when it just feels perfect and you, you do a really good job. I, it was so great to turn that, turn the switch and hear you call on some of the races uh, over at New York. So you've become a really nice pinch hitter over on the East Coast. I love seeing you, you fill in there. And um, we wish you the best of luck. We're going to be firing away, putting our, uh, our money in this weekend. Give Chris a follow at In the Grandstand. Give me a, a prediction this weekend. Chargers, right? Uh, Chiefs, Chargers. T- t- tough schedule for the Chiefs to start this year, huh? Three straight pretty difficult games. Boy, that that defense is uh, lack, lackluster in the yeah. two games. You know, I I will say I think that they just look like a team that once they once they get to the playoffs, the Chiefs are going to be all right. They're gonna they're gonna start bringing some of their blitz packages again. Very much agree. Whatnot, but uh, their defense has been. Uh, not great in the last two starts. You get, you get a little of the hangover too. You know, I've seen this with the Dodgers a couple of years where it's like it's so hard to get to the. The, the Super Bowl or the World Series every year that, you know, you start the next season and you just kind of want to get back to where you were. You know, you don't kind of want to go through the motions again. And it takes a few weeks to realize, OK, we got to go through this process again. And and yeah, they're fine. They're, they're just the, they're such a great team and fun team to watch. And uh, it's it's so weird when Mahomes makes a mistake, you know, like he did last week. He's like, what? He he made a mistake. It's crazy. So it's fun as a fan when uh, when you have that high of expectations for your team, and uh, they'll have another great game coming up this weekend against the Chargers, who who should be fun. Great division so far too. Really tough division there, both of the uh, the Wests. But uh, Chris and I could talk football for a, a couple hours here. I'm sure he's got a busy week coming up at Parks. We're going to be paying attention on Saturday, 12:05 Eastern time for the first post. Eight stakes races, five graded stakes, and two big grade ones. Uh, one of the best horses in training, Jackie's Warrior. Also. Also going to be out there too Chris thank you so much buddy and best of luck Always a pleasure Gino thank you very much And we'll see you guys on Saturday Okay folks make sure to give uh, Chris a follow You heard all those different accounts that you can follow along So that way on Saturday and leading up to uh, Saturday the next couple days You will have all the best information for Parks And uh, and every time you're going to play Parks Moving forward Don't go anywhere folks we'll be right back with a lot more on That's What She Said A big thank you to Chris Griffin Always fun catching up with Chris Big weekend heading up for him And we look forward to hearing his voice calling those big races over at Parks. We're going to jump into the handicapping part and go through the the card for Parks in just a second. But before we do, we want to let you know, with holidays coming up, it is a great time to uh, start stacking those gifts. What better gift than an all-natural soy wax candle from sarahcandles.com. C-E-R-A candles.com. No toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants in these candles. And there are those in a lot of the other leading candle brands because of the wax that they use. With this soy wax, it's better for you. The candles will burn longer. And you know, if you're having family, friends, kids, animals around. You don't want to be breathing these toxins in. You want to have these healthier candles. They're affordable and they have 
every scent you can imagine for all different seasons, for all different moods, for all different events, for all different types of people. CERACandles.com, promo code G-I-N-O, going to get you 10% off your purchase. Promo code G-I-N-O gets you 10% off your purchase. So next up, it's uh, Handicapping Parks Saturday with John DeSilva. We get into races 9, 10, 11, and 12. I just wanted to to touch on a couple uh, earlier on the card in the Plum Pretty. Uh, you, you have Chubb Wagon there who possibly will be scratching. So just something to keep an eye on. That's race number six. In race number seven, it's the Parks Dirt Mile. It's a $200,000 race. Mind Control sort of feels like the class in this one to me. I don't know if this is really his best. I mean, Silver Silver State's the horse to beat in, in the actual class. He won the Met Mile. I'm sort of saying if you're looking to beat Silver State, who's no, no doubt the horse to beat, it would be, for me, Mind Control is, is the one who... You know, I couldn't really find anyone else that I was in love with. Mind Control isn't even in the greatest of form. He may have been a little bit better at, at points, but he's capable of jumping up with really big races. And if Silver State doesn't fire, to me, it was it was Mind Control as the, uh, the other class of the field. We get to race number eight. It's the Greenwood Cup. They're going long in here, a mile and a half on the main. I thought Sugar Ray 2, the number five, who... You know, gets away from Lone Rock, who had just finished second and had won four in a row prior to that. His recent form is just really good. He's proven at parks. He shows up. He's consistent. The number five, Sugar Ray two, in race number eight. So a couple of the uh, earlier undercard stakes races, we're gonna get into races nine, ten, and nine, ten, eleven, and twelve with John De Silva. We take a little deep dive into each of these graded stakes races. Kick back and enjoy. We continue on with our coverage of the big day over at Parks, and I'm very excited to bring on, I think it might be the first time he's actually joining us on That's What G Said. I've uh, talked with him and uh, worked with him in, in different ways before. My friend from the old Elite Racing Network days, who is working over at Parks now, and as we mentioned earlier, it's a huge day at Parks. We're going to really get into the handicapping part of uh, of some of these stakes races with John De Silva. John, how you doing, buddy? Gino, what's going on? Glad to be here. Oh yeah, John, uh, one of my uh, wrestling friends, someone from the back. It's funny, Elite Racing was like a, a stream before the uh, you know the streams were really a thing, and nowadays we see people all over doing the live stream stuff on uh, videos. I do a bunch of them here and there for different sports, and uh, we uh, that's where you and I first really started to connect years back and we've uh you know linked up in many different ways throughout horse racing now you're uh, you're working over at parks tell the folks out there listening uh what kind of stuff you're doing at parks uh well right now i'm basically calling myself the official unofficial stakes coordinator there <laughs> where i am basically doing all the work of the stakes coordinator without the title <laughs> so it's like might as well give myself something so people know what I'm doing. So I've been doing that. I was there in 2019 helping out. Didn't do as much then as I did this year. And basically, I'm a racing official there. And, um, you get me all over the place. I mean, Saturday, I'm either going to be the assistant clerk at scales, open placing, remains to be seen. I'm hoping I'll be in the clerk at scale, assistant clerk at scale, so I could be down in Windsor and congratulating everybody. And the connections, especially the ones I've been calling, trying to get them to come to this race. But it's fun. You know, there's a lot of things going on. And I made a promise to myself and a goal a few months ago that I wanted 
this day to be the biggest day in Park's history in terms of quality and in terms of handle. I want to break your time handle for Parks, and hopefully the weather will hold out, which right now looks like that will be the case. And I'm hoping that the work that I've done, where some of these guys I've worked on for two to three months to get them to come here, and others I've known about and I've kept quiet, like a Jackie's Warrior, so I don't scare off people. I wanted this to be a good quality day, so at least people can look at me and say, good job. And who knows what can come out of this after this. We have a really good card on tap. There are many different ways you can get involved wagering. A uh, couple things that are in- intriguing to me in that uh, in seeing that the, there are three of the parks races that are involved in the the cross country pick five this week, which is one of those really cool wagers that combines a bunch of different tracks. So they'll include, I think, three of the, the ninth, eleventh, and twelfth from parks, and then one from Churchill, one from Belmont, and it also is a mandatory payout in the late pick five, right on Saturday. Yes, there is a mandatory pick five payout. We had to wait until racing was over yesterday before we could announce it because if it got hit, what are you going to do? But <laughs> yeah. Luckily, uh, as we saw with uh, Rainbow Six a few years ago, Gulfstream Park, you know, when that got hit the day before the mandatory. Snuck in. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to make the announcement too early, but we're very happy. We've added another pick four with races eight through 11. Um, we're going to be. Um, like I said, the Fox show, um, Liza Hendricks is coming down from New York to do coverage for uh, Naira on the Fox show. There's also a two-hour show on local television, Channel 17, where Caden Bradar and Maggie Wolfendale are part of it. And Jessica Paquette is coming down to help out Chris Griffin with the handicapping because he's got so much on his plate calling the races. Having someone like Jessica doing the handicapping between helps a lot. So we're going all out. Big crew uh, signed on in a big day. 13 races, first post, 12.05 Eastern time, eight stakes races, five graded stakes races, two grade ones worth a million each, and one of the best horses in training, Jackie's Warrior, three-year-old sprinter, who we are going to see. So we're going to hopefully get that uh, combination of, uh, of you know, big stars and some big prices, too, as we jump in to race number nine. So if you're following along, we're going to get to the grade three turf monster all four of the races that we're talking about are created stakes races. And this is a very, very contentious group here, John. Uh, I think the what the morning line favorite at, at Caravel is definitely a very, very nice filly. But, you know, you have a question when anytime when you're going to be trying to deal with the boys like this. It, maybe in a turf sprint, it's not quite as big of a deal as in some of the others with the specialists, but super quality, but she's going to be facing some other really nice ones. This is going to be a terrific race. Now in the past parks would run the race called a turf Amazon, but unfortunately that race was not brought back this year after the uh, break from all the state races last year. Um, this is a horse who was bred by Elizabeth Merriman owned by Elizabeth Merriman. And after uh, the horse ran Monmouth park, the horse was sold in part to Bobby Flay. They ran the horse up at Saratoga with Merriman as the trainer. And the horse came off the pace, won the grade three caress as the favorite. Then afterwards got transferred to Grand Motion. They sent the horse up to Woodbine to run in the Highlander in the grade one. And the horse set the pace for tiring to finish third as the favorite. Now, I'm sure they're a little disappointed. They're hoping for better results. But again, you're facing the boys in a grade one. I mean, that's yeah. a real nice performance by that yeah. horse. 
Yep. Now, you're going back to grade three. I'm sure they're looking at this as a prep for the Breeze Cup turf sprint. And you got Jose Ortiz, you know, picking up the mountains. Irad is staying in New York to ride some horse named Life is Good. I mean, <laughs> just, just nine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting is, like, I mentioned Liza Hendricks before. She's coming down to do the coverage for Naira. Elizabeth Merriman is her mother. <laughs> so she gets to watch her mother's horse, you know, and uncover it, you know, you know, for work, which is not a bad thing to do. Should probably get a little bit of inside access, I think, if if they need it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. You know, but so, but... is a very nice horse, and I think this is definitely the horse to beat here. But it's not going to be easy because you do have some nice competition here. I mean, one horse that we did work on a little bit, and he did decide to come out here was number one beer can man. Now, this is a horse who won the allowance race at Delmar last time out, making the first start since February. They had a few choices on where to go and what to do, and thankfully, we got Mark Ladd to come out here. Now, yes, it's a three-year-old colt, so he's going to carry 119 pounds compared to others who might be carrying 121 and 124, but this is a horse who has a nice stalking style, draws the rail. You got Flavian Pratt and... We all know how great Flavian Pratt is on turf, and he gets to save ground as well and use tactical his advantage. That's going to be huge. He's going to be very tough in here. And another horse I'd be looking at would be Karatari, Brian Lynch. This is a horse who ran second against Fast Boat in the Grade 3 Troy last time out. This is a horse who was coming off a two-month layoff. May have needed the race, set the pace that time, might want to come from off the pace again, but it's going to be very interesting as well because what people may not realize is there was a lot of rain that hit the area today. And what had happened is the, the, it was so hard, no doubt about it, the turf got saturated. It's going to dry out, we're going to get some more rain overnight, but by the time the sun comes up tomorrow on Friday morning, it'll be dry the rest of the weekend. So by post time, there should be a drying out turf, but who knows how soft. It's not going to be a very hard turf course, obviously, mm -hmm. but you'll be very curious to see how much give there is in this turf course. And sometimes when you get a, a course like that, it might help the speed horses. It's funny. My uh, top two in this race are four one. So we're seeing the we're seeing the horses that that are very interesting uh, here. Similarly, beer and, and the only reason why I maybe would prefer Caratori is just a little more experience and and the rail sometimes can be, you know, can be a nuisance in a spot like this. But what's what's nice about Beer Can Man is that he does have that kind of tactical positional speed so they may be able to kind of use a little speed try to secure a spot and then settle and like you said when you're you know trusting somebody who better to trust than someone like Flavian Pratt in a spot like this he's really interesting to me he's a horse who could take a nice step forward he had the long you know the layoff from February to August that you mentioned and then you know didn't come back right away they've given him plenty of time about six weeks in between so you don't have to really worry about any kind of a, a bouncer effort off of a you know that big that big victory so beer can man is going to be in a lot of my exotics pick fours and fives those kind of things Caratori for me is another one who you know you, you were mentioning too that some of the the company he's kept just might two starts back he's won four in a row two on the turf two on the dirt all stakes races we also have uh the most recent race where Caratori outfinished gear jockey who came back to win a grade three turf sprint over at kentucky downs and did it really really nicely he's got speed but as you said i think he's probably a little bit better stalking coming from just off the pace maybe sitting second or third so he he's one that i'm going to be using in all exotic so 
this is you know fire crow we, we didn't mention but he's obviously got a huge shot in here and one to to, to respect belgrano is is in nice form wouldn't be a shop stacking up and then towards the outside you got battle station many ways to go in here john no doubt about it. And the one thing about Beer Can Man, which probably helped us, you have to wonder with the races coming back down the hill of Santa Anita, could be something that Mark Glad didn't want to do, especially with the turf sprint at Del Mar going five furlongs. He mm-hmm. may not want to go six and a half furlongs. That's a good point. Back. Especially because that six and a half plays even sometimes more to the milers and to the distance horses than it does to the horses stretching out from the fives and the five and a half. So that's a very good point. With a, a, an interesting ninth race The grade three To kick off that the, the late pick five sequence It's a mandatory payout Make sure to get involved in the pick five That starts in the turf monster The Philly big five We move into race number uh, Ten And now we're going to hit the gallant bob They're going to go six furlongs here And John Jackie's warrior Has done very little wrong in his career He is a horse who was awesome at the the start of his two-year-old season And then, like a lot of horses do When they're very, very good You know, you you have to see how good And how far they can go So they tried to stretch him out a little bit And just didn't want to go that far It was pretty simple As soon as you were able to cut this horse back To one-turn races, to mile, and to sprint races He's been very, very good And he battles That race with Life is Good was was awesome That was a a phenomenal race As a horse racing fan it was really fun And it's cool to see Jackie's Warrior show up in here So uh, he's awesome Let's give him a little praise first But then afterwards can we beat him in here Or if if he does get beat Who would it be Well I'm happy that he's here I know there are some people who are not too happy Up in New York That he decided to come here instead of running in the Bosberg But I knew he was coming here for a while, and you don't know how tough it was for me to keep quiet, not to tell anybody that this horse is coming. <laughs> you put it out there, all of a sudden, not coming, not coming, not coming. You don't want that. So no. sometimes you have to play the game and just keep it quiet, and Asperson did have two other horses nominated to the race, but... When he ran one last week at Belmont and the other one he ran, I think, at Maryland, he's like, okay, we know Mass Mustin has a horse in the race. Rosario has a call. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we did lose some horses once they found out that Jackie was in the race even without me saying anything. Because, look, you know, there's no secrets on the racetrack. But, yep. again, he's using this as a prep, six furlongs, dirt sprint, a breeze cup, six furlongs. No, he's using this as a prep for that race, obviously. And look, is he the best bridge in the country? He probably is. I mean, why go up against all the horses until the money is there? So I don't blame him for doing that. And I'm not saying this because I'm working for parks. I'm saying, because, look, as a trainer, you want to get the horse in the best prep possible, which is what he did here. And three of his last four races have been... Hard races he's been yeah. he's battled In three of them you know you'd like To you never know what's going to happen and it's Not disrespect to anybody else in here But you, if he shows up with close To his a game everyone else is Probably a few lengths behind him and That's that's the kind of effort they'd love Heading into a you know a prep for the breeders Cup but here's the other thing which People have to realize this Horse has not run Six furlongs in over a Year it's a good point 
You know, and if you're going a little different, the- it's a little different when they go a little quicker early on. Some of the other horses that might have, you know, a little more, you know, six furlong type speed. So that is, yeah, just a little bit different than the seven, and where you're able to sort of kind of break and settle more. Um, he's drawn very well in here, though. He's he. All that being said, he's going to be very, very tough, and it is cool to see him show up in a big race like this uh, over at Parks. Jackie's Warrior has been so good. This year we'll see if he can uh, chalk up another win For me kind of handicapping the race I think you know There's a very nice Pennsylvania bred to his inside mm-hmm. Baron is is really really honest And you might you know look at a couple races that he has And he's thrown in a few clunkers You can make legitimate excuses for some of them At Saratoga two starts back It was a, a good track And he tried to go a mile and an eighth Which you know just too far They didn't, They don't want to go that far and the the last time when in, in Aqueduct was when behind drained the clock, really had a bad start, and then was kind of in chase mode. Drained the clock, got an easy lead that day. He was trying to press him. I think he has legitimate excuses for those races where he didn't run all that well. And if you you know if you excuse those, what are you left with? A string of really nice efforts at this distance at Parks. I think for me, if if Jackie's Warrior. Got in some trouble, didn't show up with his A game, something would have missed, or maybe Baron is just up to the task. That would be the horse I would be looking at to try to beat Jackie's Warrior if I wanted to, or maybe to complete some of the exotics. As we saw in New York over the weekend, you might be a less than even money shot. That doesn't guarantee you a victory. You still have to go out there and get the job done because you never know what could happen. Now, Butch Reed, he's based in New York, in New York, Saratoga, and that probably hurt him a little bit. He's back in parks now, home cooking, nice surroundings, and he's been working out very well, Baron, and he's got speed. I don't know if he's got the speed of Jackie's warrior, but you never know. These three-year-olds, sometimes they do grow up. And the other thing about parks is the outside, despite what certain trainer might be saying, is good. You know, and you want to be outside, and you could be a speed horse on the outside and do very well. And you... As we see in the race, a couple races down the road, you're going to have speed horses breaking next to each other on the outside. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, is Baron obviously on the par track as Warrior? No, I'd be nuts and I'd be committed if I said that. But who's to say that for one day, one yep. race, something can't happen where maybe you could get an upset? If, mm-hmm. I, don't make, if I was handicapping, would I say that's going to happen? No, I can't say that. But that doesn't say it can't happen. Yeah, and you look at, you know, in that case, when you're looking at races like this, you have to look at races and say, okay, let's just say for some reason, like you said, Jackie's Warrior doesn't show up for a myriad of reasons, right? Doesn't like the racetrack, gets out of the gate poorly, um, gets stuck behind horses on the inside and doesn't get out, whatever reason, you know? There's a lot of reasons that that you know, big favorites don't end up winning races. Then you look at the rest of the race, Baron absolutely would be a horse that you think would be competitive or maybe the one to beat with this group because of the local success, even the success at the trip. So, you know, I look at every race sort of that way a couple times. That doesn't mean I'm going to dive in and bet Baron to win, but you kind of look at it like, okay, obviously if they all show up and run their best, they're going to be running for second behind Jackie's warrior. Whose a game is better. But if Jackie's warrior doesn't show up with the a game and a couple others do whose a game would be, would, you know, would be good enough to me. I think that's Baron. Yeah. And if you're going to be playing a pick four or a pick five, a lot of people like using the ABC method. Baron would have to be on your B 
I mean, you're going mm-hmm. solo with Jackie's Warrior on top, yep. obviously. Yep. But you'd like to have something on them just in case mm-hmm. before something happens. All of a sudden, we're talking about big balloons for the pick four and the pick five. And that's where every, when everybody's singling, if you get the one, you know, if you're one of one of the few people who's not, that's where you get the separation there. So keep that in mind. And a lot of those rolling exotics as we move to the two big ones at parks. How about this back to back grade one million dollar races? And John, you did a, a great job with these fields. And I got to say, you know, it's, it's, I love seeing races like this develop. And this race over the last decade or so has really developed and has drawn some nice horses and it's become a stop. It is, it is, you know, a race that people point to. It's in a really good spot now in that prep for the Breeders' Cup and it gives everybody maybe an extra week or so before some of the other prep races. It's, you know, super impressive that we got a couple grade ones now for worth a million bucks here. And the one advantage we have compared to New York is that our race is two turns. And mm-hmm. the Breeders' Cup, this staff, is two turns. New York's, unfortunately, is one turn. I mean, not to knock against them, but if you're a trainer, if you want your horse to go two turns, in the, that's what you want to do. And that mm-hmm. helped us a lot. We had a great field in 2019 with Street Boss for Larry Jones coming in with Sophie Doyle. And it was a terrific field that day. And... Looking at the Greatest Stakes Committee, they had that race rated the second best three-year-old filly race in America behind the Kentucky Oaks. So there's a lot of pressure to try to keep that up. Mm-hmm. And basically, other than Malathat, who we all knew was going to be training up to the Breeders' Cup, we got most, if not all, of the top contenders you know, in the three-year-old filly division in this race. Now, granted, it stinks that we lost private mission. But hey, Bob's got to do what Bob has to do, what's best for his horses and everything else. But that doesn't take away that we have horses from Chad Brown, Steve Asmussen, Bill Mott. <laughs> I mean, we got all the top horses. And that's a great race. Happy. It's a great race. It really is. Yeah, even with the scratch there, you're still going to have a, a field of eight signed on. You're going to have... Uh, a lot of support for Clary Air, who is a, a grade two winner and who just shows up and runs her race each and every time. And you kind of know what you're going to get from her. She's just going to going to take back and make one late run. You got a real up and comer, an army wife who put together back to back graded stakes wins and then took the lead in the Alabama for a, a moment there. Looked like she was going to jump up with a grade one win. You've got always Karina, who was a monster in, in her second start, and you know she's. Super capable of, of you know the the uh, the top you know kind of races that would you would need to win this. Miracuja is a Grade One winner. Will Secrets a Grade Three winner. Obligatory is a Grade Two winner. Uh, leader of the Band is a Grade Three winner. What a field! Well, I'm hoping that we get the number two position again because it'd be crazy to think we'd be better than the Kentucky Oaks. But hey, if we'd be number two according to Grade Stakes Committee, that'll make me happy and. Good luck trying to bet this race because you can go in so many different directions and you're going to get value because, look, Clarier is a deserving favorite, but she hasn't been able to get up there yet. <laughs> it's very frustrating to handicappers. I mean, you got Santana riding the horse for the first time since finishing second in the Goldenrod last year. Maybe the, maybe the horse Santana need to get back on this horse. Who knows? But it's a terrific race. 
and you can go in so many different directions. Except you have Marikuha, who's a grade one winner, and it's not even the second choice. I mean, to me, that that helps us out a lot. And I'll tell you, Marikuha is going to be very tough in here. She, you know, like many do, she showed up with a huge effort. The biggest effort in her career And then after that it's just hard to Replicate that kind of an effort you come Back you know not even a month Later and you you just don't Really you know you, you get in a Little bit of a trouble and and you're, you're never able to fire Miracuja is one where again if you put A line through that last race on an off race Track going a mile and a quarter Or you could make some excuses for some of these Phillies that just didn't want to go that far Her you know her best races win this That's what's really really intriguing About this particular race is that There are they're so Evenly matched in this field That any one of the I mean legitimately six Or seven with their a Game could win this race If if they showed up with their a game and Everybody else was just slightly below that I would Not be shocked in a bunch of different You know results so who who do you Kind of have uh, stacked here or if you're playing you know Your pick fours and pick fives who are some Of the, the Phillies that you'd need in, uh, in In those pick fours or fives I'm spreading you have to spread because mm-hmm. Let's go for the rail out Look at the obligatory Horse is Judmont Curlin of a macho uno No mayor wants to go a distance But if you look at the past performances This horse only has one Two turn race and that was at The fairgrounds now the horse yes Hasn't won since winning the eight bells Well the horse is bred to go the distance And the horse hasn't tried Two turns other than once in its career And that was in the third career start Who's to say that horse wasn't ready then But is ready now And mm-hmm. it's Bill Mott, Jose Ortiz, 10 to 1 If I'm using the multi-race Exotics, I have to use obligatory All worthy Got Florent Giroux right for Safi Joseph Yes, Safi has been slumping at New York and has been doing well. He's got to break out of it eventually. And the horse ran two turns at Charlestown. Yes, seven furlongs at Charlestown is two turns, people. I know it's a little surprising, but it's a bull ring. <laughs> and the horse did finish well to be third. And who's to say the horse can improve off that performance? You know, Will Secret, if you want to go really deep, I'll throw in Will Secret, but... That's probably one who'd be on the borderline on the outside for me. Yeah, she was she was sharp earlier in the year. She just hasn't quite been as sharp. She got good at Oakland, winning those races towards the end of the year in fairgrounds, and then you know carried it over into Oakland. But it was one of those where you know she might have been one of those really precocious sort of two year old fillies that's good at the end of two, early three, and some of the others may have caught up to her a bit. But she's mm-hmm. she. You know, if she can find some of that old form, she definitely has races that are good enough to compete. No doubt. And I need a picture of John Court and Tony Black together. I mean, the two <laughs> guys in the 60s who are riding horses. I mean, I have to get a picture of that somehow, some way. Um, Maracuja, like I said, this is a horse who, yes, upset mouth that. It was the four horse field that day. And the, he that horse was game. And that horse ran terrific race. And to see the reaction of Rob Atchis and his wife Brittany afterwards, that was just terrific. And mm-hmm. who's to say that that can happen again? We haven't even talked about Army Wife. You, who, I think is my top selection. Susan. Yeah, I think she's my top selection in here. She just has gotten so good as of late. She's a multiple graded stakes winner. And she loomed up in the Alabama. She took the lead early on in the stretch. And she was, you know, she was... Just passed late by Clarier. So if you like Clarier a little bit, you probably really like Army Wife because Army Wife's got 
you know, a little more tactical positional speed, I think, than Clarier. I don't think Army Wife has to be as far back as Clarier. And so maybe Army Wife can again get the jump and the distance won't hurt her as much in here. I lean her, you know, with Joelle aboard, one of the best finishers in the game, if not the best. She's a multiple graded stakes winner. Just look what she's done in 2021. It's you can't knock her five races. She's she's won three of them, two of them uh, graded stakes, and the other two where she uh, she hit the board, finishing third, were were both graded stakes as well. And her style, she's pretty versatile to me. I you know I I think I might like her the most in here. Yeah, I mean, she's the second choice on the morning line, and I think she's going to be pretty close to Clarier, and we've talked about Clarier and what she can do. I mean, obviously, those two, if you're going to be playing multi-races, you have to use both of them. Um, how about always Karina? I mean, you got Chad Brown, Johnny Velasquez, still scheduled to come down to ride this one. Yes, this horse has gone a distance, but this horse has never tried two turns. And, this, that's the big unknown here. And you look at the field, honestly... Now, with the scratch of private mission, always Karina could end up with a couple length lead on this field early. Yeah. And it'll just come down to, you know, how far does she want to go? Does she really want to go this far? Look in the Mother Goose going a mile and a 16th, like you said, different layout over there at Belmont. But she, you know, she didn't run poorly. She was, it was a, it was a short field, but it wasn't exactly like she just completely stopped. If she gets a, you know, from the outside, if she's able to cruise out front, and just just quick look at everyone Obligatory, All Worthy, Will Secret, Maracuja None of them are nearly as fast Army Wife and Clarier aren't And Leader of the Band isn't It, You know, that scratch really seems to impact Always Karina the most No doubt And the one horse who we thought was going to run in here But did not enter was played hard Who would have been the main speed of the race So without that horse and without private mission there is lack of speed, so you really have to wonder you know, what's going to happen here. And look, Johnny will be here because he was not named in anything at Belmont on Saturday. So even though he's not riding in the Medina, at least he'll be here for Chad. And this is going to be a big mystery to see what happens. Because I'll tell you, Chad Brown, you're going to get six to one or higher. Hey. How, who's going to ignore that? And then we have you mentioned leader of the band, the local horse, John Service. Horse ran very well to be second in Catherine Sophia. Should be finishing well in the stretch here. This is a great race. It really is. The grade one cotillion, a million dollars on the line, right in the middle of all those great multi-race exotics there on the huge Saturday at Parks. And we head to the big one in race number 12. The grade one Pennsylvania Derby They'll go a mile and an eighth in here The three year olds a million dollars on the line In this one you've got The scratch of Medina Spirit your Kentucky Derby Winner who is going to be out but Again similar to You know to the the cotillion You remove a very nice horse That would have been a major contender in here But you're still left with a big field And you're left with some nice Nice horses you've got hot rod Charlie who crossed the wire first in the Haskell but was disqualified He was second in the Belmont Third in the Derby he just shows up And fires every time your Louisiana Derby Winner you got Midnight Bourbon Who looked like he was going to get the job done Against Essential Quality in the Travers So he's coming off of a near win In the Travers last time out off of his Career best effort you've got Keep me in mind who kind of went, You know got back in form In his his last couple efforts Then you've got some of the, the up and comers Like 
Speaker's Corner or Folsom. Folsom has won four to five and now gets a real acid test, has uh, won a couple graded stakes races. And you got Speaker's Corner, who just looked so impressive in his first start at three. What a group you got here lined up, John. And it's, we haven't even talked about American Revolution. I mean, you can get Luis Saez and Top Pletcher at 15 to one. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And then we got Son of the Giant Killer. <laughs> Jimmy Jerkins in here We haven't talked about his horseship, Wayburn So I'm very happy We were able to get a field like this And the scratch does change The complexion Because when you have three speed horses All right next to each other That would have been some race in the clubhouse turn To see who wants the lead And what they're willing to do to get the lead Now it's just going to be between Hot Rod Charlie and Midnight Bourbon And I think Pratt is probably going to let Midnight Bourbon go, but not go too far. But you look at Midnight Bourbon, this horse just, he's growing up. He really looks good. And he's really improving. And he just missed last time against Essential Quality, but he fought till the end in that race. And this could be one of these horses like Will Take Charge a few years ago, who was close early in the season, but really graduated and stepped up in the second half of the season. Midnight Bourbon could be a similar type of horse who some people saying could be a better four-year-old because he's really growing into his body and into his talent. But Hot Rod Charlie, the only knock I can say is that he doesn't look as good as Lava Man. <laughs> Lava <laughs> Man has looked great in the morning. We wish he was running. Because... He could. He does look like he could still run right now. Yeah. He does. He looks fantastic. And so, yeah, you were talking a little bit about the the Pace of this race now And so on paper It is it is sort of just from a A you know Storyline standpoint it is Interesting that you got Hot Rod Charlie lined up right Next to Midnight Bourbon the two horses From the Haskell where Hot Rod Charlie was DQ'd from that race For you know impacting Midnight Bourbon so They're next they're next to each other another storyline Here how do you think you know, with them two, with Weyburn, what do you think ends up happening? Redeem, I am redeemed isn't exactly slow in this spot. Um, you even mentioned American Revolution, who's shown some speed from the outside, and maybe with the outside draw, they really feel you know forced and want to get aggressive with Saez. How do you project it going on early? I recommend people look at the paddock and the post parade because the key could be Weyburn and how he's acting. He does have some issues at times. He can't get a little nutty. He can't get a little crazy. But if he's calm and if he's behaving, watch out, people. I mean, this is a horse who at one point was the favorite for the Queen's Plate. And many people thought after tiring in the Jim Dandy, he'd be pointed to the Queen's Plate. But Jimmy Jerkins said no. If I couldn't win the Jim Dandy, I'm not going to go that far and knock him out by running up, up in Woodbine. Instead, he was pointing to our race. He's been working on them, doing whatever he can, and having the inside of the two speeds, that might give him a tactical advantage going into the clubhouse turn if the horse is behaving. And Weyburn, at the price, he's 12 to 1 morning line, and you got Paco. And the one thing you know about Paco, when he believes in you and he knows you're a speed horse, he will be aggressive. And this is a guy, he knows what Midnight Bourbon has. 
He was on them when he went down on them mm-hmm. in, in the Haskell. So he knows the speed Midnight Bourbon has. So he knows if I need the lead, I know what I need to do to get it. And so I, th- I think because of you know Wayburn and and the the just the the question marks with a couple of the others who are pressers, who it wouldn't be a surprise to see. Charlie or Bourbon or or even uh, You know Pletcher's from the outside Showing a little bit more speed uh, American Revolution I think the horse who to me Could be the biggest wild card In this race and one who I have to use In all my pick fours and pick fives is speaker's Corner because it, it feels like The trip that he might Be able to sit and save Some ground and we just We don't really know how good He is if he is something In that Eight to one plus range In You know he goes second start Off of that long long layoff Second start as a three year old Where he you know not going to be coming Back quickly he's going to be making his first Start going longer which you know Might it's not going to be easy but It also is something that it Maybe he's just a horse who Is going to relish that as well there could be even some hidden upside with a horse like this, and if there's hidden upside with a horse that's that kind of a price, I think I have to use him in a lot of my exotics. A Godolphin homebred who is very highly regarded as a two-year-old. Unfortunately, you know he missed time, he missed all the big races, but when he came back at Saratoga, despite not the greatest of breaks, still won very impressively. And Bill Mott, he's a Hall of Fame trainer for a reason He can get the job done And you know he's not one to be very aggressive But he's not going to make a move like this Trying two turns for the first time in a grade one race Unless he really thinks the horse can do it And after that race, we heard he was coming So for Bill Mott to declare that early That he's coming to our mm-hmm. race Like, whoa And, and then attention. when you have a plan like that and every, It's always nice when you map it out early and everything stick to plan for for a month. You know, they prepped well, there were no hiccups, everything went smooth and you show up here in a spot where you may be able to sit maybe fourth or fifth and in, in, in a similar trip like you sat last time, maybe just a couple lengths behind a few horses that are just a little quicker than you and may want to be more forwardly placed. I think that guy is the real wild card speaker's corner and um you know even even a horse like Folsom, who, if you're just playing off of, you know, you know, numbers and speed figures recently, his races weren't quite, you know, as highly graded. But his best effort at Churchill Downs and what he's shown that he can do when things go, you know, particularly well for him and the race shape is to his liking, he can jump up with as good of a race as as, as almost anyone in here. And Florent Giroux. Didn't exactly have the greatest of history with Parks because remember he got disqualified on Monomoy Girl in the Cotillion a few years ago, and some people were criticizing his ride at that time. That, but that's because he had never ridden at Parks; he wasn't familiar. But each race after that, he seemed to get better and better, and learning the track, learning the nuances, and the smile on his face after winning the Smarty Jones told me. He knows his track now. He gets it. He knows what he has to do. And he's going to be paying attention. He's got some rides early. And Parks sometimes does have a history of the rail not being good. He'll be able to tell that right away. And with this horse's running style, he'll make the adjustment to avoid a dead rail if that happens. So Folsom, you definitely need to pay attention to him. Uh, Keep me in mind, interesting story is 
he wasn't being pointed to the race, but he was working out so well. And once first captain got hurt and declared, and Neodoro found out he can get Rosario to ride, he called me up Saturday morning. He says, I'm coming. You know, they had called me. They wanted me to do out of competition testing. I told them, no, I wasn't coming. Now you call up those vets. I got to get that out of competition testing. So I can <laughs> horse into the race, which you were able to do at that point. So it wasn't until Saturday that he was being pointed. But hey, we can get Joel Rosario. Why wouldn't you? Especially with all the speed in the race. Of course, yep. we did over Medina at that time. With this horse's running style, the way Rosario has ridden this horse, I got to take advantage, and that's what he's doing. And that I am redeemed. Penny Pierce, she's had a renaissance this year. This is the best year of her career. This is a young horse who looked great winning the Stormcat against State Reds, trying open company graded stakes for the first time. And Abner Dono, who really came from out of nowhere a few years ago to be one of the mainstays at Parks right now. He's top five jockey in terms of standings right now, and this is a guy who's getting better. And Penny, she's got the right help behind her as well. This is a horse who's, if I'm playing multi-race exotics, I throw it in just in case. Because again, just like Speaker's Corner, you just don't know. There's some unknown here, and you don't want the unknown to get to you. And then, like we said before, American Revolution. Look, trying open company for the second time in his career, impressive going two turns at Finger Lakes and Saratoga. Now, granted, you're not going to think a horse who won the New York Derby is going to win the grade one. Who's, why not? Maybe this horse is that good because he dominated at Finger Lakes. He dominated Saratoga. And he's Constitution. I was super safe of there. And we all know how great Constitution has been as a sire. And this is, a, this is an acid test. You know, you, you, you have to, it, why not take a shot here? You come over, you take a, you know, you go in the New York Red races that are run for big, big money, and now you look over and figure, why not? Let's see what we got here. You stack up well on uh, on speed figures, and I think probably the only horse in the field that we didn't mention so far is another horse who, based on the way that, you know, there are many versions of this race where three or four of them go to the front early or are all pressing each other, a horse like Bourbonic. Could at the at least hit the board in here and pick up some pieces late and be passing horses who don't want to go this far or other horses who get caught up in a pace battle early on. Bourbonic, we've we've seen show up in a big spot at a huge price, seventy-two to one winner of the Wood Memorial, and Bourbonic maybe kind of heading back in the right direction, coming off of a decent third place effort last time out in the West Virginia Derby. And the reason he won the Wood Memorial was Parks. Because if you look at the race before, he ran second in an allowance race. But what had happened is Pletcher had a Pennsylvania bred that he wanted to run in the race. He wasn't sure the race was going to go. So when I spoke to him, he asked me where we were at that time. And when he called up, we only had five horses in the race. So he said, okay, I got another one I'm going to put in. Horse just one at Aqueduct, you know, but... He, he's ready to run, so I'm going to put Bert, Bert Bonnick in there just to make sure the race goes. Horse runs second. He beats the unstable uh, mate in the race, and the owners, you know, Calumet Farm, looked at it and told Todd, he deserves a shot, one shot to see if he can go into the Kentucky Derby. And Todd agreed. He puts him in the wood. The rest is history. We have a, a couple of 
awesome, awesome grade one races to finish up the uh, the graded stakes on Saturday at Parks. But don't forget the 13th race is an important one too for some of you who are playing the uh, the multi race exotics. It's the Alphabet Soup. It is another stakes race, and it finishes off that late pick five. John De Silva. You can get all of the uh, information that's going to help you succeed this weekend at Parks by following John. Um, John, where can we follow you on social media? And um, uh, again, will you have anything coming up in the next few days? Anything you want to plug? Anywhere we can find some of your work out there? Well, I'm always putting information out there, whether directly or indirectly. I'll do some teases, you know, like if a horse might be scratching <laughs> and all that, or I'll. Retweets something that the PTHA puts out there, but I'm at John DeSilva on Twitter, so you can follow me on there. I'm also on Facebook. I mean, I should do a better job on Instagram, but it's just <laughs> so much to take care mm-hmm. of trying to do the regular job to keep up with social media. It's not that easy, but I'm trying to do whatever I can, trying to help people out, whether it's on social media, whether it's through phone calls or emails or DMs or whatever, because look, as a guy who worked for the New York Post for all those years, I understood that who my readership was, was the little guy. It wasn't the people playing $10,000 or more a race. It was the $2 better, the $5 better. So my heart is always going to be for them. I always try to help them as much as you can. And in this industry as well, you want to promote, you want to help people, you want people to move up because there's so many people out there who deserve an opportunity. And even though maybe... I'm not getting the opportunity I deserve in some ways. That does mean I still can help others get that opportunity. So I'm going to try to do that as well. So just look for me, follow me. You might see me down in by the winner's circle if I am the assistant crooked scales, which unfortunately I won't know until Saturday. But I'm hoping I am. And if you want to say hi, I'll talk to you. I'll give you my thoughts and all that. And even though I'm not playing, but I can't play being a racing official, that doesn't mean that I don't have opinions. And John, uh, we really appreciate you coming and sharing that opinion with us here on That's What G Said. We'll have to get you back in, uh, in uh, what, about a month, month and a half for the Breeders' Cup. I usually get a bunch of different handicappers on to each talk about a Breeders' Cup race. So we'd love to have you back uh, around Breeders' Cup time, and we appreciate you hanging out with us. Hey, I love to do it. And after that AEW no show at Forest Hill and the, uh, the Flushy Meadows, which that was an incredible match with Brian and uh, oh Omega, God, huh? Insane. Their energy right now for that show is great. It's a lot of fun. It's new. Everybody's really pumped. It's hype. And you know what it's doing too is it's also with the start of the NFL. It's making WWE and Raw pick their game up a little bit. And SmackDown's been really good. NXT kind of started uh, over, and and they've rebooted. There's a lot of fun stuff happening in, in the world of wrestling. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a good time to be a fan. Oh, no doubt about it. And anybody that does come out to the parks, remember, we do have sports betting, and the sports book and the casino are right across the street, and you can have fun over there as well. And you can talk some wrestling with John also. Go up and say hello to him if you see him there. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have to uh, touch base with you over the weekend and look forward to talking to you again real soon. You know, thank you very much for everything, and good luck to everyone out there. That is John DeSilva. Make sure to give him a follow there, but don't go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty more to discuss on That's What She Said. Thank you to John for uh, helping us out with Parks. And uh, one little uh, quick recap there in race number nine, the Turf Monster. To me, it's a Caratori and Beer Can Man. Those are the two. They'll have to beat Caravel, but I think Caratori and then uh, Beer Can Man will be the two I use in a lot of the exotics. In the Gallant Bob, 
You know, if you're trying to be Jackie's warrior, it would be with the six Baron, but Jackie is going to be very, very tough. In the Cotillion, I like Army Wife the most in a very contentious race, but with the scratch of private mission, I think always Karina is now a must-use with that speed on the front end. Moving to the 12th, the Pennsylvania Derby. To, I'll be using Speaker's Corner and Hot Rod Charlie in all exotics. I think Hot Rod Charlie is no doubt the one to beat. Speaker's Corner might be the one to bet in the up-and-comer. So a fun, fun card over at Parks. A couple ways to get involved. There's that low takeout cross-country pick five that will start, I believe, with Parks race number nine, and it bounces. It hits a, a Churchill and a Belmont Stakes. It includes three from Parks. Better takeout than a lot of the rolling exotics at Parks. I do think they have a mandatory payout in the late pick five, as you heard. I'm not positive the specifics on that one. But uh, we'll be getting involved in some of them. Best of luck on Saturday over at Parks. We're going to move along now to some more Saturday racing as we bounce all around. Don't forget about OldSmokeClothing.com. OldSmokeClothing.com and the promo code GINO to get you free shipping on your order. High-quality clothing and merchandise rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. Hats, t-shirts, zip-ups, hoodies... You name it, they've got it with the names of famous horses, slogans, catchphrases, racetracks. OldSmokeClothing.com, promo code G-I-N-O. Let's get to Saturday. We're going to start with Belmont. A couple plays for Belmont. Get those past performances out. So the fourth race is the really chalky stakes race where life is good. It's in the Kelso, and he is 1-9. to And he comes off that runner-up effort behind Jackie's Warrior when we hadn't seen Life is Good since March. He got a huge figure for that, and he will wheel back here in the Kelso, trying to get himself a nice soft prep for uh, the Breeders' Cup. The fifth race, I I think you can uh, maybe make a little wager here on the eight. Tipple, who comes off of a... A seventh place effort, but that was the first start since September of 2020, and it was on August the 11th. Slowish kind of start for this mare. She was five off. She moved up into contention. She was within a couple lengths, and she just flattened out a little bit late. She wasn't beaten a whole lot. She really tried hard. She has a ton of of right and reason to step forward. Second start off. Some of the races she comes out of are really strong. That lead guitar race two back is good. She's proven at Belmont. She's proven at this trip. I'm looking at the number eight in here and anything around six to one. She's actually 12 to one on the morning line. And I will use in all exotics with the four Miss J McKay, who looks very logical. Moving to the eighth race, the optional 80 non two. I'm looking at the nine and 10 to use in, uh, in all exotics. It's going to be the nine Miss Dracar. Who puts two starts together Lightly raced She could be ready to take a nice big step forward As this is one who Just won over at Monmouth Park Very very impressively And I love when you see a pattern like this Where you have horses who have a race And then a little time off And a race and then a little time off And once they string a couple together Generally they get really good Clara Peters is, is another who should really improve off of the, off of that long layoff. She hadn't run from August of 2020 to September of 2021, and expect her to be a lot sharper in this spot. Nine ten in all exotics for me, and in the tenth race, unfortunately, we have another stakes race, but it just it feels like a chalky one that I can't really get involved in. 
I thought that, you know, Pocket Square is obviously the one to beat in there. I mean, Miss Miss Tehran, I just can't really get too excited about the prospects of playing that particular race. But maybe uh, races five and eight where we could find a little value on Saturday over at Belmont. Let's go to Churchill for Saturday. We've got a, a couple plays over there for Saturday. Churchill, we're looking at September the 25th for Saturday. Churchill, we're going to go to races 6, 8, 9, and 10. And on this day, uh, I see clearly everything will come to life. Edge? Edge to edge? Oh, yeah, there we go. Edge to edge. If you're some of the, the wrestling fans out there will get a real, really, really kick out of that one. So the seven should really enjoy this cutback. And it's just a slight cutback from six to five and a half. But with his running style and the fact that he's been in contention and sort of looming up, he will have a little bit more punch. He likes Churchill. And the, the real key for me in, in wanting to play him in this spot is... His last four races, he's drawn down towards the inside, which have kind of forced him a little bit. Now he's won a couple of them, but he's been at the mercy of you know needing to work out a trip. Always nice moving from the inside to the outside with the horse for a horse like him with his sort of stalking style. And heck, he might be the quickest in here. Wouldn't be shocked to see him right on the lead. He can sit off a little bit if he wants, and if he gets the lead, he could be really tough, shortening up a bit. The number seven edge five to one morning line. We'd need around seven to two. We move to race number eight. It is the Grade Three Dogwood Seven Furlongs on the main for three-year-old fillies. I thought she's a mystery. Looks uh, like a she's well spotted in here. Put a line through the turf race. They took a shot in there. Didn't work out. I'm looking at two back in the Iowa Oaks behind Army Wife, who was third in the Grade One Alabama and. It's a very, very logical live contender at Parks in the Cotillion we were just talking about a few minutes ago. She's a mystery, has shown success going a mile on the main track, and now turns back to seven furlongs. She's also shown that she can show speed, she can sit off a little bit, and she can pass some horses. She's a mystery. 10-1 to on the morning line, anything around 5 feels fair. Ninth race, the Bourbon Trail, mile and three sixteenths. I don't really love anyone in here. And Gagetown might just be able to sit a good trip from the inside. Dr. Jack probably goes. Maybe one other is quicker. And Gagetown could be sitting third. Proven at Churchill. Not sure if they really want to go this far, but nobody in here scares the heck out of me. I think it's just one of those situations where he might be able to fall right into a really good trip. The number one, Gagetown. Four to one on the morning line. We wouldn't want to take less than three. As we move to the 10th, the Harrods Creek, $275,000 up for grabs. Seven furlongs, the distance. Bob's Edge, I will use in some of the exotics. I'm just a little concerned about him going seven furlongs and not having raced in a couple months. Never been this far. Could be a tough task. With some horses who could just be in a little bit better, better fitness level, could have a little bit better fitness level right now. I thought the seven Irish Unity was the one to beat. Coming off the mile, the mile of 16th race, 
slight cut back to seven furlongs here. And then the 10, if you were looking for a price horse, uh, for me it would be Everett Song, who visually was impressive in both of those victories at Pimlico. So 3, 7, and 10 at Churchill on Saturday in uh, in that 10th race. So we head on over. We you know we didn't get the chance many times to talk about Arlington Park, but the news is that this is likely to be the final racing day for Arlington on Saturday. I thought we should at least take a look at that ninth and final race, just in case this ends up being the final race ever run, and maybe we can uh, put a few bucks in and uh, and end the uh, the Arlington, uh, the history of Arlington's great racetrack with uh, with a winner. So race number nine. Saturday, Arlington, September the 25th, five and a half furlongs on the turf course. I go to the eight, Mary of Bethany. Because I do think that going shorter is something that is at least worth taking a shot at with her. Her six furlong race on the synthetic was her, what, her career best race. And maybe she just has a little bit more punch going shorter. She's not slow. Uh, she's not going to be on the lead with sprinters like this, but I don't think she should be outrunning here. Mary of Bethany, the number eight in race number nine on Saturday at Arlington Park. Best of luck. Always a sad day when uh, a racetrack closes down and doesn't look like it. We will see any more racing from Arlington. Uh, many great, great horses, trainers, jockeys, owners, and historical figures through the years from racing have come through that place. Let's see if we can end with a winner over at Arlington. You will always be a winner when you head to cindycarava.com for a full-service realtor, Cindy Carava, to get in touch with her. You can find all that information on her website, cindycarava.com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can connect you with the right kind of people that can help you with home improvement, like you know vendors, Gardeners, landscapers, painters, and need help with a loan, she'll connect you with the right kind of lenders. Maybe you just want to find out how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. CindyCarava.com. We get into wrestling with Chad Cooper. This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, bouncing all around AEW Grand Slam. We talk about that one, the big Daniel Bryan Kenny Omega match. Uh, Brian Danielson. I'm gonna I'll get it right. I'll get it right. It's gonna be a while. We we went from Brian Danielson to Daniel Bryan for years, and now it's back to Brian Danielson and SmackDown, Raw, NXT. We hit it all on this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. You've got the faint sound of the gardeners in the background. You know, <laughs> this weekend wrestling with Chad Cooper here on That's What She Said. And uh, 
We have a lot to discuss this week. We're going to jump right on into it as uh, every week. Chad Cooper's here to talk about all the stuff happening in the world of wrestling on SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and with AEW. As we are just a few days away from Extreme Rules. And Koopa Loop, we came off of a, another good SmackDown. They just seem like they're firing on all cylinders over there. We, uh, you know, we have... Big E, who was kind of the star of, of WWE over these last couple of weeks, he won the title, and we've seen him on both Raw and SmackDown shows. And you know what? For a, a guy who generally has, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of main event matches. I, I, has Big E ever been in a, in a match for the title before the last couple of weeks? He sure feels like he belongs there. Unless it was at a house show or something that... Uh probably has little to no meaning, then I, I don't think so. And the ratings have been pretty strong, too. There hasn't been really a big drop-off. You know, poor Raw. You know, I see people pummeling, uh, you know, Raw. Oh, they're raw, you know, their ratings are down. AEW Wednesday night defeated them in this category. Raw is going up against NFL. Now Monday night with the stars. Is yeah. incredible. And dancing with the stars. but And then now Monday the night football. started. They're doing the uh, the Manning cast, which is getting yes. another million it's amazing. people. It's it's great. It is so funny. So Raw is this is what Raw's been good the last yes. few weeks. We complained yeah. and thought Raw was the worst of the wrestling shows, the most things to complain about for a long, long period of time through the pandemic, and even in when we were hoping for it to get a little bit better, it's still there's still plenty of gripes, but sure felt. A lot bigger this week And the momentum for WWE is going strong The momentum for AEW is going strong We got Finn and Big E Versus the Usos to start This was fun, you put Finn and Big E together They're, This feels like Two baby faces That the company is high on right now And both of these guys kind of feel Fresh in yeah. the main event Scene, right? Even if they get split up In the draft and maybe Finn goes one way And, you know, who knows where Big E if, if he's, I think he kind of sort of feels like he's on Raw now But they both Feel very fresh, it's not The same guys who have been in that picture Over and over again for years No, and I and I like that The champion has uh, He's still around on SmackDown They're kind of honoring that until we get To the draft, and, that, and that's kudos To WWE for doing that because they just could have shut the door on Big E on SmackDown and say, oh, he doesn't exist on SmackDown anymore. Um, they're, they're doing a good job. And, it, and you mentioned that it's fresh. It's new. We got a really good opener here. It was a good match of SmackDown. It keeps delivering, uh, you know, right at 12 minutes. And, and, and look, Big E doesn't have to be with the New Day in every single segment and match. And Finn is is hot too. He's going to be hot, you know, going up until this weekend uh, with with the uh, with the demon paint. Um, you know, we got the saga of the demon. Yeah, um, you know what? I don't. Down. It was I really, don't like. I, I like it. Me and I'm gonna say I don't. I'm not like too into the Alexa when she does the stuff with the doll. Right, but right. some some of it, a little bit, like what they did there with Finn, just the him talking about it, him giving a little bit a little background and then showing the transition from him in that's fine. I like that. Completely too. fine with that. Especially when it's something that's on a graphic that's done backstage and it's not like all that hokey right in front of you and it's sort of making you that that was to- completely fine. So the I I can sort of sense with you too. The only concern I have is they felt like they've done a really good job with Finn the last couple months. Re, you know, starting over with him, 
making him feel like he is a legitimate big deal again. And I, I just hope that whatever happens this weekend, because I, I, I just don't think he's going to lose or he's going to beat Roman Reigns for the title. Whatever happens, hopefully we get a good match and he comes out of that strong because crowd seems to be into him. This could be a guy, even if it's not right now, that you put in a Royal Rumble to win a Rumble, and and it can be a guy with this entrance with this demon that that is. Your focal point of a Wrestlemania And you have win the, the title At the main event and tell that story He is that good and that big of a deal Yeah and, and now you know There was some talk early you know A while back you know maybe he goes back Down to NXT well that You, you can forget about that after two weeks Of NXT 2.0 You know we're, we're going to see Quote unquote veterans From that show probably get moved up Now into this draft There are a couple that I think probably as good as gone With Frankie Monet and, and probably Even LA Knight But Feels you know, like I'd it. love for Finn Yeah I'd love for Finn to stay on Smackdown um, You know no one really knows Up until that moment But they, they've done a really good job With keeping him relevant with Roman Reigns despite Roman and Brock being the bigger picture it, it does feel like a big fight To me this week Ko and uh, Corbin, not not a whole. They're kind of continuing on with them. We'll probably get a blow off at some point. I don't think they're listed to have a match at Extreme Rules, but I wouldn't be shocked if that was a match or something on the pre-show. Even if we ended up seeing that there, um, they had a, a good SmackDown tour. I believe they were in the UK, um, yeah. uh, re- leading up, and it looked like Ko was having a really good time. Hopefully. I think he's the type of guy who you know, Corbin was doing really well That this the Corbin angle and the stuff with Happy Corbin has been good they've been The last couple of weeks they didn't do as much with Him which is fine you know they've Been great shows I think both of these Guys feel like guys Who probably will get A little bit more purpose after the Split you know I think in a, in a week Or two we might yeah. see these two guys Get sort of One of them goes one way the other whether KO goes the raw whatever it is He'll have a feud or just a little bit more purpose And they maybe kind of the booking kind of Remembers oh wait you know we have these really Talented guys back here let's put them in something Yeah you you bring up a good point Next Friday October 1st is going to be A really big night for WWE it's night One of their draft and You're going to have guys from Raw who get Drafted on Smackdown and what's Usually happened in the past on those shows Those new guys and and Gals that come over usually Have a match Mm -hmm. on Smackdown and those who are on SmackDown who get drafted to Raw, you know, vice versa. They may have their last match on SmackDown. So, you know, I, I like the Corbin angle. It's kind of been, you know, shoved aside a little bit. And I mm-hmm. think it's, you know, that's because of this draft coming up. I just hope some of the game, the same gimmicks kind of stick around. Because, yeah. you know, this this could get, uh, you know, you're you're probably going to have a you know a pre-show match on on Sunday, I would assume, and this this may go right at it because you do have Corbin what jumping Big E before the match, so this this has a pre-show match written all over it to me. One thing I really got to applaud uh, WWE, all of WWE for on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, they are doing a lot of things with the women right now. Sure, on on sure. every show. On SmackDown, for example, we've got you know Liv and Tony Storm. We finally get a Tony Storm sighting, which we love to see, and that's great. Again, it felt like with the timing of some of the, you know, but Tony, we saw her pop up back six weeks ago, and then she wasn't anywhere for two or three weeks. Then we saw her pop up again in the back where like Dolph walked by her, 
And then that was it I think it was the same sort of thing We were just saying with Kevin Owens and with Corbin It was like they maybe didn't have a whole Ton of plans quite yet Or maybe they said let's wait till things Split up a little bit and then We'll we'll get a little bit more with Tony I, It kind of feels that way too Yeah you know this this I, I understand the match The tag match you know with Carmela And Zelina it didn't get a lot of time You do get a match out of it on Extreme Rules With mm-hmm. Liv and Which is cool uh, you know what and, and Zelina and that, which is really cool and that may I be really in, like both of them Me too and that may be a Pre-show type match too but you know what There's six matches that are that are listed Right now on extreme rules and three of them Are women's matches that's fantastic It's great to see I mean, that just goes to show You I mean look you you can We can we because We've done it but you can crap on WWE booking and say oh Well AWE it's you Know I heard an interview from Cody earlier In this week he said oh we're not Scripted here there's you know you Don't show up with a script and there's not you Know we're not we just go and do it uh, there's a lot of things against that too, because a lot of people need direction, and we'll get to that AEW super super grand slam that they had on Wednesday night, which I thought started off hot and then kind of fizzled out, in my opinion. Yeah, but, it was a very good show. It started off incredible, and there were but there were some gripes. There, it's, it was not it, it perfect. Was, it was sloppy, but you you said it. What the WWE on all three shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, you know, forever we heard. Just everyone on social media would just destroy, this before AEW, would destroy WWE for for not putting these ladies in meaningful matches. Oh, we're going back to the diva stages where they were just in bikinis or in segments. Or just just one title feud, right? There was just two women on each show and then... It's it is good. massive now. Kudos to what WWE has done in the women's division. That's why it's the best in the world across the board. It is. You can argue and say what you want to, but the WWE women's locker room is better than all. It's it's not even close. I mean, on SmackDown alone, we had the, the tag match that we just talked about with Liv and Tony versus Carmella and Zelina. We had uh, the Naomi segment, which is starting to get more interesting now. Yeah, you know? yeah, it sure is. I like her. I'm starting to... Kind of get curious like where are they going to go Is Naomi going to have a heel turn what are we going to do here It's something that she's getting you know Sort of pushed aside and they're Playing into the like real World where I'm sure Naomi has felt very Slighted through the years she is super athletic She's always been over She is one of those Wrestlers where on any Company in any roster There's a spot for Naomi on Every TV show with what she Can do she like with Visually she looks great she's she her her look like her whole feeling the glow get up everything is great she's really good in the ring she's really athletic she's fun the crowd gets behind her and so I like that she's sort of playing into the the feeling slighted and I'm curious does this end up going somewhere with with Sonya I mean we've been rumored for a long time about her getting her back in the ring I'd love to see her get back in the ring yeah and I don't know if it does Naomi any good to be put with uh, you know the family right now. No, um, the I'm not sure the, with the bud line, the bud line. I know it works out, you know, and, and, and there's a spot there, but I think kind of think she probably gets lost in the shuffle. We already have that with Hit Row on NXT. Let her do her own thing for a kind while. Of agree. Yeah, if she wants to turn heel or be maybe if she or gets a little hotter, heel, you know, fine. if she. If yes. she's if if she, things go well for her as her own character, and then you can kind of associate the and two. Then you them. could fade it over there to her. Yeah. Yes, 
But I agree with you. Let her kind of have her own thing for a while. Uh, this is this is interesting. I'm curious where they're going here. We got Bianca's homecoming, and so I don't love it when WWE does the crap on people <laughs> in their hometown thing all the time because that's something that WWE does crap on. And we gave AW a lot of credit for doing the opposite for you know really letting people um, you know get the good pops in their hometowns and stuff. This one but... didn't bo- this one didn't bother me though at all because. Bianca did get to come out and have some of her homecoming segment. This wasn't like a match where she got rolled up in two seconds and and looked bad. This was part of a main event story angle where Becky is looking like an absolute horrible person and a heel. And it's <laughs> so it's serving very good purpose along the line. This isn't like Bailey. Losing a title shot in San Jose in her hometown when she should have a <laughs> title match, right? Like this is this is actually makes sense for the storyline to get more heat on Becky to have her do this to Bianca in her hometown. Of a technical issue there with uh with Coop, but we were uh we were talking about Bianca and the homecoming and and how you know for me Coop not not something that bothers me all that much because it was part of the angle. Becky got the heat and hey, uh, we got the cane without the mask of. Some of him, him and his politics as of late, but uh, we, <laughs> it's ironic. A man who wore a mask for so many years is uh, is against masks, but I guess that's a that's a, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, Koopa Loop with uh, Bianca at home, but I'm I'm very into this angle now, and I'm I'm into heel Becky how I should. I want to see her get punched by Bianca. Yes, and you. You you said it, uh, and you you said it week in and week out. They they've done really well with her, and, and and like you said, with hometown stuff, it could be really really bad. It could be really cheesy, but you're also trying to get Becky uh, as uh, some cheap heat here. And if Roman's not defending this title against Finn Balor, or if he's in a tag match, this is your main event on Sunday night. They've done really good good with it, and again. These type of pay-per-views, even though it's extreme rules and there's not a lot of extreme rule gimmicks on this pay-per-view, it's pretty little solid pay-per-view heading into this draft. You're probably not going to have a whole lot of title changes, but you know what? That's okay. You're going to have some good matches, and I think this is going to be one of them. This could be your main event. Yeah, and these are the type of pay-per-views that they over-deliver on Because going into yeah. it, people are going, oh, okay, Sunday, yeah, there's football stuff going on Extreme rules before the draft, maybe we'll, oh, and then you, you start looking on paper There could be some really, really good matches here um, It looks like Rollins is not done with Edge he, I thought he, uh, another good promo from Rollins, some really good work here He said he's not done, you know, and he said, I, I know you're still out there I, I'm gonna find you, and I, I, I enjoyed this and, I'd imagine we get a blow off from these two uh, again at some point, maybe in the near future. Man, I loved it. I, I'm just look. I'm a Seth Rollins mark. I just am, and I, I'm even more jealous that you know he he's with Becky Lynch. But <laughs> I'm just another another really grimy, slimy, you know, uh, you know promo from him, and it's like you know what I did was wrong. I don't know. You know, I I. I yeah, it's just know, a different Seth too, right? He's is, always been kind of whiny and not like a bad. He feels like legitimately sort of scary here now. Yes, yes, psychotic, very psychotic. Uh, you've got some personality issues. He's not a messiah, 
you know, I kind of bought into that in the beginning. Then it just fell really, really flat with him. And I was very disappointed that that, uh, that character gimmick didn't work. But this one does. And, and look, I, I don't know where he ends up. I'm sure he stays on SmackDown along with Becky. Um, but if not, he's he's got so many people he can feud and storyline with. And this keeps the door open. I love it. He said even Beth Phoenix, you know, his wife on NXT, she was asked how he was. We get a tag match? Yeah, I just love that. There's all kind of stuff you could do with him, and a tag match would be ideal uh, for for a Monday or a Friday night. Because putting Becky and Seth together when they were baby faces, it was kind of cringy. Yeah, it was you know? weird. They, but they when did they're, not work at all. Both when they're heels, yeah. and we're supposed to boo them both already, then they can really do the heel, lean into the heel shtick, you know? So that might be something interesting. Like I'm not saying. Like yeah, that. and I'm not saying they have to be attached at the hip every time moving forward, but if you're going to continue with a story angle, maybe you do something at a Survivor Series or I don't know, you know, um, something to keep in mind as we move along to Monday Night Raw and the New Day versus the Bloodline. What a start to this show. We got what could have been a pay-per-view main event and Flashley comes out, gets involved to make sure to keep them strong. He lays everybody out. Roman ends up getting the, the win. Um, and, and getting the pin there And MVP is not around He's selling the broken rib throughout the night We got a lot of New Day Biggie, Bloodline, Roman Lashley At the beginning and at the end of this show Where we got that triple threat Roman, Biggie, Lashley where Roman wins But they If the purpose of all of this The last few weeks Was just to show us Or to, to make everybody think And realize that Biggie belongs with all of these guys it sure worked to me because I always thought Biggie could be in these spots. But again, you never know until you put someone there. Sometimes it does fall flat when you elevate someone up. And we were saying it wasn't as if Biggie had been losing a lot of these main event matches for the title. He'd never really been in that spot ever at all. He was always. Someone who everybody assumed could do it Fine, he can wrestle, he's great on the mic He can be serious, he can be funny But he never really was given the opportunity Even in the high mid card So seeing him in the ring with these guys Seeing them protect Big E Again, I may, I would have liked to see him Maybe pick up a win in one of them But you know what, Big E doesn't get pinned He didn't get pinned in, this, in the main event match It looked like he was going to get the win there too Roman pins Lashley I thought there's so much happening in the main event feuds now on both of these yeah. shows with it feels very much like how the 98 through 2000 felt with the rock with stone cold with the undertaker with kane you, you throw start throwing kurt angle in the mix there you know and you've got mankind in full and then triple h just starts to you know and they're just everybody feels like they're a legitimate main eventer and there's 6 7 8 there's a lot that Roman has set up, man, with Brock, with Finn, <laughs> with Big E and the Usos. You know, Seth and Edge have been calling him out again. So it is like, get in line, take a number. What do you think, uh, you know, quickly here? Uh, I thought the opening match was really fun 13, 14 minutes. Uh, the main event, solid 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to see Big E pick up a couple of these victories. What did you think of Roman at coming over to Raw? Is this maybe something like we're 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 bringing Roman over to Raw, 
and Big E stays on, you know, flips back to SmackDown with that title, it, or or is just something we're just doing until the draft? I, I I don't see Roman on the red brand. No, no, I think Roman's gonna stay. I honestly think this was one start of football season. We want to get, we want to make sure we're our ratings stay strong and let's have some good momentum for the next few weeks. Two, I think build up and promote the big shows that they want to have with the draft coming up. And you know what? I do think this was somewhat of a little bit of a hey USA, you know, here here we're going to throw you a bone because you, Smack, you know you. Smackdown's been doing so great. Big E's been Big E went back and forth a little bit. The Smackdown ratings have been awesome. Now on Smackdown you've got Becky over there, you've got Brock both who made their returns and they're both on Smackdown. So I wonder if there was any you know, USA Network, who's invested a hell of a lot of money in WWE through the years. I wonder if they had something to say about the. Hmm, it feels like all the big stars are sort of floating over to. Uh, you know, Cena was on on SmackDown a little bit more than he was on Raw. He did flow back and forth. I think it was maybe just throwing him a little bit of a bone here. Hey, we'll give you a Roman a few times here and there, but I agree with you. I don't think I don't think you're going to see Roman every week on Raw, and I don't think he's going to be. A raw superstar instead of Smackdown I think he's got a nice home over there on Friday nights And you know what Being on, on Fox on, on national TV too They're dude, they're, they're humming over there They were over 2.2 million again On, on Friday night right Yeah And yeah, we know that's, that That's doing very well We know that it's not just a Friday night thing You know because some, some wrestling shows aren't doing <laughs> I'm just giving them crap Because AEW is doing really well on Wednesday nights But those Friday late night shows they have not been doing well again Rampage with another um, kind of poor number On Friday night there but Roman, Big E, Lashley This wasn't even a bad night for Lashley Either you know he lost no, but no. He felt like he belonged with all of them They all felt um, Really really good in, in the main Event picture together As uh, you know man, of- I have no, and, Gino I have no problems With MVP I like the guy But man I, I- I like MVP. I, I like Bobby Lashley by himself. I, just I just kind of like, hey, hey, he, he came in there. Hey, look, you know, I, I, I still need a title shot. You know, he he went to Pierce and Sonya and, and said, hey, look, man, I, I'm Bobby Lashley. Um, I, you know, I could do that. I, I, I just felt a little bit more at ease with him now. He felt more genuine instead of having MVP all the time speak for him. I like this Lashley by himself. I did. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I didn't like Eva and Dewdrop, but, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: I will give Raw credit because it feels like Dewdrop last week got her her win again. It's the same thing again. I don't know why we have to yeah. keep doing this because let like let these two move on to something. Else, it's just this is one of the main gripes that people have with Raw and WWE, where it feels like it's the same thing over and over. All that being said, we did get Eva Dewdrop, an incredible Shayna segment that I'm very yes. excited to talk about. We got yeah. Nikki and Rhea winning the the Raw tag team, the women's tag team championships, and uh, Alexa Charlotte. So again, those four different different angles with women on the, on the the show throughout Raw after. There were three different things that that stood out to us on SmackDown and on NXT. We're going to go through a few, and they've already got three on the card. So they are, whether it be accidental or on purpose, that they want to make sure to, to to push the women, or they just feel like these are some of our better superstars right now and some of the better angles, and let's go with it. It is. Uh, I, I like seeing it, and it 
It does feel fresher than those same guys Having a match and a rematch over and over In the same combination But can we get Eva and Dewdrop to just move on Please Yeah, it, You know it, it's what It was a minute 19, minute 20 Something like that I will say this You know Dewdrop's it is getting over But it, it, it's old with Eva I Look she's a She's a smoke show, man. Eva, it is. Uh, and she got uh, some of the heat this week. You know, she, she did, did call her out. She said, "You look at you, and look at me, and this and that." So maybe they will lean into that a little more with Eva. And like we said the best thing that would make the most sense would be to have Eva go get somebody else to fight Dewdrop, bring somebody up from NXT, and maybe they do that with the the draft coming soon. Is they'll have a new, you know, Eva's new minion to fight Dewdrop for a, a week. But it's just. I'd love to see Dewdrop doing something else. Yeah, I, I, I like to see Dewdrop drop this damn name. I, I just, I, I don't get it. I'm with you. I, I'm waiting every week for her to. Uh, she, she's embraced it too much, but this match was gotten more uh, heat and pop than it than last week. Maybe it was the crowd. I don't know, but. God forbid we can't see another one on Monday night, can we? <laughs> I sure hope not. Um, <laughs> And I don't mind the me- the rematch that we had behind between AJ and Randy because these two guys are are damn good. And if you're gonna give me a 15 20 minute match on Raw with these two guys, uh, that that's fine by me. So it sort of feels like I don't know if we're gonna get anything for Extreme Rules because we don't have an RK Bro match scheduled. We don't have AJ and Omos. I wouldn't be shocked if that ended up being a match because maybe with the MVP injury. They kind of went away from you know MVP and Lashley who were sort of in that Tag title feud so maybe We get something like that at Extreme Rules With these guys because You know Riddle and and, and Randy don't have anything and they're You know this this week they were On the show they didn't Riddle didn't do a whole A whole ton but they definitely are one of the More over acts on the Raw side I I would Be a little surprised if they didn't show up at all Yeah I hate that you know I know we're close To the draft and God forbid one of them get drafted to one show and the other one gets drafted to the other. Um, then, then we're like, ah, you know, we're, we invested in something now. But, you know, this is one thing that WWE does bad. They, they you know, I, I know people get hurt, whether MVP, whether it's a shoot or a work or they're not going there. I would hate for RK Bro not to be on the show. I'd hate for them two to just get put back into a match with AJ and Omos again though if you kind of feel me um, that's something I don't need to see again but it sure sucks to have two of your guys who were the hottest on this television program kind of not make the pay-per-view the I think my favorite I mean there was a lot on the show but the one personal thing that I was the most excited about even more than the good match at the start and the good match at the end was Shayna yeah, Seeing yeah. Shayna get repurposed and repackaged like the NXT version of Shayna that was a badass. She comes out here in this match with Nia, and she, you know what? I'm not the biggest Nia fan in the world. We've we have been very hard on Nia many times when she's been unsafe in the ring, when she's hurt people, when she's done stuff that kind of makes you scratch your head. I thought she did a really good job selling here too So I want to give both of them credit because I did even feel bad for Nia The way she was screaming and and Howling and Shayna You know breaking the finger and then Going after the arm and, and Outside the ring and she Looked tough in Just one night 
and you can't do this very often. And I give them a credit for doing it. If they move forward with her like this in one night, I almost forgot about how many times she got rolled up and how many times she's lost over the last two years. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, hasn't Charlotte recently beat her? Or didn't someone recently beat her for the, you know, uh, I, I don't know who it was. This this was what we've been wanting for a while with her. And and, and I don't know what, you know, plans that these, these guys and girls have for these guys and girls. But th- this is what we wanted. Uh, whether Nia's taking a time off for shoot or work, um, but this is what we want, and this is that Shayna needs to be a badass, and you need to wipe the slate clean with her, and her and Charlotte need to be this program. Or, or you bring Oscar back wherever she gets drafted. You know, maybe Shayna, maybe she goes to SmackDown, but she needs to be a badass. And with her being a badass, she doesn't need anybody. She can talk on the mic. She's got the look. Put her in some good matches. And erase this crap that we've had to deal with for almost two years with her. And I'm with you. I, I we do have short term memory here here uh, in 2021. Hell, we've been doing it for a while. Swipe left, swipe right. We, we don't care <laughs> as long you know as we get something good for a change. And I, I think they they they're on the cusp of doing something really good with Shayna, and I like it. I like that. I like that we're going heel Shayna, the badass with her again. Really, really good for Shayna here. Um, hey, you know what? Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo—they weren't doing anything. You put these two guys together; they're good in the ring. They're athletic. This is what you. This is like what should be a tag team. This should be a tag team that we can see having ten-minute matches here and there. They should be on TV, and they're fine. Like th- I have no problem putting a team like this together and giving them, you know, opportunities. I just hope that they. We see this. They did the same thing a few weeks ago with Mansoor and yeah, Ali. Yeah. And now we, we dropped the ball <laughs> completely. They were beating them in this spot. So it just, you wonder if they're going to really get behind them. But again, this feels like something coming up with the draft. Maybe they're excited about uh, this being a team that they either send one way or they ha- at least have a new team in a tag division that can always use new teams in the division. And they can both go in the ring. I've yep. liked both. I've never had a problem. They just Com- Carrillo is me. really good in the ring, and Garza's yeah, and got I, a little bit more personality. Yeah, and that's why I like. I, that's why I think these two work. Hell, I could see them. I, you know, eventually go be a a, a tweener type mat. You know, gimmick with one's mm-hmm. kind of bad and, and the other one's not, but it's new. I like it. Just don't end up. Don't end up like Ali and Mansoor. Just don't keep it fresh. They don't need to win the titles. But have them on TV and have some meaningful matches because they can both wrestle, man. We uh, Nikki Rio win the tag team titles. This is I don't hate yeah. it. It's fine. It's yeah. eh. But you know, you know, Rhea seemed very. Um, I wonder if there was someone in her family that was was it the Connors Cure that they were talking about before? Um, uh, and and Rhea was like crying when she was out on the stage, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Nikki and Rhea came out, so that was just something that. And that wasn't like manufactured That wasn't like Rhea's fake crying There must have been some Personal connection that she had Um, I don't love this I don't hate it, it's just kind of there At at least we got a title change For women that have been winning Yes. So now these two need to go And have a match with Tegan and and Shotzi Right? Please Uh, You know, it's 
for for bringing these titles and the way they presented these titles when they brought them to WWE, they made them to be like a big deal, and they haven't been a very big deal. I know they've kind of been stricken with bad luck a little bit with injuries, but these titles needed to be off Natty and Tamina. It was great the way they won it. You know, Natty got her, you know, got her a title, and Tamina was, you know, this this good story. But it just didn't work. You know, Nia and Shayna had them for so long, then would lose them and get them back. You know, I don't know how long these two are going to have them. You know, they were on the bump. That, that's a show that I mark out for. I love watching WWE, the bump. And it, and it you know, Rhea seemed, seemed genuine uh, on the bump that, hey, you know, look, I, I've been this badass gimmick, you know, for my entire life. And though I'm never going to be bubbly like Nikki, she's kind of rubbed off on me. And Nikki said, hey, she's kind of rubbed off on me. I kind of feel like a badass a little bit. So <laughs> nice. I'll, yeah. give it, I'll, I'll give it a little time to see where it goes. But if it gets silly, like they've kind of done the women's tag team titles at NXT, it's not going to work. Man, Alexa and Charlotte, this was great. This I segment thought it was fantastic. Don't this segment was great. I do not Phenomenal. like... We do not like, we've said it many times When Alexa's doing the stuff with the doll With the magic stuff I'm not into that If Alexa's just a crazy person Which Charlotte is just calling her out for Hey, you're crazy I'm not gonna fall for all that stupid crap You're just a crazy person trying to mess with people And I know that, like, you're smart, you're manipulative I want the old bitch They called each other out There was, (laughs) it was It was good, it was really, really good And we heard we heard otherwise from some uh, reporters out there. Alexa Bliss didn't didn't uh, uh, like that hearing that, but I uh, I thought this was great, and this felt again, it felt kind of fresh. It felt intense. It felt big league. Charlotte was real. She's really good in this role when she's heelish, but she's you know she's it, she's easy. She she's good when she can kind of talk down to you, and it's perp. She's a perfect person for you to try to punch up at because she's an easy target. Anyone sure. can talk trash to Charlotte and say that you're a bitch and you get the title of you get opportunity, you get this, you get that. And oh, I just I loved it, man. This worked really well for me. Yeah, and and, it, and look, I know it may not be good practice for especially at uh these entertainers and these athletes at this level to go after people that's well beneath them. And and I'm not being a snob or anything like that, but it's good every now and then for somebody to put Fake news people in their place Keep them on their toes Dude I'm sorry 1500 people did not get up And leave the damn arena During this segment Knowing damn good and well You've got Roman Reigns, Big E and Bobby Lashley In a triple threat in the main event People in the arena were saying What are you talking about That didn't happen No, It didn't happen at all We've actually in the previous What's really funny about this too In the prior weeks we talked about how last week they were chanting throughout the whole segment, open the box. And yes, yes. yes the, even if we haven't loved it the, at WrestleMania and at SummerSlam, Alexa gets huge responses from people. We may not always love this stuff, and it may not even be good when they do some of the my- mystical stuff with her. But some people get a kick out of it, and those dolls get sold. There's merch that gets sold. So you know what? This, when it's bad, I'll critique it. This was not bad. This no, was when it's bad. Even if when it's bad, just say it's bad and you didn't like it. Don't, Don't make say, stuff oh, up. Asterisk footnote. 
1,500 people got up and how, where did that number even come from? I, I just, I, it just, it, it befuddles me. Nonetheless, I thought it was a fantastic segment and, and look, we know who's going to win the match, but Alexa Bliss is really freaking popular in the WWE. She has a lot of followers on social media. Um, you know, regardless if she likes this gimmick or not, she's done fantastic with it. Yeah, there's been some times you and I didn't like it, and I'm sure there's been some times that she didn't. And, like and there's it a difference between not liking the role that is written and and. And not liking the character or the person, everything and, and that she's been handed, the, yeah, and going whole, you know, fantastic. Everything yes. that she's been handed, she does the best with it. Some of the stuff is just like, oh, this isn't going to work, no matter what. And she makes it work as well as anybody could. So, hey, kudos, I, hey, look, kudos to Charlotte Flair. You know me, where I stand on Charlotte. I'm not the biggest Charlotte Flair fan in the world. But she made this segment pretty damn interesting too. She's yeah. done all she's could to make. I'm so work. much more into this match now. Be a good match. Yeah, Hell, I'm know? so much more into this match. And again, the women. This has been one of our major topics throughout this this show. The lot of time for the women. And uh, a shout out. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he lost earlier. But you know what? They're giving Jeff Hardy some love. He's in the U.S. title match now, uh, <laughs> which, which yeah, is. It, it just it's. That's the frustrating part is why do you book this guy one way and then you you there's a good 10 minute match with Sheamus and oh yeah hey Jeff Hardy can still wrestle well, sure and, he, he and he still gets a big pop he still he has does. the spots that people love when he climbs the top rope and he gets ready for the Santon bomb and the twist of fate and, and you know love- you know here here's the thing it, it's reality I, I, I'm 47. I'm no spring chicken anymore. You know, the, these guys and girls go out there and put their bodies on the line, and you, you, they've made a career out of it. We know Jeff Hardy's older. We know he can still go. We just know this is not the direction that the WWE chose to a while back to go in hell. Go look at AEW. When they signed Matt Hardy last year, they thought this was the signing of the world. He's been more irrelevant on AEW than he was anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, look, if, if Jeff Hardy, if he doesn't resign with the WWE and they let him go and he goes to AEW, whether or not, hey, look, it's just a way of life, man. I, I told you last week, I didn't like to see Jordan wearing number 45. I just didn't like it. Some things happen. The booking has been crazy with Jeff Hardy, but at least the match was meaningful, and they're putting him in a good. They're putting him in a good spot. Yeah, this is exactly where he should be. To the, yeah, look, I think they kind of listened to the universe a little. They bit. did. You're I right. That's did, funny. Man. It's funny. The people that don't like WWE bitch and complain that they don't listen to the fans or their. They got what they want. And then when they do, they go, "Well, that was just a direct response in what everyone because <laughs> everybody complained online." I know. No. Isn't that what you want? Which is what people love AEW for Because that is the one thing No matter what I will absolutely say Is they seem like They respect the hell out of their fans And I might To a detriment even sometimes but, But they treat their fans With a lot of respect and the fans treat them back with respect and go crazy over every single thing on on an AEW show. So it's a it's a very good relationship that they have with their fans so far. That WWE has, like anyone in a relationship for after years and years and years, you know, some of your promises don't hold as strong. But in this particular case, 
in what they've done recently with Big E in you know what people have done we've been asking for years turn Roman Reigns heel it took them forever but they finally did you know what there are some things that it seemed like they listened to and reacted this Jeff Hardy thing was another one of them let's get to NXT 2.0 man this opening segment Coop we welcomed a bunch of the new players they they <laughs> no showed point. us they showed us who they think are going to be big deals and, and who are going to be big parts of NXT moving forward We got Ciampa, Braun Breaker, Carmelo, Hayes and Trick out there Odyssey Jones, Joe Gacy, uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs Then Grimes came out, he got uh, his, his music played LA Knight came out for a minute, Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland So you feel like all of them are going to be you know, big pieces in this NXT division They... I don't think it was a coincidence who was out there at the beginning, either people that are going to be moving big deals moving forward. And then maybe someone like LA Knight who will be around maybe for a few more weeks. I would not be shocked if he shows up soon. And I think with the way he talks, the look, his kind of size, he feels like he is just main event, main roster ready. Yeah. You know, don't blink because NXT uh, 2.0, I'm still... 50-50 50-50 on whether they should continue to say 2.0. I think it, it looks fine. It looks different. You can just say NXT or NXT. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think here sooner rather than later, they kind of dropped the 2.0. But nonetheless, from last week to this week, don't blink. It's like watching one of these 250-yard quarter horse races. <laughs> I mean, straight right. out of the gate, it's over in, in 10 seconds. They are pushing so many newcomers out there and you know what i like it man i i like that that that, that i'm I, i'm investing in it okay who's this guy who's this guy because it's they're making <laughs> they're all in on some of these younger talent this is what you're gonna get whether you like them whether they're not very good in the ring or they're not very good right here this is what you're gonna get with nxt 2.0 that opening segment i thought oh you know, this is kind of rawish, and here come the complaints, and all these people are gonna are gonna be in a number one contender match. No, that wasn't it at all. That wasn't it at all. Again, I enjoyed the show. I was kind of pissy a little bit that Frankie Monet and Raquel have been pushed back yet another week. Again. You know what? I feel like Frankie's going up to the main roster. I, I just do, and maybe that's why they're doing it. Um, I'd be shocked uh, if she won the title. That's kind of my only concern is this match again got pushed. But, you know, from, from top to bottom, you got seven matches. You got a lot of promos. You got a lot of new faces. And I kind of dig it, man. I like it. I do too. Um, I'm, like you said, it was, it, it, it has the fingerprints of WWE all over it, but there's these new faces. And the, the, for a while, people complained not about Adam Cole and Ciampa and Gargano being. Being bad wrestlers or do being, but just NXT was always new people coming in and then cycling up, and then right. for what for whatever reason that kind of stopped. You know, we 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 always when everybody was coming to NXT, we always just figured it was NXT and then up, and then they went and they were doing their own third brand thing for a while. But in that, there was a weird something weird happened because it was there, there wasn't the cycle up. And so there wasn't this excitement for new people coming in. It was just Gargano's going to have another great match. Chompa will have a great right, match. Adam right. Cole will have another great match. They're going to be good, good shows thing. all the time. I like this. I like this. I kind of, yeah. I like knowing that 
the people we're watching, I'm feeling better about their opportunities on the main roster because it feels like Vince is and Pritchard and Dunn or whoever have already put a check next to some of these people that we're seeing in NXT that the new guys like a Braun Breaker, he's going to be on the main roster, right? Oh, like, yeah. You see some sure. of these people and you just can tell right now, okay, I know they're going up. You know, you see Odyssey Jones. They like them. Cameron Grimes, he's gonna go up. You could tell he's be he's like a big part of this. They're gonna move him up. So, like, so I I enjoy it, and I enjoyed, you know, Roderick Strong in, in a really good cruiserweight match. People forget how damn good this guy is in the ring. That match was excellent. We got Kaylee Ray. They're doing a good job continuing to build her up and making her look strong. So you know, Roderick and Kaylee, they're gonna be I think two players in this NXT moving forward. Yeah, they just it, it was match after match. There there no bones about it. This this is this is what we're doing here. I, you know, I, the thing that interests me is there's a lot of good women on this NXT roster and we haven't seen some of them in a couple of weeks. So that kind of tells me I don't know how many roster spots we're getting and uh, or how many draft spots or how many rounds we're going, you know, we'll do a lot on TV Friday. Next Friday, we'll do a lot on the following Monday. And then I know they like to do social media picks throughout the week. Seems like to me a lot of these big name NXT on the women's side are probably moving up to, I would imagine. Because you're you're getting uh, Kaylee Ray. She's being pushed now like none other. I uh, don't see yet. Yeah, hell, I didn't know Raquel and Braun Strowman were a thing, but apparently they are. They're That's cool. I know. Together. Like, oh, okay. It seems like she's probably sticking around now. At, at, at one time, I thought she was kind of moving up. But, man, it's youth going wild down here with NXT. And, and look, Dante Chen comes in. With, he looked with a match really with good. Baxter looked really good. And, hey, don't feel bad for, for Trey Baxter. His got girlfriend, Cora J, she's a smooth Woo. show. She came in there. Hey, chin up. Chin up. Chin up. Man, I, I'm here Big for smooch. You. Big smooch. I, I, I just... Look, I've liked the last two weeks of this new NXT. About run. Mandy Rose, Mandy Toxic Rose attraction, Mandy, cheese oh, and Jace. Now let it. me say, they they look great. I like the presentation. Their promo was bad. Like it was, it was it like was. Laundry, it, was. it was laundry a it little was. bit, it, and it, they, it they didn't. Around. But you know what? That's what this is going to be a little bit, and I'm fine with it. That's what you're. This is what it was kind of. You're finding. Your your character, you're finding your footing here. You're figuring it out. It was a little bit like Carmelo and Trick last week. You get lost in some of these promos when you're on live TV, when you're in front of a big crowd. Uh, you know when you're, but that's where you're supposed to make the mistakes a little bit more down here. So, I uh, Electra Lopez, we saw. You know they're getting behind her too. Um, Andre Chase University, I thought was funny and and I love know, it. That was I popped. Me too. I laughed, and he's. This is what it. He's figuring his character out. He's going with a little something yeah. different. He's doing the PowerPoint presentation. He was in the class, and they said, "Wait, didn't you lose to him?" And he just gets out like, "I liked it. It was fine." And I did too. You know what? It's not. It's going to be a different vibe. They're not trying to counter AEW anymore, like they were on Wednesdays. And you can't. You and, can't do why? it. Why? Why do that? It's, it's, Just don't try. And why even try? You're wasting it. You're wasting time and money trying to do that. And I kind of felt like that's what they were doing. Yeah, they were having some of the best matches NXT's ever had. But that wasn't the problem with NXT. The problem was the viewership. 
Mm-hmm. Nobody was watching these badass matches on, on USA Network. So, yeah. you know, you, you got to give them something. You got to give them something for trying to make the changes. And look, it kind of feels like old school WWF is when you had all these weird and different goofy little gimmicks. I love this Andrew Chase University. I, 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 I That's a home run to me. I, I like it. Highlights of the show for me. And I'm excited to find out more about these new characters. And I'm I'm very interested in NXT 2.0 as we head over. Hey, let to- me ask you this before we leave. Before yeah. we leave NXT, do you think two quick questions about the same person, Braun Breaker? Okay, number one, do you think they need to give him the title, or is he so hot that they keep him down there for a little while and give him the title before moving him up? And part two. Don't you think you just should make him Braun Steiner? Absolutely Steiner. You need to say it sooner okay. than later. We need to we need to mention the Steiner thing. Dude, he's he's using the recliner. You Dude, know, he, he sounds he, like he, he, he sounds exactly like Scott. It's like a combination of Scott and Rick put together, but he sounds he's like better on the mic than Rick was. But he's, yes, he's not as he's not as crazy as Scott was actually pretty good on the mic before he became crazy big Papa Pump like he would start to get <laughs> pretty, pretty yes. it, you know he's, yeah he, it's like um I think we were talking I talked about this the other day with uh, with with Andrew and Darren we were recording one of the old wrestling rewatches it's almost like he's got the best attributes from both of the Steiner brothers put into him. You know he's got like a little bit of the size, but but he he's got a really good look. He's good on the mic. He's natural. I think they do the he is Champa's buddy and sort of you know he he asks Champa for help or kind of like a mentor for a little bit. And I think they I think they save that one for uh, I don't I'm just kind of curious like what what is moving forward? We sort of hit on this a little bit next week. You know, are there going to be takeovers? Do we get yeah? Yeah. Weekend pay-per-view takeovers That they try to sell You know in, in big arenas Or is it just A show TV they do From that same arena and they do on Sunday or like you said is it not even on a Saturday or Sunday is it just something that they Hey you on know TV. what yeah. next week Is going to be our big show do they is like Kind of clash of the champions ish like you know We'll have every six weeks we'll have A big one where a couple titles are defended Or is it just like yeah, and I- this week one title's I, defended. Next week the next one's defended. Maybe it's just I have no yeah, and I have no inside information on this, but I, I'm just putting it out there what I feel. But them not mentioning mentioning anything about any takeovers, it sounds like to me they may be just going in house every so because look, next week we've got three titles on the line. I, that's You've what got I was thinking. Tag team championship, right? That's probably gonna change hands. I would think so. Raquel and Frankie. Don't know if that changed his hands. Probably not. Roderick Strong with his first title defense against Grayson Waller. I don't know if that you know changes or not. But hell, he came out and said, "Hey, wait a minute, I I, I want to challenge you in your first title defense." So that kind of seems like to me, you know, he could be winning it. So if you're putting three titles on the line next week, I don't know if they do takeovers or not. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. We move along to AEW Coming off of Grand Slam on Wednesday night Looking to see the ratings I still haven't seen them yet I'm curious if they'll come out in the next few minutes When we're talking As uh, Grand Slam opened With Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson They end up having a time limit draw match That is a very, very good match As good of a match as you probably would have imagined 
that these two guys can have and they also were able to still save a lot because I I I don't have a problem with the time limit draw in this for these two guys in this spot. I actually think Daniel Bryan coming in, you don't want him to lose. Kenny, he just lost to Christian not that long ago. You don't want him to lose again for this non-title. It, it would have been really obvious, you know, for him to lose in this spot. I don't think they did a very good job of setting up the time limit no. and and letting us know that this was just going to be a 30-minute match that and letting us know that, you know, 15 minutes or 12 and so that that's the the only the, the more of the gripe I had. Very little with what these two guys did in the ring I mean it's incredible as you would imagine They both looked great This is what we want from Kenny Omega Like these kind of matches against some of the other best This is the reason why Daniel Bryan came to AEW To wrestle in matches like this Against Kenny uh, And I just I, I'm I don't know were, were you kind of in awe a little bit Watching these two in the ring at the beginning At the beginning it was like The the. Sorry about that. I had a little bit of a snafu on uh, the recording there. And um, this, the last few days with with Brian Danielson and what he did and, and the letter he wrote to you know the Players Tribune and you know talking about thanking WWE and, and wanting to see you know hoping people could see a different side of Vince. I I respect this guy so much more. And then just kind of seeing him in the ring at the beginning and seeing the smile on his face. I I was enjoying it more knowing how much he was enjoying it just because how how he's handled himself about all this. This is exactly how a professional should handle themselves and he doesn't have anything bad to say about WWE so he's not going to join in the piling on just because everybody else is. He will actually go against them and say, "Hey, look, you know what? That wasn't my experience. My experience was very good and I actually really like Vince. I learned a lot from this guy and so I, I I'm just kind of curious, you know, moving forward. I think the one thing about that bothers me, Coop, and it's, it sounds weird. It's just in the back of my head, every time I see Omega out there, I just go, where's Paige? Poor Hangman. <laughs> and I just, I can't help but think that. <laughs> you know, Gino, I will say this, and we both said this from day one, especially you. These AEW in-house fans, and of course on social media, these crowds are hotter. This this reminds me of The Rock, uh, Stone Cold, this WWE, WWF Attitude era days, man. These crowds are just smoking hot. And they were smoking hot uh, again Wednesday night in New York. And it was just Daniel Bryan taking it all in. You know, at, at, before they locked up, what what were your thoughts like? Oh man, it's really happening. Were you yeah. like, anxious, excited? I, what was going through your? Yeah, mind? I was. You know what? And you know, it's funny. I don't like. I, I get excited. We watch wrestling. We, we talk about ten hours of wrestling plus here every single week. We love wrestling. We watch it. But when you watch so much of it, sometimes you know it's always on. You don't have those moments where you get sort of like a kid and get really excited. And I kind of was for this match because I was very curious what they were going to do. And then. That is the one thing, like you said, that AEW will do is when you see if you were just flipping the channels and you turned on to this and you saw how the crowd was into this match and you didn't know anything about either one of these two guys, you would have felt like it was a big deal. And and that was what's cool. And and I will give AEW a ton of credit. The production, the way that this looked, everything, if you were, again, if you were flipping the channels, 
you might have thought this was something WWE-ish yes. Which gets me to my next point That's a little bit of a a bummer or a negative Is that this show got 1.23 million Ugh. Or 1.27 million I think is when we talked from last week? I think when Around we talked It was, you know, they're in that They've been in that 1-1 one, one to 1-3 one, top range And I think I said last week You'd imagine one five to one six. Um, the demo did fine again. You know, the demo did well again. Point uh, four nine. So, um, or no, they they did point they did point four eight in the eighteen to forty nine. Raw did point four nine. So Raw actually beat them this week. In, it in the just demo. goes, to, Gino. It just goes to show you. I told you this. This is my argument from from day one. They can have these stars. Okay, and they're going to have a lot of good matches, though there were not a lot of good matches on AEW Grand Slam Dynamite this Wednesday night. There just wasn't. But again, go back. There's kids in the audience that's not going to wear Kenny Omega shirts. They wear Roman Reigns shirts. They wear John Cena shirts. And we get get the stuff about the demo. But remember, the demo a lot of times with the kids you know, the kids are the ones that are telling their parents They buy this stuff They're the ones that are watching And so maybe the kid isn't watching But they're telling mom and dad and the kids And then Dude, they go I, buy You know, you know I'm, I'm in media I work for a newspaper That is a local commu- uh, a, a local newspaper it, It's not community it, it, It's We're not owned by an organ uh, You know, uh, a, a big organization uh, it, It's not chain So you work to your demo Yeah, there may be and I, look, I, I'm not sounding ugly about this because this is just a fact of life. Yeah, these AEW people buy tickets to get in the show, and they do buy some merch. But what demo are you really after if you see 200 people go to a free event as opposed to another event where people have a little bit? I, I, look, I'm not saying WWE fans have more money. I'm not saying they're a dip, they're, they're not. They don't vote this way as opposed to to vote this way. What I'm trying to tell you is just because these five-star matches, look, they're going to go down from here. They have the big players. Uh, Braun Strowman. uh, Bray, maybe. These people are not going to give you the two million. This is what you're going to be at, and they're going to have to learn to accept it. If they want to spend, hey, our demo is better than this, or "We we don't write scripts, and it's, hey, that's fine. But you're at the end of the day, every night when you go to bed, WWE still owns you, and they're this going is, to. This one shocked me. This, this one shocked me. Shocker. This, this one shocked me. I got to say, and, because and look, you promoted, and, you and I were talking about this. Going, dude, they promoted the hell out of this show. Everybody was all over New York doing appearances yes. on different podcasts, yes. different. CM Punk was everywhere, Daniel Bryan was everywhere Daniel Bryan released that big letter On the Tribune, the Players Tribune That was circulating all over the place I mean, there were They did a great job promoting it It's just, it seems like They are in that spot Right now, where They're in the 1.1 To 1.3 range And if you don't get over that With what you promoted on this show With the first time Daniel Bryan's wrestling and Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega, and you promoted CM Punk. Um, and, and, and damn, Gino, hell, it was the first match, too. It should have been the main event after watching that card. I know. And, hey, look, the match, I had no problems with it. It was good watching it. 
I thought they butchered the ending by not telling people the time left. I know somebody said, oh, Justin Roberts said five minutes. No, and people inside the audience said they didn't hear that well either, and we didn't hear on TV that well. That has to be repeated throughout. your main component if you're going to book this match to a draw, don't you think? 100%. You have to repeat it throughout, and and then everybody fans booed, which, you know, was funny because, you know, they Afterwards, which you, you very rarely hear them boo, and they they love the match. The match was great, and it makes you want them to have another match moving forward. But what I didn't like is that Omega was actually being a pretty honorable, like for the most part, pretty honorable. They wrestled a pretty straight match. I didn't need the crap after again. No, this, this that's AEW. Like, that's what they do. This is Daniel Bryan and Omega. This was kind of their night, their moment. Everybody was. This was about the wrestling, but then right after. We get the super kick, and then we get the other guys come run in because they're going to have a match on Friday. I just, yeah, I, I didn't. It went need downhill it. from here. I, totally. I after we get, this, I, you I mean we happy CM Punk, who who mentions <laughs> he references being happy CM Punk, and he says that you know this how is do who you I'm, follow that. Yeah, and but really, how do you follow that? Um, With a CM Punk promo, that's how we follow it, dude. For me, at least, the <laughs> uh, the novelty is definitely worn off. You know. Yeah. It's um, awesome. I need I need to see him doing what what CM Punk was always praised for doing, having very good matches and being in hot angles and being an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, and- yeah. I need to see CM Punk in trunks too. And I and I and unfortunately I'm not a spoiler guy, but I did see the spoilers and I hear that he is in trunks. We he don't took, need to see him. Took in- a survey for a guy who, yeah. who pretends like he wants to do everything his own way. He sure does seem to. To hear what the fans are saying, right? When he came, yeah. And look again, he just—we're no spring chickens. He looks older. He looks older. He looks older. CM Punk now. I'm sorry. I, I look, and I know he got a huge pop, and he probably and he got a huge pop after you know when they taped the the Rampage Grand Slam or whatever it's called for this week. I just I don't know. I'm not connecting with CM Punk and AEW right now. I know he sold a ton of T-shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees. You know, cheap pop for me or whatever, but I, I'm just not getting it right now with him. The Pillman MJF stuff. Okay, MJF's parents uh. with the sign that I sent where they <laughs> said we're MJF's parents, and even we think he sucks. And then MJF's dad's wearing a shirt that says "I hate MJF." That was one of the greatest <laughs> things ever. This felt fell very flat for for a couple of segments. It was, it was over the last few weeks leading up that weren't bad. You know what? I just Pillman shouldn't be beating MJF, but that's why I kind of thought it was a bad spot because Pillman's not really on his level. MJF shouldn't be losing, and he didn't. It just, yeah, it didn't do a whole lot for me. I, I it just, it felt flat. I, you know, I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I don't think MJF got a ton of heat. No, you know, you know what? This was. The, this was a, a problem with the crowd Because they were up for the 30-40 minutes of that first match And then Punk and That definitely should have ended the damn show You're right, because it's so hard to get back up after that And they tried by bringing Punk back out And the crowd was, was up for Punk for a lot of it But then he cuts a promo Towards the end of the promo, you're not quite as excited He's just talking, you know And and we get to uh, Malachi Cody This was bizarre oh This was bizarre Bizarre Oh, oh my! So, so <laughs> let me let me. The one thing I will say is that Malachi Black looks like a star and feels like a big deal. Right, one hundred percent. 
absolutely his presentation, everything about him, he looks great. The crowd boos the hell out of Cody. This is the crowd that's not really into Brandy either, you know? So they're not high on Brandy. There was a weird spot where Brandy gets in the ring and does this, the, the, the sitting down with her middle fingers up. Then Arn fell in a spot that, <laughs> that real or not. And, and I don't know, but the crowd turned on Cody for sure. Yes. Yeah. And Cody sort of kind of tried like working like he was a heel a little bit, but this would not make sense for Cody to turn heel right now when that show's coming out. Right, he's got, like, like, he's got a, he just has a kid and everything, but the angle feels like everybody is just wants to cheer for Malachi and wants to boo Cody. Yeah, th- this th- this wasn't this was bizarre. I- I'll give it. I'll let you you have your word because I had another word for it. But let's just go for PG thirteen audience. It was bizarre. I'm with you. Malachi Black is a star. He just is. He looks the part. He feels the part. This match was just not good. It was disappointing. I thought Cody looked bad. Uh, he looked older. Um, there it was, was kind of clunky. It didn't. Yeah, it there didn't. were certain spots that were missed. It wasn't even close. And look, I, I know we're not. Look, it's pro wrestling. I know we're not kicking guys in the faces, right? We're just we're just not. But there was a couple of spots that I saw replays on Twitter. There there was a Twitter account which has 17, 18,000 followers. And I, I couldn't believe it. Maybe it was something else before now. And I got to give it credit. And, I, and I'm going to throw it a plug. It's called AEW Botches. And they just post AEW Botches. And there were more botches in Cody and Malachi Black's match. And then, as you said, you know, Cody shoving the referee, like pushing, that doesn't even work in this match. That should have been Malachi doing that. I'm okay with the spray to the face. It just was not good, man. <laughs> there was a, and, and again, like the crowd is nuts at these shows. And I, I, I imagine everybody that goes to every one of these shows, the experience is incredible. And the matches are feel better because of that. The crowd's into everything. And the shows, they're not bad. We're, we're, this is a good show. We're just critiquing some of the things that happen. I saw the funny, uh, with, sure. the, uh, with Brian Alvarez, who, who, you know, is one of the guys who really likes, you know, really high on AEW and a lot of times will, will post like negative stuff on, on Raw. And his three posts were AEW 1.28 million, Raw narrowly beat AEW in 18 to 49, <laughs> at 4.49 to 0.48. And then AEW was number one on cable and beat number two by 24%. Uh, but there was a one of, in one of the, uh, the threads, there is a, uh, in AEW excuses bingo. Which I thought was pretty funny. Somebody posted as like things that people say as like excuses when they're you know talking about why AEW ratings didn't get as high. Or it's fu- it's funny. We all we the the thing that I laugh at is that we rip and we critique WWE for every single thing that they do. But it's the moment you try to do that with AEW, people will act like what you're saying is crazy. You know, right. it's like we can make fun of everyone and have a good time with everyone, you know, and then, and that's what we're doing here <laughs> yes. as we finish up with Chad Cooper, one or two more things, Chad. I just wanted to get your take on before we let you go. Um, Sting Darby. This was kind of weird uh, because I don't, I don't even mind Sting and Darby winning this tag match and, and having them as a tag team. If you want moving forward, uh, Sting looks weird when that face paint starts to wear off and he's kind of like got the grayish, like worn yeah. down face paint, but I don't like yeah. in both of these last two matches. Did they need to tap out Both of them Does FTR need to be tapping out 
to Sting's freaking awful scorpion deathlock. Like, he looked so bad when he locks that in. I love Sting. He gets in the ring, and his, I will say, a lot of his work in this ring I thought was pretty good. I didn't think he looked horrible until he yeah. tried to lock that scorpion deathlock in. It just, it looks so bad. I mean, we're on, <laughs> we're on the heels of hearing about Owen Hart and the sharpshooter and everything. Oh, my gosh. It's just <laughs> awful. I don't know if he caught a cramp. He might have. Uh, it didn't look like it. <laughs> the match was like. okay. I was I, I I was fine with it. It's it's just interesting that FTR just continues to freaking lose. You know, I, you know, F free the revolution, free the revival. All we heard about with WWE and look, yeah, you're losing tapping to sting. sting. You're, you're tapping to Sting. Yeah, you're tapping to Sting. That's not good, bro. It's just not good. Okay, match. Hated the ending. Hated the finish. In the um, in the main event match. Which, you know what? I like that they treat the title important. They want to put a title yes. in the event. Yes. That's cool. That's very good. They Brit's a star. And the match was was a lot better than than uh, the debut match for... Um, with her and Jamie Hayter. With Jamie yeah. Hayter last week. It was way, way better. And... They were, yeah, I think, I trying to prove that they could go a little more. I I didn't have much of a problem with the actual match. I thought it was it was solid. It was fine. The end of the, why would you book this? This is what we said right away. Why do you book this and you have her tap out? Even if you have Britt win because Hater and Rebel or whoever interfere, don't have her tap out. Have her pass out like the baby faces yes. always do. You've got a new hot baby face that this crowd is behind. You don't have any other legitimate women contenders on your roster right now that could be put in a match with Britt. This one feels Ruby feels legitimate in this match with Britt, and you have her tap. I didn't get that. No, and, and, and it worried me when we got the leak, or you know, was was it last week or week before last uh, that AEW was already getting ready for Britt uh, Thunder Rosa 2.0, so to speak, next year in a big match. So that you know that told me right there. That this look, we we kind of knew it wasn't going to change hands, but when you're already leaking that stuff out, you're like, uh, you know, come on, man. I, the ending, I, I was, yeah, the match was better, um, and I and I appreciate them putting this title as the main event. I, I thought the ending of the match is where it got clunky. Ruby kind of had to wait for Britt, to, mm-hmm. you know. Well, because everybody was trying just, to get in, it was overbooked. You know, she kept having yes, to hit those yes, spots on one yes. and then the next, and she was kind of waiting for the ref and just kind of waiting there. And if you're going to overbook it and then have her get beat in a roll up or by cheating, that's fine. But don't overbook it and then have her tap out. Yeah, I didn't that, like that. that. It, it, no, and I know you had some silly promos throughout the night to promote this big Friday show. Who do we have? CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lights out match, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, uh, against Archer and Suzuki. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then we had the uh, little run in after the, with the, with Cole and, and Christian and the Jurassic Express, they ran in after the main event, you know, so they, they kind of got a little bit of a promotion for, for their show, for their match coming up on Friday. You've got a, you've got an eight man tag, uh, Lucha brothers and Santana Ortiz versus private party and the butcher and the blade. Anna J versus Penelope Ford, uh, Cole and the Bucks versus Cage and Express, and you've got the Men of the Year versus Jericho and Hager. That's that's 
I, I don't know, man. That's weak. I, I don't see those ratings getting a pop. Look at what were they at? 600 something thousand last week? Yeah. Low, really maybe? low. Just yeah, in the I, high I 700 or just the yeah, low 700s. And uh, I, I don't see I don't see it going up. If, if this, let me say this if this dynamite didn't get 1.5, are we going to really see the move, the needle move on Friday that much? No, not, no, because it's already taped and people yeah. already, already know what happened. Man, I got to say, um, a good, disappointing. Again, good, disappointing number. Thirty minutes to start the show. Forty minutes was good. Again, I didn't like the, the schmas at the end. The women's match good until the end of that. Didn't have a problem with the sting stuff until the end. So again, it's like things going well. Crowd's really hot, but I thought they could have done a little better. And now you start to get worried because you threw everything at the wall these last couple of weeks. This was the biggest time period that AEW's ever had. I'm not saying they're going away or that these numbers no, are sure. greater. No. They're living in this 1 million range now, which is very good. If you would have told us a year, two years ago that some wrestling company is going to come in, have all these people on their roster, get a million ra- million viewers a week, everybody would say that's good. It is good. It is good. But I think they probably all looking at these numbers right now. If we had truth serum with Tony Khan, I guarantee you he would probably say he was a little bit disappointed in these Wait numbers. a minute. Wait a minute, Gino. He was out rapping with little Uzi Vert. We're going to get Tony Khan versus the acclaimed <laughs> at some point, apparently. And, uh, yeah, I just that, – that's uh, probably what everybody would say. The show in itself, not a disappointment. because We got to reel in the expectations. Yes, that's, that's it. That's what needs to that's happen. That's it. You're right. Because – this things are going great in the world of wrestling, but I think one thing needs to kind of be it's hot. Everyone's loving AEW, and a lot of good things are going on in, in Raw and in, in SmackDown. Raw's been better, NXT. But the reason why AEW is getting was getting closer and closer to Raw and was having stuff in the demos and, and here and there was because Raw was getting lesser. It wasn't necessarily because there was something so incredible that was Improving their numbers and it wasn't that AEW was climbing from 1-1 to 1-2 to 1-3 To 1-4 to 1-5 it was that Raw was coming down from 2 To 1-9 to 1-8 to 1-7 Sort of a difference there Be You know when one's coming down Versus one that's skyrocketing through And they're gonna put out Good shows every week on Wednesday Friday we'll see if it continues to kind of be Like the B show but we're gonna talk about Everything they're doing in AEW everything they're doing On Raw Smackdown on NXT 2.0 and we will be Recapping Extreme Rules right Here next week with Chad Cooper like we do each and every week A fun one but yeah I, I'd imagine They got probably a little bit of a, a sour taste in their Mouth right now when they didn't when they didn't see a 1-4 Or 1-5 jump up there yeah, I thought with all the promotions and just Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match in itself, I, I thought we're we're talking one five. But again, you know, we mentioned it with NXT. You could put on the all the great matches you want to all the time. People want to see superheroes. These people want to see. I don't know if all of the United States of America wants to see five star matches on their TV or the or in person all the time like they do in other countries. We're a different type of fan, even music, concert. I've interviewed thousands of bands, and certain bands have told me when they go to certain countries or certain states, the shows are completely different. The fans are completely different, and I think it's it says the same with pro wrestling fans, too. Just roll in your expectations and let it be natural and just put on the best wrestling show you can do each and every week. Stop chasing that that 
mythical number that you're probably never going to get because you're going to end up wasting time doing it and it's not going to happen. And that's when it starts hurting your product. Because now, where do you go with Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson? You know, and where do you go with stuff like that? That's got to be another match at a pay per view, but you don't want to, like you said, you don't, you don't want to have it, like you said, ruin a good thing right now because you want too much too soon. You know, you don't want it to be like, oh my gosh, we thought we were going to get one six and we died. Oh my God. Yeah. You remember when NXT, you remember when NXT was beating AEW in ratings and Jericho and, oh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, it it's the demo. Like or, look, it was, was the demo yeah, God. That was the when demo the demo God, God started like coming up, you know. Every Wednesday. It seems like their shows are a it's sprint maybe, every Wednesday. This will hopefully get them a chance to kind of relax because they got everything done, like all their big shows and stuff that they had planned. The punk, the all out, the big New York show, the all the the surprises that were rumored, they're pretty much all in now. They're all here. They're through it all. Now it's time to settle in, settle in and see what you get. And you know what? If you're someone out there who loves every single thing AEW does or loves every single thing that Raw or SmackDown does or NXT does, Chad and I are gonna tell you every week why you're wrong. Because absolutely <laughs> because you know what? None of them do every single thing right. Some of them do a lot of things very right some weeks, and we'll tell you when they do. But we're going to be honest with you each and every week. Chad Cooper, my man, you have a great weekend. I look forward to talking to you next week, buddy. You got it, buddy. Cooper Loop helping us out each and every week uh, with uh, all of the the important stuff happening, wrestling recaps, reviews of all the big major shows, all the big major news. And thank you to Eric for another uh, really great look at week three in the NFL. Chris Griffin, track announcer over at Parks. John DeSilva, racing exec over at Parks. Good luck to them on their huge weekend coming up. And good luck to all of you this weekend if you're playing NFL, Friday, Saturday racing. Hopefully we led you to a few winners or maybe some information that could lead you to a winner somewhere down the line. Joey, close this thing out.